The name's Bond. James Bond. What do you think you're doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Grow up, 007. <laughs> this never happened to the other fellow. I'm the man. Every penny of it. So you put your money where your mouth is. Oh, that's quite a nice little nothing you're almost wearing. I approve. I'll do anything for a woman with a knife. Shocking, positively shocking. You get your clothes on, I'll buy you a nice train. <laughs> it is Double Oz 7, a James Bond podcast coming to you today for a very, very special episode. It's a birthday episode! Not for us, but for James Bond, the man himself, according to the official authorised biography. He was born on the 5th of October. 1962 or at least the movie Dr. No was because today is officially the 60th anniversary of Dr. No and the James Bond film franchise it is James Bond day so unlike what we promised last year when we said we'd come together for a 50th anniversary of Diamonds Are Forever we're actually doing what we said we would do one time because it actually wasn't Noah who organized this it was Colin and myself I think so we are here to celebrate 60 years of James Bond the franchise that we love and know and most of us celebrate because we are James Bond's 42nd best podcast out there. My name is Ben and you expect me to talk about birthdays? No, I expect you to lie. Lots of practice went into that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you saved your worst ever intro for the big birthday special. Um, so I've forgotten it, eh? Uh, <laughs> there we go. You saved it. Um, my name is Dr. Noah, and I'm going to be spending James Bond Day underneath the mango tree getting drunk with my pet double take pigeon. <laughs> And my name is Colin, and no, actually, it's called blackmail. Entrapment is what cops do to thieves. Just thought I'd get that out of the way, because we're never actually going to get there. Yes, Entrapment is our next episode, we promise, people. Um, it is is definitely coming, but we are... We're going to do a big auction for the anniversary of Entrapment. We are. I'm going to buy Catherine Zeta-Jones' leather suit, um, and Colin's going to buy the lasers, because... You Signed know, by Timothy Dalton. Lasers, not the lasers, anything but the lasers. Um, it's exciting, because it is the 60th anniversary of James Bond, and we had the Great celebratory 40th episode featuring our favourite movie. The great 50th anniversary featuring insert sound effect here. And for the 60th anniversary, we are the official celebratory uh, episode because no movie. If you want to watch Dancing with the Stars, go ahead. Uh, But I would rather talk about it on 007 because it is a special occasion. So are we excited, gentlemen? 60 years of James Bond. For at least one of us, it's been more than half of our lives. For the rest of us, we're young. So, um, actually, it's more than half my life, if I think about it. But uh, Noah's young, so he can talk about not being alive for more than half of the James Bond franchise. Uh, what a what a celebratory day, isn't it, Noah? Well, you, you joked about that, but I was thinking about that today. Is like, this series is turning 60 years old, and it's... It's just over half the age 
or doubled the age of I that I am, just over doubled the age that I am, just under doubled the age that you are, and it's still got at least 20 years on Colin. <laughs> so like this, this series has been going forever. Like there are literally 60 year olds born. My father is younger than this James Bond series. So it's mental. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Actually, this no, series hang on. That's not, not true. My dad's older, one year older. Sorry. 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 <laughs> uh, but the, the, there is no other series that has been going on like the James Bond series. It's so unique to cinema. Of course, there's the, you know, they're still making King Kongs and Frankensteins and whatever, but they're not, and they predate Bond, but they're not continuous sort of, um, continuous sort of franchises. So this is the most unique cinema sort of franchise there is and i don't want to hear about marvel or any of that bs um this is hands down the most unique that they've continuously made these films for 60 years double my age just under double ben's age and 20 years on colin uh and to the fact that this series is probably going to outlast well definitely going to outlast all of us and is going to be, at least Colin, <laughs> and and is going to be around until long after, until the end of cinema, whenever that will be. Like, it is a weird thing to think that we're not going to get to see the last James Bond movie, and that's a little morbid. Morbid, it doesn't Mormon. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> very Mormon. It's very Mormon. First Joseph Mormon Smith. reference on the podcast. There we go. 122 uh, episodes in, and you tick it off the list. Well done. Uh, shout out to the Mormon Patreons. Um, but... <laughs> But you asked, are we excited? And the answer is kind of no, because I feel like 007 is almost the, the champion uh, show for celebrating 60 years, and that should never be a... 007 should never be the champions of anything. And, <laughs> like, it's such a... Like, this is going to blow Ben's mind, but here's Noah defending Die Another Day. Die Another Day came out and they said... Look, it's been 40 years. Let's celebrate. Let's put the the crocodile in there. Let's put the jetpack. Let's just go full ham, campy, celebrating Bond. And then Skyfall was a bit more adult about it, uh, but they they still had the the sort of Scotland, welcome to Scotland ah, thing. And they still had all these sort of references to Bond and Judy Dent dying and things like that. Um Judy Dench so, died. Yeah. yeah she, no, oh, like, now she's dead. Off. There we go. That's it our celebratory so gift to the world. We've killed two Bonds, so let's kill I, Judy Dench yeah. off. I mean, she's old. Come on. Oh. Um, sad as if, if the, the queen, queen died. I'd, I'd be more The sad. queen's died. Like, Judy Dench should take up that mantle. She should become the new yeah, queen. Yeah, why isn't Judy Dench the queen? That should just be yeah. how it works. Right. She played right. a cat. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so you asked, am I excited and I'm excited to talk about Bond on this show, but it's a bit sad that, you know, we had the campy Die Another Day reference thing and we had the great sort of Skyfall Scottish thing. And I, I did my homework today. I'm looking at sort of what are the official Bond uh, sort of celebration for the 60th anniversary of Dr. No and the series. Uh, we had a, an auction, which was just a bunch of snooty rich people bidding on the cello case. Uh <laughs> 
Congratulations on winning that, by the way, Colin. I'm glad you uh, you were able to get your hands on that. Well done. Yeah, I was excited when I saw Colin at the auction. That was quite a shock. Closet cello case fan, I didn't know. Well, it's all of that money from his phone calls he's getting. Yeah, that's what he's saving up for. (laughs) Yeah, signed by Timothy Dalton. Uh, So we had that snooty rich person auction that none of us normies would ever be invited to. Uh, We have... uh, James Bond meets Dancing with the Stars where they they are going to dance uh, at the time of recording. You've probably seen it. I know you're all rushing to see it uh, at the time of listening. Uh, They've got dancing to writings on the wall, (laughs) dancing to No Time to Die, and they're even doing the cha-cha to... uh, To what? That's what they're doing. I don't know what... I don't know what the cha-cha looks like, but something like that. Um, it's kind of like that. If we did a video yes. episode, that would have been... So this is why I suggested with this be a video episode that we kick it off with, but no, no, we're yeah, not doing it. I didn't have a shower. Day, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so we've got a Dancing with the Stars special. We've got the snooty rich person auction, and we've got uh, apparently... Uh, like this uh, McAllen special edition whiskey with pictures oh, of James Bond. Finally. On it, which, yeah, I mean, it's probably just the same old overpriced uh, scotch, but with some pictures of Daniel Craig on it. And, and then we've in got the uh, <laughs> a little Daniel Craig in the whiskey. That would be nice. <laughs> like, you know, when you drink tequila and there's like a little scorpion. A little worm. A little George Lazenby. Yeah. Yep. Um, no, Lazenby was in it, but he said some controversial things. So yeah, he, he, got a, he got cancelled from the McAllen whiskey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and then we've got like this vinyl record of like James Bond songs from a Philharmonic orchestra, which is kind of cool. But me and Ben already saw Mary do the songs. We don't need that. It was again. a good night. Uh, it was a good night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wink, wink. And and then we've got this documentary coming out, which does actually look pretty cool, but. It's like about the music of Jane. But are we going to celebrate the 60th anniversary of the music of Jane? So I, I'm ranting, but that's all my homework done out of the way. But to answer your question, I'm excited, but I'm not really excited with how the the officials are celebrating the 60th anniversary of this series. I guess 50 is the big one. I guess no one celebrates 60. So that's why we never celebrated Colin's 60th birthday. <laughs> Um, I mean, the, the only thing you left out was, uh, I guess, the GoldenEye video game uh, finally coming out. It's coming but... out to next year, though, is it, though? Like, that's not... See, I, that's what I'm wondering, because I still can't find a release date. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean... I think they just announced people, it, and it's coming, like, people, next year. People may be skipping our episode to play it right now. Maybe that was the surprise I drop. I mean, it, yeah. it feels... Do it. Do yeah. it. Go play. If, I'd play Double Seven Legends over listening to this crap. Like double R seven legends, you know, where you could play as Rocky. <laughs> you can play as all your favorite episodes. Play as Mildred. Yeah. <laughs> Rocky in the middle of uh, getting run over by a train in Octopussy. I mean, that's, oh. that's my favorite level. <laughs> we should um, just celebrate the 60th anniversary of double R seven. That was more fun. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? There could be, by the time people are listening to this, some surprise drops. I mean, suddenly Idris Elba's announces Bond on this day and we are talking about um 
yeah. Ian McKellen whiskey or something. I don't even know what that was. Um, and we are recording this a few days early, we should say. So yeah. who knows what has happened in the interim. Could Sean Connery is actually reborn on James yeah. Bond. Hello, everyone. I'm actually <laughs> alive. Sean Connery <laughs> as James Bond. And for all we know, though, it could be like the, the big tease, 007 page. Hey, for the 60th anniversary, we are promoting 007's episode on. So we should be careful what we say because uh, no. we could be paying Everyone our bills. Their best behavior. No human centipede yeah, references not. today. They were two episodes in a row, not three in a row. Just in case Babs is listening, everyone on your best behavior, Ben. <laughs> Who? Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't necessarily feel like 60 is a big deal. And I'll, I'll be honest, I don't necessarily feel like 40 would have been a big deal had they not made a big deal about it. I mean, I think 50 is a big deal regardless. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess they determine what's exciting or not. So um, I'm about as excited as Broccoli and uh, and Wilson are cheese. right now. I, I, I'm excited about Broccoli and Cheese. I mean, that's going to be James Bond recipe book coming soon. Um, let, let's, mean- let's try to make the most of this. It's the 60th anniversary. I mean, I'm all up for, I like kind of celebration of anniversaries and that, but at the, at the end of the day, it is all sort of a bit arbitrary. Like there's nothing that really distinguishes 60 to 59 or 61 really. Mm. Uh, and I like, I like the sort of anniversary things. It's the time to reflect and kind of uh, remember these things that we love. But at the end of the day, you are kind of right. That's like, I mean, why 60 over 61 really? It, I, it's, the weird thing is, is that I know for the 50th, obviously, we had Skyfall and then they did the whole Shirley Bassey thing at the Oscars and, you know, there was a bit around it. But and I'm not just saying this because it's the movie I like, but I, I felt there was more around the 40th than the 50th, like, because that was a big deal going into Die Another Day about, like, oh, look out for the references, like, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, I don't know in terms of how that was. I mean, obviously, we're all too young. I mean, Colin was alive. I was just born when The Living Daylights came out for the 25th anniversary, but I'm pretty sure there was like a TV special back then because I think somebody shared that once. That there was some sort of 25th anniversary thing going on back in the day, but I, I feel that once you pass 50, that it always is a big deal. Like you think about people who last 50 years in marriage, don't know what that's like, like barely lasted 50 days, but I, <laughs> I, um, what's that like, Colin? But like I... I knew my great aunt and great uncle got to 50 years and then they got to 60 years. And I remember like their 60th anniversary being a big deal. And it was like the queen, rest in peace, the queen. But like when she got to a 50th and a 60th and what, she just had a 70th like that. Cause it was sort of like, a, Oh, it's still going on past 50. So it kind of feels weird. And I think at the end of the day, they probably in hindsight would have done something for this. Had we not had, a pandemic and also no time that I was meant to be released in 2019, of course. So realistically, realistically, if that had gone ahead in 2019, I don't doubt we would be talking about bond 26 this year as happening. So I think sadly there are circumstances which have prevented us from having a film. It is disappointing, but that's kind of like everything was a drag, wasn't it? Yeah, I know. Right. Uh, you also got to think back like the other missed opportunity, which I still cannot believe they missed was in 2007, they seriously didn't release a film in 2007. So it's not like the Bond franchise exactly. Ben, did you really want to rush Quantum of Solace even more than it was rushed? (laughs) 
Well, it couldn't have got any worse, could it? Um, so you, you mentioned the 40th, but for the 50th, we did get that Everything or Nothing documentary, uh, which is, is pretty much the definitive documentary on James Bond, really, yeah. uh, other than mm-hmm. uh, other than This Never Happened to the Other Fellow or whatever that James Bond um, documentary thing was called. But I think um, you've got yeah, other- I, And we got the 007 Legends, which is the second time we've mentioned that. Um, and... The only time they ever addressed an anniversary on screen in Skyfall. True, true. I think, and and the gun barrel, we got a. <laughs> oh yes, thank you. I think. I mean, the, at the, the end of the film, there are obviously certain things that they have done. So, like, if you're in the UK, they've been re-releasing the Bond films. They've been doing tours. I know there's a big concert that is coming up sometime in London. I believe. Garbage is going to be there. I think there's a few of the other Bond singers are going to be there to perform with the London Symphony Orchestra. Uh-huh. To <laughs> she's busy. She's <laughs> she's busy doing other things. Um, Carly Simon. But I think that you know it's not to the extent maybe you think. I mean, as again, as Noah said a few times, we are obviously recording this a few days ahead, so there could be a surprise drop. Like we secretly filmed Bond Twenty Six with Idris Elba. You you didn't know, but here I mean that would be amazing. Um, but like, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think we're happy to take up the mantle of this, aren't we? It's all about us. It's always about us because we're the podcast that keeps on giving, not entrapment though. If all those entrapment fans have been sitting around, oh, today's the day, it's finally happening. But, um, what we're going to do today is we're really just going to go over each of the films give maybe our favourite moment from each of the films, just talk in brief. Obviously, if you want to hear us talk for hours on end on each of the films, we've done recaps on all of them. No time to die. It was a six-hour recap. So good fucking luck. And uh, also, I think it would be fun. We could give a trivia fact. I've got IMDb open for every single film, and I haven't chosen one specifically, but I thought we could just pick one random trivia point out and, you know, find something new because we didn't do that. I think we started for the first five of our recaps, then we just gave up after them. So... <laughs> Because um, we are the voice of James Bond, it's up to us to talk about things. So uh, unless you gentlemen have anything else to add, do we get straight into uh, Colin's, uh, Noah's favourite about Dr. Noah? Do it. Do it, do it. Wrong podcast, wrong show. But uh, we'll start off with Dr. No, 1962's Dr. No starring Sean, Sean Connery um, and Six Years of Underneath the Mango Tree. I wish I had to put that on the soundboard, but I didn't. Um, so what is our favourite moment from Dr. No? I'm gonna, no, you start off. I won't start off with this one. It's your your baby. You're the Dr. No boy on this podcast. Yeah, well, I again, you said we're filming this earlier. Like, I'm, I'm actually quite busy on the James Bond day, but I hope I do get time to revisit Dr. No because I love that film and I have seen that more than any other James Bond movie. Um, and I think I ranked it third or second or something. Um, and I really mean it. It's not me trying to be hipster or edgy or whatever. Like, Ooh, look how high I put Dr. No. I really love this film so much. It's just the most charming piece of cinema that I've seen. And I just love every second of it. Um, to me, I, I don't know, like, is there a rule? Or do we need a specific exact moment? But, uh, we, anyway, I, I, we haven't really clarified what the rules are. No. <laughs> yes, I've got yes Noah, shot. hard rule. One moment and it's going to last for 17 seconds in the movie. There. 
I, I honestly love this film so much and I hope to rewatch it, but I I gotta give a shout out to my main man Quarrel. Like he he's a fictional character, but I would love to hang out with him. I wanna hang out with him in real life. Why can't that happen? God damn it. He's burning in a bush uh, somewhere. He's I think he ranked number one for our allies. He's just such a great character. I love him as the sort of sidekick to Bond and his death is so tragic. And yes, there was a dragon. Come on. Uh, the, I'm, I've got to give it to, to just quarrel in general. Um, and then a sub mention to the soundtrack with the underneath the mango tree and three blind mice. Um, boom, da boom, da boom, da boom, da boom, da boom. Like, what a character! One of the first sort of emotional sort of deaths in the series and the first ally, and just the charisma of this guy. Um, and he almost the 60th anniversary is his, his death, he didn't live long after Dr. No came out. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the first shout out on our big anniversary thing to Quarrel here. I I'll go next. Um, Ben's just Ben's like you know I'm gonna host uh, and then <laughs> no and then call it and Ben's like I'm reserving myself for last now. That's my my duty as a host. Um, yeah. yeah, actually, I, I I tried to look up what our Hall of Fame scenes were, um, but I think. Uh, well, I, I'm pretty sure we didn't put this one in it. I know that we definitely included the, the introduction of James Bond, but uh, I'm going to say I would argue that Honey Rider's introduction is maybe more iconic than even James Bond's introduction. I mean, James Bond, because it's who the character is and we get that line for the first time. But Honey Rider's introduction might be the one character introduction in this series that like everybody knows, like you can visualize. I mean, there's posters of it. There's everything. And they just they pulled something off with that, you know, Ooh. with her emerging from the water. Uh, and, and yeah, it's not just a pervy uh, pick that I have here, but uh, even just the way that Sean Connery plays off of her, like singing underneath the mango tree and just sort of watching and even his line. No, I'm just looking. Um, I, I, I just I, I struggled to think about any other character introduction in any other movie since then that had that impact that has that type of lasting impact. Oh, as hers Halle does. Berry. <laughs> 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 From what movie? <laughs> Sorry. Did we lose everyone? Go ahead, Ben. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> I've got nothing else to add. Oh, you, just, compl- to you just completely ended it. Halle- as soon as you hear Halle Berry, you just stop talking. Okay. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That, that ends it. Uh, oh, good. Well, I know how to shut you up now moving forward. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think that... You know, I think of this film and I think of that moment and I think that most people would for pervy reasons or just general reasons because it is so iconic. And I think the thing that you always got to also realise is the fact that this was 1962. I mean, we see this now. It's so tame. It's just a woman emerging from a bikini. Okay, cool. What's the big deal? But in 1962, Mildred was losing a shit. Like, this was freaking controversial as all hell. And, of course, in the book, now that I've read it, yay, um, she's obviously naked. So uh, I was so sad when they talk about in the book about she's singing a song and it wasn't Mango Tree. I thought that would have been perfect if they had kept that, like, from the book. I don't know if that was released in, like, 1950, whatever, when the book was written. But anyway. Um, she's, I'm going to wake up, yes and no. <laughs> There's a sound clip. I've got to remember to mark that one. for <laughs> Jump up, jump up. Moving forward. But, um. Yeah, it, it is so iconic. Um, I mean, I fall in love with Quarrel. I think, uh, you know, the, the maybe and want me to break her arm, like that sort of stuff is so good. But, um, yeah, 
definitely got to be Honey, The Water, Mango Tree. And I, I was never a huge fan, but yeah, my last rewatch, I sort of liked it more, even though I didn't put it up as You're high. Coming as- around on Doctor No. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Um, the, the Hall of Fame scenes so that we had were the Honey Rider emerging from the water in a bikini, the you've had your six scene when Bond kills Dent, and the first appearance of Bond with his iconic, the name is Bond, James Bond. Obviously, that's one that always gets replayed. Um, and a fact for you, um, it's not quite a Ben fact. It's a IMDb fact. Um, apparently Bernard Lee was cast one day before studio filming started. According to Terence Young, he got the part of M because everyone else was away. So, um, which was literally he, everyone else. What was he like? Every other male walk, actor in England. Wandering the set. Like, was he just there like picking up a check from another movie? Like you, you're an old British man. Would yeah. you like to play this character? You're not away. <laughs> you're quite the opposite of away. Do it. You're present. Do it. Um, so there you go. Yeah, I, 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 at the time of recording this, I don't know what my James Bond day will be, but, uh, if I've got the time, maybe I'll also watch Dr. No, because again, James Bond day, 5th of October is the official release date that Dr. No was released in 1962 in the UK. So that is why we have it 60 years ago today. If you're listening, let us know what were you doing 60 years ago? And if you are at that age, then what the fuck are you doing listening to this? Um, you should be at a doctor or something. You're probably going to die or something. I have no idea. Um, from Russia, we like, don't know. It's not that old. Man. My dad's 61. They're going to die now that you mentioned that. We know the powers Ben has. Yeah. Every single person on the planet who is alive during Doctor No suddenly drops dead because Ben said so. Breaking news. Everybody who is 60 and above has died today. Sure. From Russia with love. 1963's From Russia With Love. Uh, just read the book as well. I listened to our episode from a few days ago. Um, my favourite scene is uh, the threesome with the gypsies. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, it's got to be the train fight. I I love the train fright. Fright. With Red Grant, the horror version, it was great. Uh, coming up to Halloween soon. Look at look out for it on Netflix. Um, but I mean, it's just it's we haven't done we haven't ranked the fights, but arguably that's probably a favourite to be number one. It's set the scene, and we we know so many of these fights moving forward based off this, and we also know that the uh, meeting in the hotel room with Bond and Tanya obviously was then used in future sort of that was that screen testing scene. So. That too Sam is Neil. up there, Sam Neil. Yes, but uh, no, for me it would be the train fight. I think it's iconic. It's great. It's well shot, and um, yeah, it's kind of one of these one of the very rare occasions that Bond really just has like gets lucky right at the end. But even that's what one thing I did mention in the book episode that again you feel Bond's kind of about to die. James Bond's about to die, and then kind of gets a stroke of luck at the end. So yeah, train fight for me. I mean, I have to agree that. I think that is the best moment of the film. Um, From Russia with Love is a great film, and but it isn't one I revisit often. And Ben always says it because you have to think, and it is kind of true. It is such a sort of spy film, and I love it, but it, it's not something I'm watching on a drunken Friday night. I'm doing this instead on a drunken Friday night, but uh, but it is such a great film. Uh, so I'll, I'll give it to the train fight too, but if I had to mention something that was different to the train fight, um, 
And like Red Grant, he is the prototype of the henchman. As much as we love the three blind mice, three blind mice, and as much as we love uh, Professor Dent, um, it's really Red Grant who sold the idea of a henchman. Um, but if I had to give like a bonus one, because Ben already mentioned the train fight, that scene with Kuleku, mm. uh, with the whole like picture of the actress, like and the shooting sequence and Karen Bay, perfection. Yeah, you know, right alongside the train, I kind of figured everybody would be on board with the train fight. I, I just kind of wanted to give a special nod um, to the dialogue scene that precedes Colin's nodding. That. I'm, Colin's nodding, yes. Uh, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure we talked about this. It was either on the commentary or on the recap about that dialogue scene, even just leading into the train fight, might be one of the longest dialogue scenes in the history of the Bond series. And... I never get bored by it. I mean, there, there is so much chemistry between Robert Shaw and Sean Connery. You, you you really feel fear when you listen to Red Grant talk and you feel James Bond's fear as he's talking, even though there's times where he's sort of pretending to be more afraid than he is. It's just, it's such a perfectly played scene between villain and hero uh, that I think is half the reason why that train fight works afterwards. I would agree. Yes, Colin is correct. Uh, the three Hall of Fame moments we had from this film, and again, go back and listen to our recaps. They're great episodes. That's when we used to be good. Uh, the train scene involving Bond and Grant uh, with the fight and the conversation, so we covered all the bases there. Bond's introduction to Tanya in the hotel room and the gypsy camp fight with Red Grant looking on. Um, so, you know, we love Yeah, do you have the dates that we recorded like when did we record the from russia love um uh, i vividly remember recording it but yeah 20 it would be end of 2015 uh, i don't have the exact date i mean i could find it but um uh, it would have been long before uh specter came out i think which came out in September, we, so it would have probably been around july or june yeah i i mean i i can find the dates we released i don't know about the recording what was but- that seven years ago which, because I don't know if we actually ever did, we finish them all before Spectre came out, or no. did we? We had a few still that no. we were doing. Because I remember Colin had seen Spectre, but we were recording one of the Brosnan episodes. From Russia with Love was released July twenty fifth, two thousand and fifteen. So you were oh. correct there. Uh, and Doctor No was released on July fifteenth, two thousand and fifteen. So. The Innocent Days. The Innocent Days. And a fun piece of trivia. Apparently, I'm just... I was 20 years old. Oh, God. That was... Yum. That was... Oh, I liked you. Um, yeah. I... <laughs> apparently, apparently, all the movies in the 60s, just all the casting was done because people were just around. Our location mal- manager, William Hill, was forced to play the role of Captain Nash at the last minute when the actor hired for the role couldn't make it. <laughs> Where is everyone in the 60s? Where did they go? This is lazy, lazy actors, basically. So uh, I have no idea. Uh, Goldfinger, of course, uh, Pierce, just checking in with Pierce Brosnan. Who was the title song sung by? Shirley Bassey. Thank you for clearing that up. Um, 1964's. Goldfinger and what 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 are we talking what, about? What, <laughs> more, what? More, more, more Roger Moore. I'm not there yet. There's so many moments to choose from in this movie. What was, happened? What happened? Um very iconic. Um I wanna choose the you expect me to talk, no, I expect you to die, because that's just so iconic, but uh 
uh, I I don't know. Like the Fort Knox sequence, pretty cool. Um, the golf scene's pretty cool, <laughs> just because it's funny. That I love Bond basically being a dick when he's in prison, like going down the stairs and like you what? know. Bond Bond was a dick in prison going down. Like when he's like pretending uh-huh. to go down the stairs to distract the guard. Oh, when he's okay, at the, that makes <laughs> a lot more sense. Colin Which making movie the sex did you jokes. Watch? Um, yeah, with the sex jokes. Oh my god, that plunger changed you. I just I want to choose this as my favorite moment just because it was one of my favorite recording moments we've ever had on this show is where we're talking about the gangsters in the room just when they're like what's yeah. that what's the merry go round I don't do business with Chicago what's that map doing over there <laughs> <laughs> like it's just that was the birth of what are you doing what are you doing like it's just yeah. it's so funny that to think that this is you know golfing but it just sums up the movie so I'm just going to go something a little this bit. This is left, a merry-go-round. Left of field when it t- when it comes to you know the obvious ones in this film because this is maybe the most quoted James Bond movie of them all. It is you know the granddaddy. I was looking up the IMDb ratings and the Rotten Tomato rankings. And this is the one that always comes out on top. But um, I don't know. It's probably stupid. But if I'm just talking about random favorite moment now and. It, mainly comes from what uh, doing this show. Every time that scene comes on, I just lose it. It's just like, this is just fucking hilarious because that scene is just so amazingly stupid and funny at the same time. That is one of the fun things about doing this podcast. And I didn't realize it's been seven years. Oh my God. Um, so many sequences in James Bond that we otherwise would have maybe missed. have now become sort of legendary for us to rewatch and Comedy look back geniuses. on. Because we are comedic geniuses, and that's why Barbara has enlisted us to do the official podcast released today. So go over to 007.com. Uh, not 007, 007. Um, well, they can go to 007 as well. Uh, it's okay. Uh, Our two uh, Patreons love it. it. It's better than the Oz Network, I'll say that. Well, um, speak for yourself but, when you show up. Um, uh, but that is kind of what I love is like so many of these films have taken on whole new meanings that I never would have ever thought um, just based on doing this show, um, which is kind of special and fun. Uh, but I'm going to give it left of field one too, like Ben. Um, me and Ben, we're from Tasmania. We're left of field already. So, um, But I- I've always maintained Goldfinger is a good film, but I think it gets too much credit just because people feel like they have to say, oh, Goldfinger is the best. Um, but I am I think I ranked Tilly like second or third in the secondary box. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> I love the chemistry between Tilly and Bon Connery during this and the, the, the location. I've been to Switzerland and it does look as beautiful as it looks there. Didn't you do a poo um, on the mountain in Switzerland? That's where you did the poo, right? Well, yeah, but I don't think I've ever said that on air. So you did. It was on the Oz Network. You made the best of. You, you, you still haven't. Ben has. Yeah, it was on the best <laughs> of the Oz Network. You yelled at me that time as well. So you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, I did do that. Uh, so if any Swiss people are listening to you. Um, but, yeah, I just I love that sequence. I love the chemistry with them, and it's so funny. And I want to give a left field one for Goldfinger too, because I, I, yeah, I don't want to say you expect me to talk. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that one either. Um, I, first, I just want to say I, I, I love that uh, Ben, you picked the uh, the gangster scene because I don't even know if Jamie's ever listened. Maybe she heard our best of episode or something. 
But uh, anytime we watch Goldfinger and that scene comes on, she goes, is this the one where all the guys are just saying random stupid things? I'm like, yes. And also, I want to give a shout out to my favorite one in there, the guy who just goes, I don't like this. The guy on the horse is literally going like, yeah, yeah. We need oh, the that's... I don't like this guy in our new intro. Like, yeah, I don't like this. Welcome to Double Awesome. Put him on the soundboard, Ben. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of have a... Um, uh, a more obscure one as well, or I guess I'm going to say more specific, Roger not just the climax itself, but uh, uh, I've always sort of t- uh, told the story about how, you know, I watched tomorrow never dies and that I went home and they had the James Bond marathon playing. And it was you know, a couple of the classic ones. It was uh, Dr. No Thunderball and Goldfinger. And I-, I-, I credit kind of watching those movies just so close together for what made me such a James Bond fanatic right away. And one of them was because I, you know, having seen Tomorrow Never Dies and then watching some of those classic ones, really understanding like a lot of the, the cliches that people talked about, uh, you know, one liners and things like that. And it was the fact that Goldfinger broke I guess their own formula of, oh, James Bond always miraculously saves the day and has a, a one liner. The fact that he doesn't save the day in the end. I think that was one of the things random that kind man. of made me obsessed. Yeah. yeah, it's random guy. And the James Bond would have blown up Fort Knox, uh, you know, had he cut the wire. And then just random guy comes in and cuts the wire. And James Bond basically just, what kept you? Like, <laughs> I've, I've always loved that, that it's sort of going against. And that's only the third movie. This isn't something where they're like, okay, 20 years down the road, we're going to break our own formula. They broke it on the third movie. And I've always just loved that that movie kind of ends in that surprising way with a little bit of a joke that's actually a joke at James Bond's expense. I, I don't know, maybe there might be some prior to that, but it, that'll become more of a thing, I guess, with more, with more, Roger Moore. More um, era. It'll become more of a thing in the more era, like having fun at James Bond's expense. But uh, that's sort of the original joke at James Bond's expense. I would agree with that. I, I It's funny and then the people fainting at the end um, wouldn't you love it if the current bond would be able to joke at his expense but i mean ask, he would probably slash slash it just doesn't have that sense ask nicholas susick he'll <laughs> give you an opinion on that um <laughs> our goldfinger episode august we, we released so many of these so quickly we must have had time back then none of us had <laughs> jobs and children and this was back i didn't in, have a job and colin didn't have children wasn't this back in the day when we were doing like 30 odd hours of ranking surviving and how the fuck did we do those i still to this day don't know how we found time to do those um, our three Hall of Fame moments, Jill Masterson covered in gold paint on the bed. What about Dink? Dink? The girl's dead. Dink? Uh, Bond versus Goldfinger with a laser and the iconic you expect me to talk. And Bond meeting Pussy Galore for the first time. My name is Pussy Galore. I also liked, um, what was the the bit that uh, they were going to call him Gold Prick? Ian Fleming was going to call him Gold Prick or whatever it was because of that guy that he hated. Um, I always love that That's fact. That's the best trivia ever, I think. Um, your trivia for this one, Steven Spielberg cites this as his personal favourite of all the Bond movies and even owns an Aston Martin DB5 due to the impact this movie had on him. So good on you, Steven. And the rich. The you rich. Could- about the rich. I do. Thanks for uh, paying for our Patreon to the two rich people who do. So uh, I appreciate it. Um, Steven Phil is one of the patrons. He could be. He could be a big Survivor fan. I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe. Is that an acronym for Spielberg? G'day, Stephen. How you doing? Um, Thunderball, my favourite part, the credits. There we go. Um, <laughs> um, Jetpack. 
Seriously, I love the jetpack. To this day, I talk about the jetpack. And just the fact that they got a jetpack in, what, 1965, and basically this is a real thing. It's a real stunt that they did in 1965. It's so freaking cool. Um, And I really do like it. I mean, Austin Powers ruined it when it's like, that's a woman. It's like, no, it's not Austin. It's my mother. Like when he just bashes a woman in the freaking funeral at the beginning. Um, he's bashing a woman, just the fact that you've got this sequence. Um, and this is the dude wears my hat episode, wasn't it? Of double or seven. So, um, yeah, I, I, I seriously love the jetpack and I'm not a Thunderball fan, sadly. I know Colin is, but, uh, it's too long. It goes on. Fiona Volpe, special f- shout out for her. Cause she's great. Only it was a manageable length, like no time to die. Right. <laughs> Well, at least that movie <laughs> felt like it was fast and goes by quickly and doesn't have 18 hours of person swimming underwater and fish shots. Bella mentioned manageable length, very relatable to all the hosts of 007. <laughs> manageable length. That's another all- uh, a, a new Bond girl name. <laughs> Let's be honest, we're all uh, manageable length. We, yes, we are named after our father. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not no we're not known for being big and bombastic on this show. Um speak for yourself. Yeah, thun- uh, uh Thunderball, as Ben says, not my jam either. Um uh, the editing is atrocious on this film, but it is the sort of first big blockbuster of James Bond, I guess. Um and I, I'm glad that Colin at least I disagree with him, but at least he sort of defends this film. I feel like there isn't really one film that we all, like, hate on. There's All of us at least defend one of the films, yeah. uh, besides Never Say Never Again. Um, but there isn't really – is there one that we all absolutely all agree hate on? I don't think there is, so it's no, kind of cool. I mean, ben likes License to Kill. I like Thunderball. <laughs> what else does he like? Um, Beautiful kill. Um, but Ben, you joked about the credits, but actually the opening credits, I really love for Thunderbolt. And it feels like this is the first time in James Bond that they've really got the idea of an opening sequence. Uh, but I'm going to give a, a shout out to the Spectre boardroom scene. Uh, Anthony Dawson as Blofeld. Uh, we never ranked him. I think he's amazing as Blofeld. And to this day, seven years on, I still fight for that to be in the Hall of Fame. I think it's a disgrace that we didn't put that in the Hall of Fame. Shame on you two. Yeah, Bono and the Edge should have been in there. Uh, actually, I, I mean, I do love Thunderball. There's a lot of things I could pick from this movie. Uh, this is sort of a movie that, that there, I guess all Bond movies have their defenders, and this is one of the ones that seems like firmly divided down the middle. You have like half the people say, oh, I really don't like Thunderball at all. And half the people say it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Um, But uh, I I don't have anything very specific. I I sort of mentioned on the recap that I feel like regardless of what anybody's feelings are on Thunderball, it would be hard to argue that this isn't maybe Sean Connery having the most fun he's ever had playing James Bond. And I think that shows more than anything in the one liner. So I mean, my, kind of favorite pick for Thunderball is just Sean Connery's performance, specifically his one line delivery in this movie. Like, you know, she's just dead. I think he got the point, you know, oh, oh, get to my team. why didn't we mention Vargas? Uh, oh. oh yeah. Vargas still. Already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like everything that Sean Connery, the you're glad, you know, like he, he's so good at the one liners in this movie. And uh, I, I, 
I don't think I don't even think that it matters whether it's a good written one liner or a bad written one liner like Sean Connery's enthusiasm. In this movie is so much fun to watch, particularly with the one liners, but just all around. Like, I think he just he had a blast making this you movie. Remember this when we get to Diamonds Are Forever, Colin. Yeah. Yeah, Colin. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I actually the one that underrated line that I always forget that I really like is kind of uh, random, you know, getting saved at the end of the day by Domino, the uh, I'm glad he's dead or whatever, like, you're glad. Um, You're glad, yeah. (laughs) That's kind of a funny moment. I'm just, again, looking at the dates, I'm glad you brought this up, Noah. We we did a lot of these back then. August 3, we released this like two days after we did freaking Goldfinger. Jesus. We had no life. We really did. Well, at least one of us still doesn't. Um, So the three moments that we had as our Hall of Fame, the Jetpack Escape, Bond and Domino on the beach with I think he gets the point line and the underwater fight scene. Really? That concludes the film. I'm with Noah. Put the boardroom room over that. Room. I fought for that seven years ago and I still fight for it. And if you, go, if you go to our, our website, you can see uh, Colin's little video he did of him on location on his honeymoon. There it is. Oh. Going around there with having sex with Jane. Remember that, it's Colin, the glory days? Yeah. Do you want to go back no to those children. days? Yeah. You know, this is our... No this is, our, this is our 10th wedding anniversary this oh, year. Oh, rub it in. And our, our original plan <laughs> was we were going to go back there to the Bahamas. We have to go back? Well, we're not going back what now happened? because we, that we, we had our – well, we that's part one. We basically we had our basement flood, so there's several thousand dollars that it's going to oh. take to fix that. And then our plan was, oh, we're going to go to Edmonton for a couple of days. Let's <laughs> stay close to home. And then, uh, often uh, confused tell, Edmonton in the Bahamas. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell a story. We're like, well, go somewhere closer to home. You know, the kids will be okay with the grandparents for a few days. Let me tell this story now. So last week was one of the worst weeks we've ever had. Um, we had to take our car in for servicing. Another thing that, uh, you know, $1,800 gone. You have to fix some things in the car. But I have a car. I drive. <laughs> I am. I'm a licensed driver. Um, uh-huh. uh, but uh, we didn't have the we didn't have the vehicle. Now, <laughs> normally, Jamie, Jamie would go to the gym in the middle of the day. I was off work. So That's his name. She, she was going to go to the gym during the day. Yeah. Um, so uh, she didn't have the vehicle. So she said, you know what? I can either go downstairs and work out downstairs or I could go for a long walk. I'm like, well, why don't you go downstairs? She goes, no, I want to go for a long walk. So she decides she's going to go for a long walk. 15 minutes later, she calls me all panicked. She goes, do you want to know what just happened? I'm like, what? I'm thinking like she got mugged the way she's telling the story. She says, I was out. I was, I was walking. I was almost up to the grocery store, which is like, you know, right by our house here a couple minutes away. So, and suddenly somebody grabbed me from behind. It was Casper. Now Casper was in the middle of his school day. He had gone to the bathroom at school, run away, run around the corner. He's got a dedicated EA with him at all times, but they aren't quite familiar with how good of an escape artist is. He ran around the corner, snuck out the door. The cameras at the school just happened to be down so nobody noticed. He ran one kilometer. good In his socks, ran one kilometer in five to six minutes and just miraculously happened upon Jamie. Um... And for that reason, we're no longer going to Edmonton. So, yes, children ruin everything. By the way, great Canadian show called Children Ruin Everything, which is my new favorite show on TV. I, I just want to say that Casper's a smart child. He's preventing you from going to Edmonton. So, um, if yeah. anything, 
Casper. I was going to say, forget Idris Elba, get Casper on Bond. Colin, I don't think Colin's told the uh, story on the show about the fact that Colin locks his door when he's in the basement when he's recording. Casper's able to break in with a knife. And basically yes. come running down in the middle of recordings when we're doing the Oz Network. And there's his little castle running around going, Daddy, Daddy, he's got a knife. It's like, if yeah. you hear Colin going, die! <laughs> in the middle of this show, does that mean he died? Yeah, it's going to happen um, one day. He's just going to get stabbed. Colin, on, on the on the plus side of your flooded basement, at least you were able to uh, do an amazing recreation of the Thunderball uh, <laughs> climax sequence when it, when your basement. I love that. You you sent us the video yeah. through of you wading through, like the, shooting spear guns at your son. Getting the point. Jamie, like, it yeah, was there, great. There, there is one benefit to a flooded basement, yes. And yeah, I, it was worth the thousands of dollars for that Thunderball recreation <laughs> sequence. And like, but just can I ask one question, Colin? When Jamie rang you and was like, oh, my God, I got grabbed from behind, like, did you get evidence that Casper was there or was that just Jamie with Jim? Oh, I will be late home because I've gone for this well, walk and, oh, Casper escaped. <laughs> well, well, well I, I had to watch for her bringing Casper down the alley in his socks and then the principal and uh, whatever came to our house. And, tr- yes. Trust me, I know how um, in-depth Canadian married women go to to make excuses. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I have to say... Uh- <laughs> Casper's been called out. He's in cahoots with Jamie. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sorry. Just, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, Jim, he's a winner. Yeah. <laughs> Jim guy. Oh. What was that? Hang oh, on. Say, on <laughs> God damn it. Come on. Try you that again. What is he? He's a winner. There we go. Ben, you spent $800 on this only for you to be about 10 seconds behind the queue. I know. As punishment. And that's a big fact. <laughs> what do you think of that, Noah? Oh, it's pretty gay. Yeah, all right. Um, the fact for this one, a Ben fact. Uh, the opening sequence in earlier versions of the script of Thunderball was set in Hong Kong at a Fantan Parlor strip joint. The man in drag story element was the same, though he was dressed in a peacock outfit and sat in a gold cage. Uh, <laughs> I want to see that. And let me guess, no one else was available and he was the only one who was there. <laughs> That's Jim. That's Jim in the uh, the one. Um, if there's one movie that maybe we all dislike, maybe it's 1967, You Only Live Twice. I don't think we're none of us oh, really yeah. defend You Only Live Twice, do we? So that's maybe the I one. I like them more than you guys do. Yeah. It's like it's not terrible. It's not Thunderball or Moonraker, but it's. I think it was my third lowest on my list, or fourth maybe just above Quantum of Soul. Quantum of Soul, oh, I guess Colin kind of defends Quantum, doesn't he? Um, yeah, you only, live, you only Live Twice is an odd one, uh, but probably Volcano Lair's the best bit. I. It's an amazing setting. Uh, that was our number one, wasn't it, on uh, villain sequences at the end. Um, so, yeah, epic, epic sequence. Obviously, the... You know, the reveal of Donald Pleasance and kill Bond now and you only live twice, Mr. Bond. Like, I mean, quintessential villain look with everything there with a the cat and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's probably the best bit. I know you're a Little Nelly fan now, but I don't like Little Nelly. Sorry, Little Nelly. Um, and, yeah, Dishonorable mentioned the most racist Bond movie probably for Yellowface. So, yeah, that's, that. Uh, you know, don't think any of us can sit here and defend that. And, uh, I mean, Max Dawson would probably say that I would, but he's just a cunt. Uh, um, no, it just came. 
Oh, sorry. Did you want me to try that again? Max Dawson, you're a cunt. Yeah, that's better. Um, good, good timing. You're getting better now with the thank you. The soundboard. Uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to go through all these movies again uh, because it, you can kind of reflect on how over 60 years the kind of general reaction of the films has changed because Thunderball for the longest time was considered to be one of the best. And now the re- reaction is mixed. And I think it's the same with You Only Live Twice. So I think it was always viewed as kind of one of the good ones uh, or, or at least one that people remembered. Like my dad could probably remember You Only Live Twice and he's a casual fan. Um, and we'll get to the next film as well, which has gone through a radical change as well. So what I'm trying to say is, what, what, what I'm trying to say is in 20 years, finally people will say, oh, 007, yeah, actually, no, that is one of the better ones. Uh, so just hold out, guys. I know Colin can't hold out for much longer, but hold out, Ben. We'll, was, we'll was be when there. he we'll dies, that's when they will go, oh, God, good when Colin died, when you brought yeah. in Cable. <laughs> the, the later series were after the death. Cable, Brandon, and Ben Waterworth do entrapment. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll get Rossi back on for Rocky. Octopussy Redux. Um, Octopussy 2 starring Idris Elba. Um, <laughs> I'd watch but, that. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that'd be pretty uh, good. <laughs> they came out of James Bond Day. Big announcement: Bond twenty six, Octopussy two. <laughs> Idris Elba finally as James Bond. Uh, finally, Idris Elba is getting that Fabergé egg back, and Madonna Octopussy as the two. Fabergé egg. <laughs> <laughs> She does nowadays look a bit like a Fabergé egg. <laughs> yeah, um, I'd, I'd pay that. Doesn't quite look like this anymore. Uh. <laughs> oh, my God, he's wearing a Madonna T-shirt. We didn't oh, know. it's taking you this long to figure it How out. How are you not oh realising the big God. words that say Madonna on it and you've only just realised that? Look at her. <laughs> no one you, literally you, came on the line and I said, look, man, everybody's got a cooler shirt than you today. Ben, you overestimate how much I look at you. Um, (laughs) That's a good one. I like that. Um, That's that's a good joke. Yeah. Um, He's wearing a Madonna shirt. I thought we were going to do a video episode tonight. I thought that we could finally start doing videos. I thought I'd dress up. (laughs) We can't because I'm trying to eat my eggs. Um, Yeah. yeah, I mean, Volcano is great. Uh, I mean, dishonorable mention, yeah, to the Yellow Face Station. Uh, dishonorable mention to the sumo wrestle match, um, which is kind of fun as well, I guess. Um, but I, I mean, I want to, I want to give a bit of a shout out to the the, the bath sequence. Ah, oh, uh, yes, it's just so. It's more from our podcast, I guess. That was one of the first times we ever sort of broke character. Like if you listen to the first four episodes, we were actually used to be quite serious and like, uh, well. like very uh, professional. Um, and I feel like this episode was kind of when we broke character and we just ruined it all. Um, so I, I love Tiger Tanaka. So I'll, I'll give a, se- a shout out to that sequence too. Yeah, that sequence also forever ruined uh, the image of Ben having a bath. I mean, the, the oh, idea no. of Ben having a bath oh. is right there is a ruin. I wasn't talking about washing. Well, I would be tonight, but I'm recording this. <laughs> um, but I, I do. But no, I think it was more ruined by Colin and the parts that you don't want to sniff or whatever it was. So, 
I've, I've gone three days without a shower because I can tell. Know, children ruin children ruin everything. So I mean, I would love to have. A so wait, you cleaned up right your now. son's like shit on the walls, and you haven't showered since. No, actually, Jamie cleaned it up, and she insisted that I watch him <laughs> while I shower. Now, say, if we only if we only only did video episodes in there, she she underplayed how bad it was. And there was a moment where I actually wondered if you guys could see where she came downstairs, and I gave her like a look, like what? Because she described having to clean. I it did up. see her um, come down at one point, but uh, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, come down, come down on uh, Jim. Yeah, Jim. Um, Yes, our gym. She yes. loves coming but, uh, so, down. So, on so you're trying to tell us you went to Edmonton and you've not showered since. <laughs> well, that's an yes, improvement exactly. for Edmonton. So actually, he would have smelt nice. If we, nice. If we I don't know Edmonton, I'm showered. loving being involved. Ha ha ha! No one gets uh, Canadian city jokes. Uh, Edmonton. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, this is like Noah said. It's another one of these movies where. You either love it or hate it. I mean, you will see this on the bottom of people's list or you'll see it right at the top. Uh, but uh, I just feel like so many things in this movie, there's so many things I want to love in this movie. Like I want to love the sumo match. I want to love the uh, the bath scene. I want to love the little Nelly. And it's just something, something just doesn't click. I, I, I try, but I can't. I really can't. You can only love uh, them th- twice, Mr. Hilding. But when we did the commentary, we said like, Last 50 minutes of this movie, there is nothing to complain about. Like, yeah. it is so perfect. And it really is the volcano sequence. I mean, that's the obvious choice. I mean, if I'm going to be specific, it's the set, uh, I think, even more so than just the action and how it plays out. That That is one of the most incredible sets ever constructed. Uh, so if, I, I'm, there's not going to be much positive I could say about You Only Live Twice, but, I mean, there's really nothing negative I could say about the volcano sequence. The, the one bit I remember loving in that episode, too, was the fact that we were like, what if Bonnet had gone into space, like at the end when he was going into the rocket, and like, what if they didn't just stop him? Film. You know, <laughs> like that would just would have been, um, that would have been funny. Uh, our top three moments: the reveal of Blowfield, Blowfield. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm Daniel Craig now. Good old um, Blowfield. The little Nelly fight scene, boo, and the final battle inside the volcano. Uh, that was released on August thirteenth, twenty fifteen. So two weeks, a slow week that one. Um, I love this trivia bit. So the literal translations of some of the movie's foreign language titles include one doesn't live more than twice france it only lives twice latin america 007 dies twice japan only uh, one only lives twice germany james bond in japan norway and greece you only live you o- you live only twice finland with 007 you only live twice brazil and portugal and my favourite from China, 007 sees the rocket base. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something from Stag Magazine. I imagine Nancy Sinatra singing that. 007 sees the sees rocket base. The rocket base. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. Um, Is there no Korea there? Uh, not on that list, there isn't. So, uh, yeah, maybe. I not. want then before we finish, I want one Korean James Bond fact. Oh, do you, do you want me to wait till we get to this movie? Or do you want me to just, like, do one of those translation things on, you know, when you translate it and translate English? No? Anyway. My students were trying to tell me I'm basically General Moon. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing. Um, 
On a Majesty's Secret Service, Colin's baby. Uh, we're not allowed to mention the actor in this one, obviously, because uh, he has been cancelled for legal reasons. Uh, George, we were the George Lazenby podcast at the beginning, and we haven't really talked about him much since. But now we disassociate no, with uh, well, he who should not be the I other mean, If we knew what he said, then maybe we could stand by that. But, uh, I mean, this is one of the first James Bond movies I ever saw. Love this film, and it's, it's always baffled me that this is one that sort of is really only getting love now it's sort of for a long time this wasn't loved and i think now it's universally maybe regarded as the best james bond film besides goldfinger by a lot of people but such a great film lazenby is amazing um yeah so many great mo- i <laughs> special shout out to what's his face i've seen it advertised <laughs> which is a campbell or whatever his name is um i I don't know if you can go past the ending, though. I mean, it was it was shocking, positively shocking. And the thing that I think stands up so well with it is that watching it now, it's this is more than 50 years ago, and they did this in the 60s. I mean, I don't watch old movies enough to know if this was ever a thing. You talk about sort of Goldfinger breaking its formula, but to end on a cliffhanger like this, we talked about how in the book episode they probably couldn't have done that with From Rush With Love and only the second film, but they were like, fuck it, in movie number six, let's do this. Um, obviously, it's not great that they didn't really follow this up in Diamonds Are Forever, but it's just such an iconic ending, slightly ruined by them playing the James Bond theme pretty quickly after she dies, but... It's still so sad and harrowing after this. I mean, maybe controversially sadder than James Bond actually dying in No Time to Die. Um, yeah. So, yeah. And I, like, Not I, as sad as when Colin dies. No, that that's celebratory times. But, again, I just I remembered, like, Dad advertising this film. I've seen it advertised. Uh, you know, the Australian Bond film. And then he, and I, think, I don't know if I ever talked about it in the episode, but, like, watching this film and for the first time and seeing him getting married, it feels weird. And you're like, huh, what, James Bond gets married? Really? This is unusual. And then, obviously, she gets killed pretty quickly. So, um, yeah. And also, special mention to the supposed uh, hatred between uh, Lazenby and, and What's-Her-Face. But it's always been sort of you know, confirmed that it was, but the chemistry between them, if they hated each other off screen, Jesus, they do a good job of uh, hiding it, don't they? Yeah, I mean. Probably the best uh, chemistry in any Bond film between the Bond and the Bond yeah. that girl. There is something about Lazenby's innocence as a uh, a non-actor that really yeah. lends itself to this script. Um, And, I mean... Yeah, the other fella, he who shall not be named, old cancel, Lazenby, old man, Lazenby. But, I mean, we should uh, – and sometimes I feel a bit bad for Colin because we call this show Double R7 and we say it's Australia. So like one-third of these people are not Australian and have never been yeah. to Australia. Canada's and basically never, Australia. Like, this point I don't even live in Australia. It's what? At this point, it's Korea's only James Bond podcast. I'm sure it's probably Korea's only James Bond podcast. Um <laughs> Uh, but I mean, he is our Bond. There's an Aussie Bond, and we don't talk about that enough, really. And we are James, the only Australian James Bond podcast now that Spectre etc. is dead. Um, but Majesty is one of those ones that was that that we can track over sixty years. The reputation has changed massively. It was known as the Dad James Bond film, and even I was talking to one of my coworkers a few months ago. We were, the topic of Bond got brought up and he said, oh, my God, yeah, and, of course, you don't like On a Majesty's Secret Service, and he's, like, behind the time. And I'm saying, no, no, that's one of the b- best ones. And he was kind of 
treating me as if I was crazy and as if I knew nothing. Uh, I was trying to tell him, no, you look at any list, like it's going to be in the top five, top ten. And he, he was talking to me like, oh, no, no, like, no, was you're just saying Chester? that because he's Australian. <laughs> Does Nick Chester not Nick like Nick Chester it? hates yeah. this film. Yeah. Oh, what a flipping idiot he is here. <laughs> Nick Chester doesn't like on emergency. Nick Chester is the gluten of all of our co-hosts. <laughs> Oh, the Majesty's Secret Service is so bad. Yeah. Good on you, Nick. Um, Nook. Nook. Yeah, on, on Nook's Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, but, like, yeah, like, uh, I was trying to explain to him, no, 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 I'm not just being, like, edgy, hipster, whatever. This is one of the, considered one of the best now. Um, and you're right on the death, but I'm going to give a shout-out to... I am on the campaign that Honor Majesty's Secret Service is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard is. And I love all Colin's the Colin's gonna sing sequences. his song. <laughs> <laughs> Do uh, you know where Christmas trees are grown? <laughs> Soundbite. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I love the downtime down like ski skiing in the nighttime and then I'm giving a shout out for when he's going through the village with the Christmas trees and he runs into Tracy in the barn. And that's about 10, 15 minutes of just pure, excellent cinema there. And, uh, and you're right, Ben, this never did happen in the sixties. The only other time I can think of is, uh, night of the living dead, George Romero's film where they killed I've off the protagonist. That. Have you really? We covered it we on the Oz network. It. Like it was, uh, in our first year, we did George Romero. Month. I'm surprised. I'm impressed that Ben Waterworth has seen we that. Them. Uh, I enjoyed them. They were good, but they are great films and they do kill off the protagonist in that film at the end. But the difference is like, this is a big blockbuster James Bond film. That's like a indie sort of horror, like low budget film. So the double right, seven never- of, um, of movies. Uh, so, yeah, it is such a, it stands out as such an important sort of movie of the 60s, I think, and it deserves all the love it gets. Yeah, this is the one that's reputations changed the most because I can remember when I saw this movie for the first time, I think it was like 99, and <laughs> back in 1969, yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I, mean, I instantly... I instantly love this movie. Like this was from the very first time I watched it. I'm like, this is, I don't, what, what do people hate about this movie? This is the greatest James Bond movie I've ever seen. And it did slowly build over time. I mean, so slowly that it's not like there was like an immediate shift where, Oh, everybody was wrong about Armand's secret service. Um, but yet you, you will still find, I, I had a conversation with somebody um, right before no time to die came out where you know, we were talking about Nicholas James Bond Susie? and I was saying, it was it was Nicholas Susick, yeah, the good old days. My coworker, <laughs> uh, Nick but, but the person the person I was talking to had the the exact same re- and it wasn't like a reaction of them saying, "Oh, that movie's terrible." But I was saying, "Yeah, my favorite Bond movie is On Majesty's Secret Service." Like, which one is that? I'm like the one with the guy who replaced Sean Connery for one movie. I'm like, oh, they kind of homophobic like, really? guy. Yeah, very <laughs> hates but the they, guys. But they're like. They're like, really? Like, and it was more just like surprise. And I'm like, oh yeah, hundred percent. And it simply came oh, yeah. down to the fact that they hadn't seen it. I wonder if it's the same thing with, you know, Noah's coworker. If you haven't seen that movie in a long time, you you don't quite realize how straight it is and how, yeah. how yeah. it plays yeah. in the lonely. Yeah. But, but that's why he hates if, diamonds are forever. I think if there, if there are gay. people out there, if there are people out there who still don't 
like Honor Majesty's Service or think they don't like it. They really just have to rewatch it. I mean, it is a perfect movie. There, there are so many things I could pick. And I'm, I'm glad Noah said uh, the, like the village scenes because I was almost going to go that route and say the same thing. Like just the way, even just the way that they reveal Tracy, like Bond's so defeated and it's, it's all done in the direction. Uh, the, the way that they're just sort of showing him cowering there and hiding and there's so much chaos going on around him. I mean, the way that Peter Hunt filmed that movie is so different. And he took so many risks. And then just that slow pan up to Tracy. I mean, that's just, it's such a great reveal. Uh, but I mean, I can't get past the ending. I mean, that that is half the reason why I love the movie in the first place. And there's no way of understating like how big of a deal. We, I know we just did an episode where we all had this at number one for like the best final scene. The reason why, I mean, so half why? of it is because the impact in 1969 of doing a scene like this, we've seen the impact of doing a scene like this in 2022. And it's no more shocking now than it was. I mean, it's probably less shocking now and it's still shocking to kill off a major character. And this is also another example of like James Bond breaks their own formula. And it's amazing how many times they actually did that in those first six movies. So people who think that the James Bond movies are all the same. I mean, just go back and watch those first six movies. They're all very different in tone. They all take huge risks, like having James Bond almost blow up the world in Goldfinger or kill off his you know, newly wedded bride in uh, the final scene of the movie. Is it a case of Mildred watching this in 1969 would have read the book and was like, oh, they're not going to do that in a movie. They're not going to mm. kill her off. Like, you know, one of these ones where, they're not going to, because I mean, random example, Jurassic Park. Like, I mean, half the people who die in the book and that, they don't die in the movie. So it's kind of like, it's not like they can change their minds and not kill a character off when they come to making in the film. So I don't know if we really talked about that. Well, we talked about in our book episode, Download Now. Is it out? Download. It is. It's very out. What is it? What is it, Noah? It's, it's out. Yeah. 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 Out, out and proud um, that we talked about from Russia We Love, they changed the ending. He killed off James Bond. Yeah. And they changed that to make it more Hollywood. So you, that's an interesting point that we've never dis discussed. And I, I would love to get someone involved in the script or, I mean, not Laser V, we can't interview him now, but to know whether or not they even ever discussed that, uh, the idea that they wouldn't kill Tracy off. And that's something that I don't think has ever been mentioned in any sort of podcast or documentary or commentary or anything. Like I would love to well hear the behind the scenes of that. Because even in the the commentary that Peter or the I think the interviews and commentary Peter Hunt did for the the DVDs, even he said that if he had his way, they wouldn't have ended it that way. He wanted them to end it with them driving off and use Tracy's death as the opening of Diamonds Are Forever. So obviously it was discussed at the time. Hey, we should hold off on this for the next movie. I was just thinking that maybe they would just not have them get married and it would just end up like a normal Bond film. They just end up in bed. Cause like I was thinking like, I mean, you kind of have to kill her off. Cause how do you have James Bond getting married? What is he in like diamonds are forever? Like, Oh honey, I'm just off to Vegas. Lol. Uh, like, you know, see you soon. Going to see Jim. Um, I mean, he, he, he did, he did go off with Madeline inspector. And then we saw how that all turned out. And it's not like lazy. He wasn't fucking around on Tracy when he was up, uh, you know, with Ruby and the gang and all <laughs> the that. angels of death. All exactly. You know, get a slight stiffness, all that kind of stuff. Um, out three in that movie, the death of Tracy, the night ski chase bond declares his love for Tracy and proposes, uh, and my trivia fact, <laughs> this is uh, related to great award-winning podcast that we are uh, involved in off the podium. 
Many Olympic ski competitors, as well as other ski experts, contributed as body double extras and supporting roles for performing the necessary skiing sequences in the movie. The principal actors were not allowed to ski in the movie due to insurance regulations. So, uh, fun fact. There is an interview out there somewhere, I think. Is it with Peter Hunt or someone where, like, Lazenby apparently on his free time was skiing and they, like, freaked out, like, what the hell are you doing? This is a guy who, of course, broke into an office to declare that he was a seasoned actor and they were worried that he was going to, like, break his leg. Great. And, again, we've never covered it. It's like entrapment. We should have covered it by now. But, uh, obviously, the the Lazenby uh, documentary is fantastic. We missed the boat. Uh, But we'll do it one day. Ben, you're Australian. Uh, Here in Korea, I I went skiing one time. (laughs) Absolutely freaking useless at it. So I've told my skiing story many times. I I did. I I lasted 10 seconds and I chickened out and went and drank coffee in the lodge. So, you know, the see you back in the lodge line from Pierce Brosnan? Literally me. All right, Pierce. So. I, I, I'm completely on board with them being worried about laser piece skiing. Like, I, I own that. We're and Australian. We should, I mean, just on that, you know, he's Australian. It's kind of a weird thing that at least as Australia's only uh, James Bond podcast, original, we're not the only one anymore. But I think that it is a kind of a cool thing. Like that was what my dad sold it to me on, the Australian James Bond. And obviously the Lazenby story is, is well known now. And no matter whether he's cancelled or not, he's, I, I don't even think just as a James Bond, that's such a unique story for Hollywood. I mean, how often does that happen to get cast in a movie like that? You know, like Noah right now broke into an office, like, I'm going to be the next Batman. Um, and then they believed him. Um, yes, it know. is exactly like that. And you joke, but that, it's mental if you really yeah. think about it. It's insane. Like, that is and not just any character, but following Sean Connery in the biggest franchise at, at the time. Yeah, it's it's absolutely Imagine Bond Twenty Six, and they announce it, and it's just old old uh, Jim from down the down Winnipeg Road as the new Bond, <laughs> and his boyfriend, his boyfriend, his girlfriend Jamie as the Bond girl. So, but um, yeah, source of pride for Australia that we are the only. Oh, the oh, the oh, the laser beam, laser beam, laser. The only non. British Isles, I know obviously Ireland is not part of Great Britain, but it's the British Isles uh, country uh, to have a James Bond actor. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, I don't know. We could get another Irish actor. You never know. That's technically not part of the UK. But anyway, that's great source of pride for Australia. Uh, Let's get into it. Uh, Colin, what do you think of the Bond girl in this movie? Tiffany Case is probably one of the strongest Bond girls. Diamonds are forever. Um, Go, Colin. I agree. Always one of those movies that I just loved, and I'm so glad that on this podcast I've got an even bigger lover of this film. Again, it's one of these ones I can see why people hate it. Hello, Colin. But uh, so much to love. And I, I, I am literally going to obviously say Plenty O'Toole as as, as an honourable choice, but the Circus Circus stuff is fucking brilliant. I'm sorry, but, like, it just sums up the movie. You've got freaking Tiffany Case walking around there, blah up your pants. Uh, you've got the elephant. Like, it's just, like, it just sums up this movie. It's so fucking hilarious. And I love Diamonds Are Forever. It's so good. Shut up, Colin. I'm going to mute you when you talk. You're not allowed to talk in this segment. Um, it's just, oh, it's so much fun. Diamonds Are Forever is fun. I I know I'm one of the only people in the world that love this. And I'm, I take my leave from Ben Waterworth because I, I don't care. I love it. And I... It's the whole die another day thing that Ben says. I no apologies. I like it. I can't help not. 
I'm not going to pretend to not like it just because that's the trendy thing of what Bond fans think. I like it. I just, I just do. And I think it's amazing. And uh, I'm glad that Ben is there with me. Um, I wish Colin was there too, so that we could all just be the podcast that really championing, championing dying on dying. No, whoa, whoa, what was that? <laughs> Sorry, what? That was close. <laughs> Diamonds are forever. Uh, I just like it. And I, I said on that other episode, as much as we tease Ben, I do appreciate that Ben owns his opinions. And the older I get, the more I want to own my opinion. I like Di enough. No! no! What was that? <laughs> okay, the truth is being revealed no, I, today. <laughs> how many of you had Noah? You're not so why funny. Colin, Colin, do you, with D. do you not share a similar opinion, Colin? I'm so in love with Die Another Day. Wow, everyone's just loving it. It's great. Oh, why do these films both have to start with, why have we got the double D Because we like D the D. On, we like the D. We like the double D. Oh, I um, like the double Ds. Oh, no. I stopped myself. But I just, I love it. I think it's so campy. It's so stupid. It's everything I love about Bond. I like the silly Bond. I don't want to see the Daniel Craig slitting his wrist with the the stepbrothers and the big, like, let's kill myself sort of thing. I just want to see James Bond. And Colin said it best, like, Goldfinger makes fun of James Bond. Diamonds Are Forever makes fun of the whole concept of James Bond. And I... I love, I've always loved sort of B-movies and like, and sort of bad movies. I've always been a fan of bad movies. I get a lot of joy out of watching a bad movie over a good movie. I mean, Night of the Living Dead, one of my favourite movies, is kind of a bad movie. Uh, I love B-movies and I love sort of, there's a whole branch of Australian exploitation B-movies. I love Diamonds Are Forever is James Bond does B-movie and they know it. It's not like it was a fail. They knew that this was stupid and silly. And that's the thing is I feel like people look at Diamonds Are Forever as if they thought they were making a masterpiece. They knew when they dressed Blofeld up in drag, for God's sake, that it was a silly movie. People look at it through the lens of, oh, they were making Majesties. Yes, it's unfortunate that it followed Majesties and I wish we got a sequel to Majesties, but you don't need you don't look at it through the lens of they're trying to make majesty. They knew what movie they were making. They knew they were making a silly campy. Sean Connery in a toupee, he's fat. He's coming back. He's only doing it for the money. He admits it. I'm already coming back for the money in the <laughs> interviews. Like, and he's having a ball. Like he knows how stupid this is. Um, but yeah, there are so many to name. I love Shady Tree. I love Mrs. Whistler and the pictures for the kids. I love Winter Kid as villain. <laughs> uh, but I'm giving to a shout out to the whole sequence in the desert from Sean Connery in a pipe uh, with the the rat <laughs> taking my rat for a smell like a tart handkerchief. <laughs> One of us smells. Uh, I don't look at you, old buddy. Uh, <laughs> the moon buggy. But yeah, that's my. I'm giving the shout out from that whole sequence with Professor Doctor Met through to the ATV, which I you're still idiotic man. Will you get when out of you, here? Where we follow up James Bond's wife being killed with Pat Sean Connery in a toupee in a moon buggy zooming across the desert, being chased by other villains in Las Vegas, like. 
how can you not love this? So uh, I, there's so many moments that I could name, even even Baja, but Baja. I'm giving the shout out for the whole whole desert sequence with the moon buggy and the ATV. Like, I love this film. Maybe I'll watch this on James Bond Day. And well, the 50th the anniversary episode, Noah, that we're meant to be doing right. 51st. So I make no apologies. Like I own like Ben that he knows it's dumb. I know this is a bad film, but that's why I love it. Uh, Collins, and I think, I'm, making yeah, money. I'm kind of, I'm trying to stall. Yeah. I, mean, I could talk about Di- Diamond Star forever. I just for want to add, time, but- well, I'll add while Collins making money on a phone call right now, that I, the thing that just every time we talk about it, it just makes me smile and I just want to watch it. Like, it's just, it's just, and like, yeah. I, I think, I know I just mentioned it before, but like, it, it literally was one of those films that when I watched as a kid, because I think this was also one of the first ones that I ever saw, I just always enjoyed it. And when you're a kid and you're growing up, you don't realise the opinions of the Bond films, so you don't know what's like. Because, you know, we didn't have the internet back then. We It wasn't like, you know, we bought Bond monthly and, oh, these are the current rankings. It wasn't really an open forum discussion yeah. of that to be talked about. So this was always one of those ones, I think, that when I started to see opinions of other people, it was always one that was like, oh, okay, that's not really well liked. And my dad likes this movie I because this is, again, one of those random ones that dad would just put on. It's like, let's watch a Bond movie. Let's watch the Las Vegas one. And I just always, as a kid, was this was one of those ones where I just was like, okay, this is harmless. It's fun. It's a bit over the top. And I guess you get older, you see it from different perspectives. But, I mean, the one thing I'll say that is disappointing about Diamonds Are Forever that, again, I feel Colin will add on this, is that I don't like how we don't really have a revenge Tracy yeah. film. Well, I agree with that. You know, that that is the one thing that I will say. Um and I like as much as it's great to have Connery come back for one more official film and I don't think we get the same uh, result of this if we've got Lazenby, but I I also am sad that we never got a second Lazenby film. But um I agree with that. So, but yes, but here he is, old man Rivers back. Oh. He's made his money, so yeah, he's just like diamonds are forever. I'm gonna leave. Yeah, I'm gonna make some phone calls. I'm gonna clean some shit off the walls or something like that. But um, anyway, Colin, you can talk now. Get it so, over and done with. What's bash your favorite? Bash up, bash up. I mean, you, you, won't have, you won't have to. Who's you your won't have to mute me. You're not gonna have to mute me. Um, I, I, I mean, there's not much good I can say about diamonds are forever, but I will say. I kind of agree like what Noah was saying with, you know, me loving Thunderball with Ben owning his opinions. We don't mention the one that Ben loves, but. Uh, what one? You know, I- Sorry. Um, but Diamonds Are Forever is, it's a movie. It's something. It's, it's That's unique. his favorite thing. It was made. <laughs> it, it was a movie. I will say, I really hope that, Jamie and I can finish our rewatch so we can get her on for a minute because her opinions were hilarious. I mean, I'm sure even if you disagree with her, you're going to love some of the comments she has. She's talking about like bargain bin bond girl when Tiffany case came on. Um, but, uh, for God's sake, uh, she, she didn't mind Mary good night. She didn't love Mary good night, but she didn't mind her. She's but, no um, she, she's a huge fan of Jim. That's her favorite Bond girl. Is that the name of the but, episode uh, title? Jim. Jim. <laughs> just, no, Jim. Just a Jim. man named Jim. A man um, Jim. doing Jim. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I like that there is you know uh, there are people who love any James Bond movie, regardless of what it is, because you know you get those different opinions. And you know what you said about you, this movie knows what it is. I can't disagree with that. They they, they knew they were making a mess of a movie. They, they embrace their making a mess of a movie. And I think there, there are at least a handful of mess of a bond movies 
that uh, are a bigger mess than this. So that's, that's positive. But actually the one, the one really good thing in this movie, which I really want to point out is uh, the car chase and car chases will become such a massive thing in the James Bond series. And it's not like the action we get here is going to be on level with what we're going to get in, you know, some of the future Bond movies, but this is the original car chase. At least the, I mean, the original car chase that's not featuring sped up footage of cars or bad blue screen. I mean, they, they went out on the streets in Las mm-hmm. Vegas and they really did this, you know, regardless of whether or not that, that one car flipping stunt is an optical effect. Most of what they did here was done in camera. And I, I look at the rest of the seventies era and the, the direction they went in with chase scenes and particularly with cars. And it really does all come back to, you know, diamonds are forever saying, let's do at least one thing in this movie. Very, very serious. Let's, let's take this car chase serious. Let's not make a joke out of it. And let's do something that people have never seen before. And a couple of movies have come up prior to this, you know, with car chases that were probably done, you know, at this type of level, but even in 1971, this would have, probably stood as one of the big car chases of the time period. I'm glad we got a Vegas movie. Like, I, I feel that if we had never had Vegas as a location, it'd be one that you'd expect to visit. I mean... We needed Roger Moore in this movie, though, let's sure. be honest. I, I mean, I still stand by the fact that I know in the next movie we're about to get to, we get New York, but I still think we need a proper Bond New York film. But uh, I haven't read the short story, and I don't know if that would and be 007 it. in New York? Um, so the three that we had were the Las Vegas car chase, the fight with Peter Franks in the elevator and the Bambi and Thumper fight, really. Um, and the fact I have for this one, Tiffany's house belonged to Kirk Douglas. There you go. Oh, interesting. Fact. That's, uh, isn't that Michael Douglas's father? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> a bit like he's the Sutherland's father. And rest in peace, Kirk. He's dead. Um, one thing I want to point out, I, I should have been going along here with our official Bond film rankings of what we had after our recaps. But, of course, our current official rankings are different because a certain person hasn't done his rewatch. So, at the time of this one, our new updated rankings, Diamonds Are Forever is number four. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> this is where Colin has to hurry up and rewatch it because that, the current average right now of Diamonds Are Forever is number four. So, good well, maybe he there. rewatches it and he just absolutely loves it and it stays at number four. Exactly. So, uh, that is that is our list. Uh, Honor Majesties was, by the way, was at number three, and our top two haven't been mentioned yet. So, uh, there you we go. should mention uh, we are, we are at the time of the episode where there's some breakfast available. So. Yeah, what's what's for breakfast this morning? It's it's just like cereal. Easy day today. <laughs> Fucking bad it's a hard cereal. Life. Yeah, exactly. Um, just uh, being brought cereal. Oh. Our next our next one. Um, you sound clip to play today because our next one features one of the greatest lines in James Bond history. A genuine Felix Leiter. Illuminating. Yay! Ah, Roger! Ah, Roger. Uh, the, the biggest opinion change of Ben Waterworth in doing this podcast is my love of Roger Moore now. Um, and when we did our initial rewatch of Live and Let Die, wasn't a fan. This is, I think, my second lowest film, but I bumped it up a bit because it's an enjoyable movie and I, I really do like I really do like, enjoy like this movie, like man. I'm Billy Eilish all of a sudden. When I was a kid, yeah, like, I just like wrote Live and Let Die like all the time. So it was like a dream. I, when I it, bro. got to like talk about it. Um, I mean, it's, it's the thing that always 
baffles me in a way is that like Roger Moore always talks about what his first two films about how they kind of wrote him as Sean Connery. And there are, there are definitely moments you can see that, but I also think it's kind of underrated that we still get a lot of Roger Moore-isms in the first two films. It's not completely out of place. If I'm to turn around and say like, Oh, is there a disparity between Bond actors in movies? It's probably Timothy Dalton has slightly different in his two movies and I don't know if there's another actor where you, I mean Sean Connery I guess but he's just bored in half of them but yeah I, I I don't see it completely but I think he's great in this film he's, he's yeah, the only movie he's young in um, so <laughs> you know there's that um, Solitaire is maybe the hottest Bond girl for a, a while She's, here you go with your Solitaire love again I don't really like her as a movie Bond girl but uh, Jane Seymour's beautiful in this film but like some of the iconic moments just the crocodiles teehee ah ha 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 baron samity um just so much to love about this film but um i'm gonna say my favorite moment uh is the crocodile i just i love the the thing that i love about the crocodiles is the fact that they did that for fucking real like that just blows my mind that you had a stuntman jump on actual crocodiles and do that and it was on, I don't know if it was on TV or something recently, but I swear it was like on and I was watching this sequence. And the one thing that I think is underrated with it is just the silence of it, the lack of music and the tension when Bond's on the little island. Like this is a day and age when you can never have anything in cinema or TV shows that doesn't have dramatic music. I mean, I swear 007 is going to have dramatic music behind every single moment soon. But um, I just love just that sequence and everything about it. So uh, yeah, shout out to that one. Shout out to the boat chase. I'm sure like either you or Colin are going to mention that as well. But um, yeah, what a a movie that I've grown to love more and Roger Moore, Ro- more, more, Roger Moore. Although missing oh, right. Q, we miss Q in this movie. Yeah, but the sequence at uh, James Bond's house is a lot of fun too. Um, yeah, I mean that's something we're celebrating sixty years of Bond. You mentioned it is something we should probably bring up is the fact that this franchise doesn't get enough credit for how many stunts that they do. Like they do practical effects and stunts. And I've talked about on this show before how I'm not really a fan of modern cinema. Yes, I know I'm a hipster, whatever, blah blah blah. But it's the it's the reason I have a lot of trouble watching a Marvel movie or the latest. Netflix kind of crappy movie that comes out because it's all looks so fake and it all looks like it's all done on a computer. And I, I mean, I know that the kite surfing was done on a computer and that you can't do that in real life, but that's one thing that I love that James Bond has maintained. And it's the one thing that Barbara and Michael need a lot of credit for. They've kept a lot of integrity in this series, even though I don't love everything they did with the Craigs. But this franchise is known for its practical stunts, and that needs to get uh, more, more Roger Moore credit. Uh, I mean, the fact that they blew up that freaking thing in the biggest, like, most expensive thing of all time, or whatever it was. Uh, they do these stunts for real, uh, which doesn't happen nowadays in cinema. It rarely happens. And you watch a Marvel movie, nothing's nothing's practical in those things, and it all looks fake, and you watch a battle, and it's just oh, it's nonsense. It's not true. Tom Holland really is a Spider-Man. <laughs> You're the Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bro, Spider-Bro. Um, somebody actually had a conversation what? with somebody recently, and they were like, you know who my pick is to play the next James Bond? Tom Holland. I'm like, really? Tom Holland? Come on. Come on. I like Tom yeah. Holland, but not as James Bond. Come on. 
there's nothing wrong with Tom Holland, but come on. He's um, a weedy James Bond. Like, yeah. <laughs> My name's James what? Bond. James Wim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Could even play James Bond Jr. Uh, but you, it's funny you mentioned the crocodiles. So I was watching a, vid- a video of that a few months ago and there was a comment on YouTube like, oh, my God, how this looks so fake. I'm like, little do they know. Little do they know. Are those the same people watching doc- Die Another Day going, oh, it's so realistic the way they surf off that car- <laughs> the kite. It was you, actually. I noticed Ben Waterworth. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's great. Uh, I I kind of disagree with the assertion that they wrote him as Connery as well. I, obviously, Spy Would Love Me is the one where he found his feet. But, but I mean, I'm going to give it to the boat chaser, and that's my dad's favourite James Bond moment. So I'll stand in solidarity with my father here, like, uh, his favourite James Bond film, and it's the one that we've sort of uh, jumped back and forth on, but I think we all agree now is not the best, but overall quite fun. Yeah. And do you want me to keep talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Cereal. No, no, no. He's eating these Roger Moros. Yeah. <laughs> um, I actually have thought the same thing myself before. Like, this, this doesn't feel like they're writing Connery. I think there are moments where it feels like they're writing Connery, but it doesn't feel like they're writing Connery any more than say the living daylights where it was written for Brosnan. And then they just decided let's tailor this a little bit more for Dalton. Um, that's sort of what live and let die feels like more to me that it was, you know, okay. They probably wrote this for Connery, but then they're like, ah, let's throw this Roger Moore thing in here. Let's throw this touch. in. Um, but I mean, this almost feels like a rankings episode. And you're like, we have a match. Um, that crocodile stunt is so good. And, and, that was one of the first like behind the scenes things that was ever released about this movie. Like that's why it's funny that there would be anybody says this looks so fake because all the way back in the nineties, I I remember it was all over TV that, that footage of all the outtakes and the fact that, you know, you would never be able to pull this off today. You're getting a non licensed or whatever stunt man, just a guy who owns a farm. Hey, would you want to do this stunt? Uh, it's kind of like guerrilla filmmaking here. Let's get some guy who's not insured, who's not really qualified, uh, just says, yeah, I do this. And it, it wasn't even something he'd rehearsed. I think that's the more impressive thing about it. They're like, do you think you could run off them all? Yeah, yeah, I could give it a shot. And he not only gives it a shot, he gives it five shots. And when you look at the outtake, I mean, the outtakes are almost Hall of Fame worthy, more so than what makes it in the film, because you see how close they actually came to not making it. But yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of highlights to live and let die. I mean, again, you get some good chase scenes with the bus and uh, the plane. Um, and I, I really feel like the, the climax falls apart. Although I will say it's kind of an honorable mention. I really do love the first half of this, the graveyard stuff and the, the blowing up the, the fields um, and the Baron Samdi, fake Baron Samdi and all that. Like, I feel like they really started doing something good in the climax. And then unfortunately they had to go to a bad set with a bad blow up head. And a shout out to Whisper as well. Um, I'm surprised Colin didn't bring up Rosie Carver uh, once. Yeah, I, I bring up a lot of things when I mention Rosie Carver. Maybe uh, he's over her. Also, based on what Colin said, uh, Pull This Off Today is also an, uh, an unused Bond girl. So uh, I look forward to her. In well, that, well, that was, yeah, I, I, I think Noah's facial reaction summed that up. So uh, let's uh, let's try that again. Uh, pull This Off Today, an unused Bond girl. Mm, yeah. Yep, that, that, that deserves that one. And that's a Ben fact. Um, the three. <laughs> Do you like the Ben fact sound now that you can hear it? Is it is it a solid sound effect? 
I, I'm just waiting for when we get our own sound effect. Call you, in fact and no effect. You do have call in fact and no effect. They're usually uh, like fart noises, but I, I, and I think we didn't make it to the eight slots on the soundboard. No, no, eight slots on the soundboard. Also, an unused Bond girl name. Come on. Name of the episode. Eight slots on the soundboard. No. It's not funny. Lord. That does sound like something, but I don't know what. <laughs> Shit. That's eight slots, and you've had that. You've had your eight. Um. <laughs> okay. Uh, the three moments, the three Hall of Fame, the boat. It's not funny. Escape on top of the crocodiles, and the introduction of Roger Moore oh, as James Bond in his apartment. Um, I've got the best ever trivia fact here for you. Um, Roger Moore wrote in his autobiography. Have we ever, have we ever read the Roger Moore autobiography? I've got Bond on Bond behind no, but me, but when, when you're finally done with the Flemings, that's what we should do next. Does Sean Connery ever do an autobiography? Maybe like have each of the actors done one? I don't know if. Well, lazily, God, that would be a short one. But um, <laughs> I slept with lots of women and I hate the gays. Um, use that in your uh, what, soundbite, Max Dawson. What would Connery's be like talking about myself? Yes, it's all right to slap women, those little bitches. Um, so, again, Sean Connery in this role, though, can you imagine a genuine Felix Leiter illuminating? Doesn't, I must be dreaming. Does, it doesn't quite work. Um, Roger Moore, in his autobiography, said that he played a prank on Jane Seymour. During lunch, she had a habit of asking people nearby to pass the ketchup, then the salt, then another sauce, repeatedly. One day, Moore and the rest of the crew got up and left when Seymour sat down, causing her to burst into tears, causing Moore to regret the joke. Aww. Roger. I regret this joke. I don't like Jade crying. That's not What a boob I've been. In his autobiography, I'm a boob. (laughs) Roger. I do love that Roger liked to take practical jokes, but uh, poor Jane. Um, Next one. I think this is another one that we all champion because this movie gets hate, and I don't get why this gets hate. This is definitely a movie that I love every time I watch it, and I wish I could rank higher, but I just like other films better. Man with a Golden Gun, uh, great film. And this is another one which I've always watched and never understood why people don't like it. It's fun. It's Roger. He's great. He's got one of the best villains ever, one of the best henchmen. Got a great song, Lulu. Get on board with Lulu. Um, It's just so much to like about this film, and... It's just it's just a great movie and I don't understand the hate of it. Um I am going I like I love the uh knickknack on the junk, the being stuck up in the uh the thing, but I love the funhouse stuff and I, I just love the fact that you've got this great sequence on the the final beach with Bond. Uh, Merry Good Nights there as well. Um, but I just there's something about the funhouse sequence that I love. I love the back to back section with them as well, and just the stuff he's got going on with Christopher Lee. So I'm going to go for that as my favourite moment. And shout out, of course, to... I wish I had that on the soundboard, and that's an obvious one to have, but I don't yeah. have it. So that's a Ben failure. I don't have a sound effect for that. So, uh, Or maybe I do. Yeah. It is like we are the only podcast that really defends this movie, and I don't think any of us think of it as like a top five or... It's not to the level of Diamonds Are Forever or For Ben Die Another Day, but I think it's the one of the few ones that the three of us all agree like is so underrated. And it I love it for the same reasons that I love Diamonds Are Forever. It knows what it is. It knows it's silly and it knows it's stupid. 
and it's got, for God's sake, Christopher Lee and Nick Dack in it. It's just, how can you... It baffles me that this gets hate because this film is so fun, yet I know why it's not a top fiver because it does have issues. Um, and, Ben, you've been to Thailand. Did you go to the James Bond island? No, I've, I've told the story before. We, um, and this, well, you know, probably should have uh, broken up with her earlier, but um, we basically had a tour person who came into our hotel room and was like, these are your options for a day tour. And we had the option to see this island. It's literally called James Bond Island or the PP Islands, which is famous from uh, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, The Beach. So uh, we did that. I mean, it was beautiful. Don't get me wrong. It was incredible. But uh, I tried to sell James Bond Island, but uh, I got outvoted. So, yeah. I mean, that's a fine film, but over over Christopher Lee and Nick Nack? Come yeah, on. Yeah, sadly. And then um, actually, fun fact, I only learned that recently, that uh, not long after we went there, they closed it for a while because the tourists had just destroyed it. So it's only PP Island has only been opened in the last, like, six or so months because they redid it and made it restricted for tourists. Because it is one of those things where it's like you see the picture of this is what it looks like and then you actually get there and there's like a thousand people on the beach just overcrowded. So, yeah. I'm planning on a trip to Thailand next year, so I'll do, do the double R's. Are you going to P- I'll do are you, the d- if you go to Phuket, that's where you'll do it. You'll do it from Phuket. Well, I've been offered uh, two trips and I actually went with the beach. So, because I'm a big, big Leo fan. Oh, who so, isn't? Um, I know Colin isn't. Yeah, but, who yeah. is? <laughs> um, He's an exchange bond. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Bad choice. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, I mean, he likes young women and so does James Bond. That's why I like Leo. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll go there and I'll do the roving reporter at James Bond Island. Um, but I'm going to give a shout out just purely because it's so much fun and so stupid. And it's, this is the sort of Bruce Lee exploitation era. Uh, the whole Kung Fu school and then uh, the nieces. Uh, I love that. When are we going to rank the nieces? And then jumping into the the long boat and the boy. Oh, I don't want to push the boy. In. Oh, I, I forgot won't. the boy. No, take it back. Fuck, fuck what I said. It's the yeah. boy in the thing. 50. Uh, I'll give you 50,000 baht, sonny. <laughs> When I go to Thailand, I'm tracking this boy down. I'm getting the exclusive interview. Um, and the JW is back and the elephant. And you is ugly. Uh, <laughs> so that whole sequence uh, from the karate school through to JW ending with the car and the whoo. And I think I'm the only James Bond fan that likes the slide whistle. And I don't care if you hate me. I like it. It's funny. Uh, I... I- I wouldn't go that far, but I mean, I do have the car flip as my number one moment from this movie. Um, it's still an impressive stunt. I mean, you, you look at this era, the more era of bond, and it really is all about the stunts, uh, you know, from man with the golden gun on every movie would have that one iconic stunt. And that's something that would kind of continue on with um, uh, particularly the Pierce Brosnan movies. I don't know. I guess the Craig movies, they'll they'll have maybe a couple of stunts like this, but you know, being able to have that one stunt to just promote the movie on and uh, really have the movie identified with is something that's going to be such a big thing throughout the the seventies and early eighties. Uh, this might still be the most impressive one. I mean, I know the the stunt in Spy Who Loved Me is obviously incredibly spectacular, but uh, this is another one. Was like, how does that actually work? And that's why it's all the more frustrating that they use the slide whistle because this could have been like the most 
iconic moment of like the entire seventies or maybe of the entire James Bond series up until this time. But the, the slide whistle can't take away from how impressive this is. I think that's the best thing. The movie as a whole though, I just want to say it, it is really strange. I've always wondered like th- this is not to me a top 10 movie. It's maybe an outside the top 10 movie, but it is one that we all love. But yet this has always been a movie where there are so many things about it, where I would rank them right near the top. I, I rank, Mary Goodnight right near the top for Bond Girls. I rank Scarmanga as my number one or number two, I think. Um, Knickknack, yeah. you know, top top three at least, uh, henchmen. Noah's top one, wasn't it? Knickknack was your number one, yeah. right? Yeah. I love my Knickknack. Yeah, and I think that's the thing is that there's, for whatever reason, this movie as a whole is not necessarily the most brilliant thing ever made, but it has so many ingredients that are just like, wow, like how did they get a villain this good in this movie? And maybe that's, kind of the the more impressive thing about this movie is that Rosamund. you have you have things that work so well in a movie that is you know pretty decent but not necessarily spectacular uh review of double all those little ingredients exactly exactly yes um and once we have cable brandon on here i mean we'll, we'll get a, a proper review oh, but uh on. but but yeah I, I i love so many of the individual elements in man with the golden gun i'm just i'm i can't quite put my finger on why the movie itself isn't necessarily a top 10 movie, you know, but it's still still way better than most people give it credit for. Put my finger on myself is also another unused Bond girl's name. <laughs> uh, the top three for us was the car chase with Flip, final duel on the, duel on the beach with the funhouse scene and the conclusion with Knickknack on the junk. Oh. Um, I'm sorry, Ben. You went to the beach? Don't like. I mean, the All, All Saints sold it for me. You know, Pure Shores, All Saints. Colin loves that song. That's a great song. Stand up for yourself, Ben Waterworth. It's well, Man with the Golden Gun. How did that work out for me, Noah? We know what happened. We know how that movie ended. So um, that, that, that should yeah, be you know, sign. If that if you had fought, sign? you would have had at least one good memory if you fought for yourself. Well, shut up. Um, <laughs> I had sex more than twice with her. Like you, Colin. Uh, most men have had more sex twice than her, but whatever, that's another story. Um, the fun fact I've got for this one, as a joke on Desmond Llewellyn, uh, look at Roger Moore here, he's Mr. Prank on set here. As a joke on Desmond Llewellyn, Llewellyn, Sir Roger Moore wrote fake dialogue for Q and then gave it to the script girl to give to Llewellyn after he had spent a whole month learning his lines and was about to come on set. Aw, Roger! <laughs> No, Roger Moore was such a prankster. You, did you ever listen to our VJ interview where he told that fantastic story about Roger Moore? Basically, they were on the set and uh, he was telling some story. It was like a dinner, and halfway through the story, Roger Moore was just basically like, "Oh, hold on a moment." Jumped in the swimming pool with a cigar and fully dressed, swam from one end to the other, got out of the pool, and just continued telling his story because it's Roger Moore. So what a legend! What a man! What a man! Um, what a prankster! I didn't know he he should have been on punked. <laughs> when are they bringing back punked? <laughs> when are they going to bring back? Punked. Where's the James Bond? With 60, George Lazenby. The James Bond 60th anniversary of Punked, uh, featuring Ashton Kutcher pr- punking all the Bond actors. <laughs> I, I'm here at the. Yeah, well, I mean, George Lazenby. Have done a Bond. When are they going to do the Punked Bond special? The Survivor Bond special? <laughs> I'm at the house of Timothy Dalton. What the fuck is? I can't even do Timothy. I've lost my Timothy Dalton. Apparently, I'm in character. I Why mean, are you we- at my house? 
we we are joking about the uh, all the different reality show specials, but they are making a James Bond oh. reality show. We should mention yeah. that. What a stupid idea! <sighs> Can't we wait for that to do reviews of it here? Um, Big Survivor fan ten is looking forward. To- well, one thing that we're looking forward to right now is talking about the spy who loved me. Uh, clang, clang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang, clang, a lang. We've had Colin's number one film. Now we're at Noah's number one film. What an amazing movie. Uh, Roger Moore's best and one of the best movies of the entire franchise. I had it in my top 10. Colin, I think, had it high. You had it at number one. Um, I, I mean, if you were to talk about the average being in the top 10, you would assume it would be this one, not Goldeneye, but. So many great things to love about this film. So iconic and definitely one that you can just put on and, and watch. Um, so, yeah, so many options to choose from. But I am going to choose the – am I going to choose the opening sequence? No, I'm going to choose the Lotus because I just love that scene of the Lotus crashing into the water. Uh, again, this I come down to the fact that people shit on the invisible car and diner the day. You've got a fucking car that turns into a submarine in this movie and no one ever brings this up as being shit, but it's not shit because it's amazing. And just that sequence when he goes in the water and then the bit when he comes from the, off the beach and he puts the fish out onto the sand and just has that look on his face. And also the, the, like the little wave he gives to Naomi in the helicopter too, just like just that whole sequence is amazing. And the, have I ever let you down cue frequently? Like it's just, it's so good. And I mean, I feel we're all going to have a different choice for this one. I know the opening jump is the, the obvious choice because it is iconic, but I don't know. I just love this whole sequence. It's just fun. And I love this movie too. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I love Diamonds Are Forever, but and I never used to have a favorite Bond film, unlike you two. But after doing our rewatch and seeing this movie, this is my favorite Bond film. I think this is the best Bond film. It's per- perfection. There, there's, there's nothing wrong at all. And every time I watch it, it gets better and better. It's. I I wish I got the credit in terms of cinema for being one of the all-time great films. And I feel like none of the Bond films get credit for being great films. Of course, the Bond series gets credit, but no one looks at a Bond film and thinks, oh, yeah, that was a great film. Um, But it's perfection, this film, everything about it. Even Stromberg being a bit meh, it it works fine in the context of the film. Uh, Yeah, I mean, not counting the opening sequence, which is amazing, I want to give a bit of a shout out to uh, a lot of what happens in Cairo. First, the whole Cairo. nighttime <laughs> sequence. Oh yeah, Colin uh, to do that. Then, He's good at that. Yeah, he is good at that. But but then I, I want to give a shout out to uh, the whole um, uh, Jaws fighting at Roger Moore and Anya in a car. Like that whole sequence is amazing. Roger Moore is on fire. Richard Keel is Colin great in that, that sequence. Uh, yeah. but like the whole uh, that whole sequence is one one liner central, and like it's just a henchman like we've never seen before that's fighting a car. Like, come on! Uh, Dishonorable mention to Roger Moore on a fridge jet ski. Um, oh, that's shit. But yeah, I mean, I said I'd watch Doctor No. I said I'd watch Diamonds Are Forever. I almost want to watch this film on the James Bond day. I absolutely love the Spider Man. I, you know, I did, I didn't want to go with the obvious choice of a stunt uh, for two in a row, but um, kind of like with from Russia with Love, where I really wanted to highlight the the dialogue portion of the scenes between um, Bond and Grant. 
I feel like in Spy Who Loved Me, one of the things that always gets overlooked is like the, the pyramid sequence and just the mood and the atmosphere. And we have a like that, that, that music. And we were waiting for that. <laughs> there, there's like, there's so much mood to that. Uh, and it's, it's so unusual that the score for that sequence actually exists. Like Bond himself is hearing the music as he is interacting with Jaws and you got Jaws the vampire and stuff like that, just the location and being able to see all those pyramids and everything. I, I almost feel like, um, you know, from, I guess Diamonds Are Forever, it, it, it's lessened because we see Las Vegas so much now. But I mean, at the time, I guess Diamonds Are Forever, seeing Las Vegas is a big deal. But maybe Live and Let Die and Man with the Golden Gun, you didn't quite get the locations showcased nearly as much as you used to in the classic Bond movies. And being able to see the pyramids and everything with this nighttime sequence and all the, the sneaking around the music and everything. I mean, I, I don't even know if that one was in our hall of fame. Maybe it was, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like there's so many strong moments in spy who love me that uh, you know, you, you can't pick everything. So maybe the, the pyramids could have made it if it had been another movie, but, um, but yeah, I, I feel like that in any other bond movie, the, the fact that spy love me is such a strong movie is one of the reasons why that, you know, pyramid scene maybe does get overlooked is because there's so much other great stuff in it. It did make our top three. The scene yes, chase with smart. in the pyramids at night in Cairo, the Lotus crashing off the water, uh, wharf into the water and the opening sequence with the ski jump, obviously. Um, the This is one that I did not know, and I don't know if any of us knew this one. Though not credited, Charles Gray has an off-screen cameo as the narrator heard in the pyramid scene. This makes Gray's third participation in an official Bond movie with his first appearance as Henderson and You Only Live Twice more noticeable as Bond's arch nemesis, Blofeld. And so there you go. He's the narrator. He's, he's, just, he's like in the Rocky Horror Picture Show. The narrator again. Yeah, Colin's favourite. Colin's favourite movie. He loves it. Uh now you mentioned the the light show. Uh, I think in our episode we mentioned that this is an actual thing that yeah. you can go to, right? I don't think it is uh, anymore. I think it's Roger Moore. I think it's not anymore. I just said that. No, no, it is. And I found oh, uh, the Egypt Giza uh, sound and light. Do you want to hear some of the one star reviews? Oh, of course I do, uh, Noah. Uh, the place was outside, smelled of manure. <laughs> My ticket booking experience was poor. Uh, and the show was in Spanish, even though they said they would give it in English. <laughs> um, uh, they saying Mary, right? The then? translators, uh, one star did not worth my time. Did Equipment th- was old and the lights are not working properly. Uh, <laughs> uh, two star poor show. The show was very poor, poor sound and light. Um, a one star, outdated, <laughs> outdated as we live in 1992. Low graphic technology, bad. <laughs> Only good you can see all the pyramids from good viewpoint. <laughs> and last one, one star, the worst ever. I was very embarrassed and disappointed when I was in the show. Uh, the translation devices are not working. The voice of the show is very boring. Oh, poor Charles Gray. Uh, information is too little, and the street dogs were everywhere fighting and wanted to eat us. <laughs> are you reading the, the reviews of 007 right now? We cannot meet in this place. <laughs> I feel this is a 007 review. You're on the wrong review site right now. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> the voice is terrible. Uh, the translation sucks. Uh, the street dogs no. everywhere. Uh, the street dogs wanted to eat the participants. Oh. <laughs> Sounds kind of entertaining, if you ask me. 
Um, yeah, uh, so I recommend Light and Show, uh, Light and Sound, Egypt, Giz- Egypt, my favorite country. Egypt. Uh, yep. Uh, of course, after Spy Who Loved Me, we had a four-year gap. No movies existed between Spy Who Loved Me and anything else because we went straight Wasn't to- it For Your Eyes Only? Next? For Your Eyes Only was the next film, of course. Uh, nothing else happened in between it. Uh, Moonraker. Um, again, I think I've told the story about this as maybe the second Bond film I ever saw after from Goldeneye, from Goldeneye, the unnamed title. And as a kid, I liked it, but then I grew a brain. Um, again, it's- Better than a like it's a James Bond film, so I'm gonna watch. I mean, it's better than The Last Jedi. It's better than Rise of Skywalker, and they're in space. Uh, so um, not that true. It really maybe better than The Force Awakens. I don't know. Um, it's, <laughs> rank your favorite space movies. <laughs> Moonraker, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, Moonraker. <laughs> common, common ranking. Um. If he doesn't go to space in the end, I probably don't hate on this film as much. Uh, yeah, just I can't stomach it. But um, if I have to choose a best bit, um, Jaws' face as he goes over the uh, thing. You know, we talked it up in the commentary, Noah, when you, of course, said this famous line. Oh, it's pretty gay. I, Rio is an underrated location. I think that uh, we don't often talk about the great locations of Bond and we don't talk about Brazil and it is a great looking location and i think it, it does fit very well with that the the opening sequence the the jump is fun um and drax grows on me i think now that i love him in the book uh not quite as good as he is in the book but there's stuff there going on with that um but uh yeah i'll either go with the rio stuff or this line a woman uh, that's maybe uh, up there as the best bit. Oh, I forgot that I added that sound effect. Was that, Roger? A woman. Yep. So there you go. But, yeah, talk it that up. Has, that has become a meme. A woman. Um, a woman. Yeah, I mean, I just want to quickly mention the gay thing. Um, oh, that's not the gay thing. That's the wrong button. That's sheep. That's the Welsh gay thing or the, the New Zealand the, gay this thing. This is what I was meant to press. That's oh, pretty gay. Thank you, Sheepy McSheep Sheep. Uh, Why didn't you play that when we were talking about Nook Chester? I was going. Um, that's Nick Chester's intro when he's on the brink. That's why I've got it on here. So, um, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty gay. Man. <laughs> uh, the way I say that quote makes it sound like I'm being derogatory. I'm not. Oh, I love stop the being woke and hipster. Max Dawson's no, not listening to this. I, I thought it was Mardi Gras, and it wasn't Mardi Gras, but I thought it was a gay thing. And you're also very um, drunk on that episode. You didn't even remember saying yeah. that when I said that the next day. No, but it was a fun episode. You can't deny that. It was, it was yeah, one of the it, fun it, ones. But that was the Colin laughing episode. Colin was, that was the first ever episode yeah. Colin was never on Double Oz 7. Well, so. I wasn't going to say it, but it was very fun and Colin wasn't there. Well, mm. you know, he's not listening um, right now. It's fine. No, he's that's working. what I can say that. Yeah. Um, I hate twerking. <laughs> I actually secretly really hate Colin. He just, he smells. Oh, I didn't want to say it, but I'm glad now that you've said it that, yeah, I do too. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> That's the episode of the title. Colin sucks. Canadians. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for? Colin. <laughs> Colin. It's pretty His gay. Wife oh, cheating on him gay. with Jim. It's a Canadian woman thing. Um, That's what they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I the thing is I get why you don't like this movie. Um like 
Well, I don't, but I get why people have issues. James Bond going to space, it's stupid. I get it. I totally get it. But I kind of thought you would be in that sort of Diamonds Are Forever, I want Diamond to be. Day. I do. I really I do. I don't get why you don't, because you, Colin should be the one complaining about this, but he's on kind of on my side. You sh- you like Diamonds Are Forever. You like Die Another Day. You should like Moonraker. Yeah, I, I know. And I like I, I honestly do wish that I do. And, like, when I did the rewatch last year, I got to, like, a, I'm like, okay, this is, you know, like, maybe I do like this more. Um, But it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just uh, the, the space stuff is just so tacked on. And, like, I mean, if in the book he went to space and I'd be like, okay, fine, he goes to the book. Like, why didn't we get the book? Like, I mean, the book's a great plot. I mean, yeah. Like I uh, I don't know. The book would have made a good Connery, but uh, but I love this movie, and I know it's dumb. I totally know it's dumb. There's a double take pigeon. By the way, I've not listened to it, but apparently Quentin Tarantino has a podcast, and he reviewed Moonraker on it. Is he is he uh, called Quentin Tarantino has a podcast live from <laughs> my apartment? Yeah, but apparently he reviewed Moonraker. I've not heard it, but we should listen to that. Um. But, I mean, I'll give a shout-out to the cable car, but um, but outside of the cable car, just because no one else is going to say it, I'm going to be the one person to ever say it. I like the space stuff. Ugh. I think it's cool. I think it's fun. I need the vomit sound effect. But I don't Roger Moore in space and Jaws. Let's give a shout out to Dolly. Come on. <laughs> I need to have the Dolly. Where did Dolly rank in our secondary girls? She ranked highly, I think. Yeah. I need to have the dinner. I will say that the recap was hilarious when Colin queued up the sound effects on his phone. Colin's earning. That was probably one of our funniest episodes. Colin's earning money right now. So he said that his favorite part is the char fight scene. So, um, and one of the biggest baffling things for me ever is the fact that you two defended char. God, go back and listen to the episode. You both Come hated on, it. You're talking about Char from the Die Another Day music video, Ben. Uh, um, the opening skydiving scene, Bond attempts re-entry, and the cable car scene made our top three. It's also written here, oh, and that Jaws face, which was that not our all our uh, profile pictures back in the Skype days? Remember the Skype days? Uh, was- uh, can, we, can you even change your picture on Zoom? I can put it in the background. I had Billy Magnuson's smile. So, um, yeah, I actually haven't even chosen one. I'm just going to choose a random one here. Kate Bush was apparently reported to sing the theme but turned it down. Oh, that would have been all right. Kate Bush, he's a flavour of the month in 2022. So, there you go. Um, let's get into... Was Kate Bush around in 77, 79? Yeah, I think she was. Uh, when did, like, MacArthur Park come out and freaking uh, Wuthering? That was 70 songs, weren't they? 80s. I thought that was 70s. Anyway, um, Horsey, hey, Masasha. Uh, I like the bush. Um, <laughs> no. Um, I don't want to have to do oh. this ever again. Really. <laughs> well, the rock effect. I was meant to press this, uh, but it's said we got Pierce. Oh, over the place, Waterworth. Get, get your soundboard together. Pierce Come doesn't on. want to do anything. What, uh, what's going on here, Noah? No. I don't know. Pierce Brosnan hates Kate Bush. Kate, Pierce Brosnan hates the bush. Kind 
I just want to send a shout out to Pierce Brosnan. What a man he is because it was his birthday's wife, uh, his birthday's wife. It was his wife's birthday during the week. And as we've talked about before, every year on his birthday, without fail, her birthday, he always posts like how much he loves her and all this sort of stuff. And then you get these stupid media websites, fucking media. They jump on board because Pierce Brosnan's wife has put weight on over the years. She's a bigger oh, woman leave now. Her alone. So then all like the media people jump on board like, oh Pierce Brosnan and his fat wife. And then like like fuck you people. Like Pierce loves his wife and he's alone. Come, he's come out and said like like I don't care what she looks like. Like I still love her as much as the day I met her. So it's like, fuck you. Leave Pierce alone. Right, Colin? You're oh, back now? Leave fat. Pierce alone. Leave Pierce alone. People are fat, right, Colin? People are He's fat. either in front of or behind Ben in the human centipede. <laughs> He's on every angle of me on the human side. He can have every hole. Get over the, the it. Pier- the Piercipede. <laughs> There's the episode title. Piercipede. <laughs> I agree. I agree with Ben. Screw the media. Why? Why did we get journalism degrees? Leave Pierce's wife alone. Piercipede. That's brilliant. That's up there with Octopussy's hole. Uh, where are we? <laughs> where are we? <laughs> First, Pierce Brosnan's wife dies, and then his second one gains a bit of weight, and they don't leave him alone. It's leave so Pierce mean. Alone. Like, like, this is the thing that he's just such an incredible man that, like, without fail, he literally will post, like, how much. It's not just like a happy birthday, darling, have a great day. And, like, And this is not a guy who's good at social media, we should say that. No, he's, he's a bit old man river at the moment. He doesn't know what he's Terrible at social media. But like, I, I need to find this post right now on the on the Piercipede. Um, so he posted the other day, Happy birthday, my darling Keely Shea Brosnan. I love you dearly. So many years of love, life, work and play. Oh, play. Onwards we go. Oh, like, come on. Leave her alone. So People what? gain weight. Like, get over it. Yeah. Oh, and then on, you look on her Instagram. She posts a picture of their wedding day. Happy anniversary, my love. Oh, what a couple. God. What a man. What a, exactly. Star Wars as Pierce Brosnan. I know. How exciting is that? Soon to be Black Adam's uh, Pierce Brosnan. Piercepede. Uh, the franchise we never knew we needed. Can we start like you know? There's the James Bond wiki, the Lost wiki. Can we start the Piercepedia? The Pierce. <laughs> <laughs> it's just old Pierce. <laughs> that may be better than Piercepede. Piercepedia. It's like a it's like a human centipede. We're just building and building on. Yeah. <laughs> Piercepedia. You know, like. There's the James Bond wiki, but what about the Piercepedia? You know, the, there are actually some surprising Wikipedias out there. I know there's like a Taylor Swift wiki because, of course, we need that one. So it wouldn't surprise me if there already is a Piercepedia. Um, if I Google Piercepedia, what do you think comes up? I've typed in Pierce Brosnan Wikipedia. It just comes up with Pierce Brosnan on Wikipedia. Um, if you Google Piercepedia, you either get piercepediatrics.com uh, from it's the excellent in pediatric care for all children in uh, Chicago, or you get Austin Pierce on Instagram at Piercepedia. <laughs> oh, he's already stolen it. Uh, the Piercepedia. Oh, that's... should we like interview him? Get him on the show? Who Pierce Brosnan? Nah, 
<laughs> no, uh, the pediatric guy or Austin Pierce. I, I, I think what we need to do is we just need to like literally find all six Bond actors, like real people called Pierce Brosnan, Timothy Dalton, and they just get them on the show. Like we've got Pierce Brosnan on the show this week, and it's just like <laughs> today we have George Lazenby. It's like some American doctor. <laughs> That's, they did that on an Australian radio uh, station. They got a real life Matt Damon to interview Matt Damon. So. Uh, hilarious. Well, anyway, uh, quality journalism. <laughs> that's the uh, the actual review on Ben Waterworth's journalism rankings page. Um, Pure eyes only. Mustache on a horsey. Um, Pierce Brosnan's first wife uh, was in this film. Um, a movie I've always liked. A movie that I was shamed I had it ranked so lowly on my rankings just because I just loved all the other movies ahead of it. And again, this is one that I always remember watching as a kid and always enjoying it. Seems to get a lot more love now than it used to. Uh, good song, uh, good plot. Uh, we've had the villain on the show. He wasn't all that great. I mean, the interview was great, but the villain himself, Chris, not not fantastic. But yeah, I enjoy it. It's got the former best ever secondary Bond girl in it of all time, of course. So what else can we complain about that? But um, yeah, I'm going to go with the uh, Bond kicking lock off the cliff. This is the most probably badass, brutal kill in all of Bond. And I mean, this is the part where they're writing this for Roger Moore, isn't it? Like this is this is a Connery <laughs> kill, um, but I don't think Roger Moore liked this kill. Did I? I didn't like kicking him off the cliff. Um, but I, I just it's such badass and a special note out to the the end sequence of climbing the cliffs. I think Noel was that you who ranked that quite lowly in the in our rankings. But like just going back to my point about the crocodiles and the lack of music and the tension, like that sequence is epic. The way they film that and it never gets a lot of love. So uh, I'm giving it to the cliff. But uh, that going there and um, what's her name? Holly Johnson. Um, yep. Luton Holly Johnson. BB. Have my babies. I mean, I don't want to jump ahead on the trivia. because I know you're giving us. I know you're giving us trivia, but I got this off the Piercipedia. Um, that it's actually a little known fact that because uh, Roger Moore really didn't like this lock kill, that when uh, he kicked lock off the cliff and the car went down, uh, there was actually a bit of dialogue that they cut out of lock saying, as he as he flew flew down the your uh, microphone cut out whatever you said there, so I have no idea what you just said. Ah, <laughs> oh, it was a good joke too. <laughs> Try and that you'll again. Never know. <laughs> you'll never know. You'll never know. Ah, oh, I was wondering why they got no reaction. Because I think you whenever like, your microphone, I've always noticed on all our recordings, whenever you do like a high pitched voice, uh, it always seems to cut out. So whenever you speak like this, it always like cuts out. Well, I was imitating a young boy, so yes. Um, <laughs> His buttocks. I was wondering why you two were reaction- reacting. I thought that was a great joke, but Bono, you'll never B- know. Bono and the um, Edge hate jokes. Yeah. Oh, God. What a shame. Um, anyway, that's my joke of the week. Uh, but, yeah, this this episode needs to get a shout-out for, I think, for your eyes only, it might be our all-time best episode. Like, <laughs> peak uh, 007 humour. Peak Double R Seven. That, that's when we knew that we were we were screwed in the head and that we were not a proper show. And I blame um, you because you were the one who came up with Mustache and then instantly regretted it. I did. And then we just we built on <laughs> it. The only one that might match it is ranking the allies. If you go back to listen to that, that's in the car. I want to go battle. <laughs> but if you've not heard many Double R Seven episodes, go and listen to the four year. You, will, you live a great life if that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
Uh, yeah, I don't like this as much as most Bond fans. I don't dislike the film, but I just don't see it as much. And I don't get this idea that it's this sort of super serious Bond film. I don't agree with that. I mean, it starts with Blofeld in a wheelchair saying, a delicate for God's sake. And it features Roger Moore feeding, by fighting hockey thugs. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the lock sequence is great, but I... I want to give a shout out to ice cream. Like, I love that sequence so much. I don't care. <laughs> the the former number one secondary Bond girl, BB, I just think it's such a memorable sequence and Roger Moore plays that off so well. Uh, so for the most serious Roger Moore film of all time, I'm giving it to uh, this sequence, which is one of many not serious moments. Not a banana cue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, banana, <laughs> Sharon. Uh, Sharon. <laughs> Uh, the pictogram thingy, I mean, Margaret Thatcher, the parrot, this is not as serious as people make out, for God's sake. Um, but I'm giving, I don't care, I'm giving it to Virgin Ice Cream. Uh, I, I That made our opening theme as well, the I'll buy you an ice cream. And, and again, one of those lines that Jamie will even quote, even though Jamie's probably seen this movie twice. Yeah, uh, she's Jim, like, I Jim like that movie for us only. actually. <laughs> Jim bought Jamie lots of ice creams, apparently. Jamie actually said, recreates that Jim, scene in bed all the time. You think I'm not a virgin? Yeah, Jim uh-huh. still thinks she's a virgin, actually. No, I recreate that scene in bed all the time. You think I'm not a virgin. Oh, uh, you are a we virgin. we got two, three kids to prove it. Uh, but uh, it, I was actually kind of shocked when I was looking for a Hall of Fame. This one didn't make it. But again, I, let's chalk it up to there's so many you know great scenes in Fear Eyes Only. How do you pick one? Minus the hockey scene, which I'll agree with Noah is kind of weird and awful um the uh the underwater um i guess being towed the the live and let die sequence of them you know tied together being uh pulled underwater by the boat i'm such a great action sequence and maybe i guess i'm trying to think if that would be the last time that they really directly took something from ian fleming because what we're going to get after this you know octopusy of you to kill I guess, you know, the the uh, concert sequence at the beginning of uh, Living Daylights would probably be the last one. But uh, going back and using a sequence that I guess they wanted to use for Live and Let Die and couldn't figure out or maybe there wasn't anybody ballsy enough to actually do the stunt. Um, I love that underwater sequence. And it's funny because I, I often forget which movie it's in. And maybe it's because I've read the Live and Let Die book so many times that I associate it more with the book than I do the movie. But the movie pulls it off so well. And uh, it, it's it's I guess the beginning of a, a, a long series of scenes that lead into the climax. But uh, as great as the uh, the rock climbing stuff is at the end, I feel like you could have ended for your eyes only with this scene underwater, and you would have had a fantastic climax. Um, it makes me wish that Live and Let Die had actually bothered to do it. I just have a bit of a bone to pick with IMDb trivia right now because I didn't realize this was a thing that you could have on IMDb trivia. Uh, the trivia one that I want to read out. Now playing podcast reviewed for your eyes only. This film received two recommends and one not recommend. Um, where's Double Oz Seven reviewed for your eyes only? And why aren't we on the IMDb trivia? So is this a thing? Can we add? Is can you like, add it? Like Brad Pitt's his favorite actor? Like, I mean, is this something we can add? Uh, I'm I'm a bit disappointed. Um, uh, the the literal translations of some of this movie's foreign language titles include "Only for Your Eyes" in France, Italy, and Spain. On a deadly mission, Germany. Agent 007, Strict Confidence. 
Denmark. Imagine that song. 007, Strict Confidence. <laughs> I want that song. Uh, from a lethal, that from Sheena. From a lethal... <laughs> stop slutting around, Sheena. From a lethal viewpoint, Sweden, top secret, Finland. 007, for your eyes only, Brazil. Um, only, strictly, for your eyes, Norway. And 007, for your eyes, Portugal. Thanks for that. Uh, our top three moments, the Citroen car chase, Bond kicking lock off the cliff and the cliff climbing sequence and final battle. One thing that I know Colin and I noticed in our commentary that I don't think we really talked about in the actual recap because we were too busy recreating sound effects and calling people Mustacha is um, maybe the worst score in all of Bond, maybe worse than Goldeneye. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go worse than Goldeneye, but it's up there. It's Yeah, that's why we're, again, delaying the score episode because I don't want Goldeneye to drop out of the top 10 because I won't be able to uh, help that one. Um, let's get into Camellia Toe, the Romania of James Bond movies, Octopussy, Octopussy. Um, it's just there. Again, my point of the Romania quote is it's there. You know it exists, but you never talk about it. It just happens to exist. It's not a bad film. It's also not a great film. Um, Roger Moore's very old in this movie. Uh, it's got some fun moments in it. Bond dresses as a clown. Uh, people get hit by trains um, and we've got a great tuk-tuk chase sequence and then we've also got Bond doing Tarzan, which is, why is that one of these moments that never gets talked about as being terrible? Um, I would give it to the tuk-tuk chase and the fact that I love it with VJ is just that tennis nods to him, the way it's kind of like the in-jokes with him. But that was a great interview. Listen to that. That was a great chat we had with VJ here on the show. But um, Really good. Uh, the Acro Star, of course, where all the people die in that opening shed. Uh, all the people who die. Fill her up, please. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, worst song. Absolute woeful song. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to give it to the Tuk Tuk. I mean, I don't have much to add on Octopussy. It was the last I saw of the classic Bonds before the Craigs. Uh I've never been a fan and it's never really changed for me. I think it's a generally well-liked but not loved film. I've never really got the octopusy thing. I keep watching it and I don't see what's there to really love. Uh, so I'd love to give it an, an off-kilter one, but I'm going to give it to the Tuk Tuk too. I mean, that's such a great sequence. And BJ's smile, oh, my God. Uh, so, Him or Billy yeah, Madison's I'll, smile? What's better? Billy Madison, come on. True. Don't be stupid. He's he's the white uh, BJ. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. That's all I got to add on octopus. Uh, it's fine. Uh, it's just tuk tuks. Also has no time to die. Is, uh Gordon Brown in this movie? Of Robert Brown, whatever his name. <laughs> Robert Gordon Brown. Yeah. Gordon Brown. <laughs> Gordon the Brown. former Prime Minister of England again. Once again, I'm saying the wrong one. Uh, this is like a very middle of the road movie and, and I'm definitely a bigger defender of, uh, Octopussy, I think than most people, but yet I won't deny it's middle of the road. In fact, when I was coming up with, you know, what's the best thing in here, I was sort of struggling. I, I looked at our hall of fame. I'm like, oh yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. And it's, it's, everything's adequate in this movie. Um, I, I don't necessarily think anything is like extraordinary. Uh, although I do want to kind of pick a performance more so than just a moment from this movie and, uh, Louis Jordan playing Kamal Khan, uh, this is an example of how an actor can make so much more than what's on the paper with a character because his character is kind of confusing and maybe even a little bit bland, but 
he has so much charisma. Like it's, it's ridiculous how much charisma he has. I wish that we'd been able to get Louis Jordan playing maybe a, a better villain. Like, and it feels weird saying this because he's not, you know, necessarily regarded as great villain, but take a character like Stromberg where he has a purpose. And really, I think the performance, the actor who played Stromberg was sort of what held that character back. And here you have the opposite. You have the actor just giving it his all beyond his all for a character that's sort of like, eh, uh, and if you had swapped those roles, I mean, I'm, I can't even imagine how good he could have been playing maybe or a better Drax. villain. Or Drax, yeah. Uh, I mean, he pulled this off with Kamal Khan. And really, there's nothing to Kamal Khan, but the, the actor is so phenomenal. And uh, I, I agree. The performance in this movie is great, particularly that woman with the big boobs when they just zoom in on her chest, like, in and out. Come <laughs> on. How did that make the It's so good. We should also really touch on the fact that, obviously, the Battle of the Bonds, this and Never Say Never Again. And we, we should have mentioned when we got through each of the Bond films, if you're wondering, oh, they didn't do Casino Royale 67 or Never Say Never. The official ones, the good ones. So, uh, obviously, that one. Um a March 2001 article in the British newspaper The Guardian reported that this movie was still being shown nightly in town at Utapur, the place where they filmed this in. So I, and that was 20 Wait, years ago. They, they filmed this in Utapau? Utapau, yes, exactly. Um, ben Pau? Ben Pau. Don't mention that <gasps> name. <laughs> Where's the vomit sound effect? So let's try that again. Ben Pau. Um, <laughs> he's the Max Dawson of Oslo. I was hoping for sheep, but... <laughs> no, uh, that, that's too polite to the sheep. Uh, the train fight between Bond and Gabinda, the Acrostar sequence, and Bond escapes into the jungle. We still don't get over how that made our... I did... I, oh, we're, when I really we're listened, idiot. When I really listened to that episode, we basically were there going like, I don't know what we should have in this one. Um, so, we're idiot. Uh, where, where, where did you say it was still playing? Uh, the, the place in India it was filmed. So, Udapal. So I wonder if it's still is. Just quickly, we're at the halfway point. Uh, Colin's going, shit, I've got to work. So if Colin's going to leave, he's going to leave. Uh, so, Colin, do you want to quickly go through your favorite moments from each of the films if you're no, going to bugger look, off? Uh, let's just try to finish an episode. Don't go off at me because you've got a job. All right. You can quit it. You don't need to have a job. Jamie can get one. I could be bad. You're screaming at the unemployed here, Colin. Come and you're on. screaming at the guy who's got a, a weekend and no children. Don't blame us. You didn't use a condom. Um, so. I wanted to point out, we mentioned the last episode, Ben's Monopoly. So I'm just going to bring this up, shake it around for the sound effects. So there's the outside. Again, this will be the video episode. Let's play it. But no, we're not doing that one for this one. So, uh, Oh, you got the Monopoly. I did. I found it. So uh, I, I, I wanted to show this to Colin, but he's not watching. That's all right. Uh, I'll open the box. <laughs> For the people listening, he's opening the box. What's in the box? <laughs> Again, we should have had this in the video episode, but this is what the uh, the actual board looks like. Ah, oh, looks good. 007. Now, for those playing at home for, non- for non- Monopoly, it was very Pierce Brosnan-centric because all the houses that you own are all Pierce Brosnan movies. So you can get Goldeneye, you can get the Yanis headquarters, the Seven Eye base, which I think I've spelled it wrong there, uh, the Archangel facility, uh, Goldeneye, the Navy frigate, the Ice... ICBM carrier train St. Petersburg archive. The real one we want to know, of course, is um, from the movie that we love, which is, of course, this movie. The Ice Palace Blades. Ice Palace, London Underground. They're the Mayfair and Park Place on the board, the most expensive, by the way. No blades? Isla Los Organos and Tan Sun Moon's headquarters. No blades. Um, 
But you know how you had the, uh, what was it, like the, the railroads? So the railroads, instead of that, I had four main Bond girls. So you could be Natalia Semenova, Wei Lin, Dr. Christmas Jones, or Jinx. Um, so there you go. Uh, but also, so some of the cards, so instead of like chance cards, I had M's office and community chess was Q Lab. Um, so if you want, I'll, I'll read one here. This is M's office. Can you see that? M's office. So suspended from duty, go directly to jail. Do not pass MI6. Do not collect $200. All right. Uh, another M's office fined for breaking protocol. Pay five hundred dollars. Well, that's Daniel Craig's favorite card. Also, it? by the way, I made uh, actual legitimate fake 007 money. So there you go. If you want to have it's that, actually, it's actually quite good. Q Lab suspended from duty. Go directly to jail. Do not pass MI six. Do not collect two hundred dollars. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so that was fun. We do we play? I it? want. Where, yeah, whenever the three of us are finally in the same room, uh, it almost happened, but dumb COVID. Um, I want us to play Ben Waterworth's 007 Monopoly. Also, and like, you know how you can get like the. the so this that is. That can like, be our first video episode. If you buy Dr. Christmas Jones. Um, oh my God, that picture is very revealing, Ben. <laughs> you can mortgage Dr. Christmas Jones. <laughs> um, so instead of having houses on Dr. Christmas Jones, you have allies. So you can have two allies, three allies, four allies. Or Jinx, there's Jinx, there she is. Um, you can get two allies. All of Ben's teenage uh, monopolies is the Bond girls in bikini. <laughs> yeah, I think Waylin's probably covered up because I was a racist teenager. Um, oh, Q Lab, buy Q a Christmas present, pay two hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs> so, uh, and Ben, how old were you when you made this game? Ah, uh, sixteen, I think. Q Lab, fine for injuring fellow agent with Q Lab gadget. Pay eighty dollars. <laughs> were you, Were you getting laid at this? Sixteen. I went to an all boys high school, Noah. Um. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly because oh, that's pretty gay. Yeah. Um I mean as much as we tease Ben uh, for 16-year-old Ben Waterworth it's actually a pretty impressive game and I want you to promise Ben whenever we're all meeting up in person I want you to bring along the 16-year-old Ben's Bond monopoly. So we're doing that in karaoke when we meet up. That's what we've established. Yeah. So all right, maybe Colin might have the day off that day. We'll find out. Um, Never. All right, let's speed it up. Come on, come on, Noah. I've got to get back to work. I've got kids to clean up poo and stuff like that. <laughs> a view to a kill. Uh, this is a, a Ben movie. I love a view to a kill. I've always loved this one. I think this is the first Roger Moore outside of Moonraker that I ever saw, and just oh, love it. Great song. Great villain. Great henchwoman. Mate, I am a man. Um, shit Bond girl, is she dead? Who cares? Quiche. My favourite moment is the quiche. Um, I just, I really legitimately am going to answer this as my favourite moment because I want it to get more love. California girls, love it. Oh, hey. I'm say kar- not karate sex. <laughs> not karate sex, <laughs> but I just absolutely fucking love California girls. It is just ridiculously stupid but it is so great at the same fucking time. So I love A View to a Kill. It's such a great movie and great song, but I'm giving it I'm giving it to more, more on the surfboard, the snowboard. Yeah, I mean, I think you and me are the only fans of California Girls in the... Because it frequently gets ranked in... And Colin, uh, 
frequently gets ranked in the bottom moments of Bond of all time, but I love it. I think it's just a funny little touch. And I, these sourpusses need to take the carrot out of their ass and just like, take a step enjoy back. This. Yeah. Take a step back and enjoy I the freaking step back. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that sexy bitch. Like just take a step back and, and just enjoy these things. Uh, it's not one of my favorite. It's, I think in my bottom five, but at the same time, even though it's in my bottom five, I still just always enjoy this film anyway. Uh, so it's, it's a bottom for me, but not in a bad way. Uh, ever since I was a kid, I've loved that Paris car chase where it gets the car gets completely destroyed and you've got Roger Moore in half a car. I mean, Roger Moore is an old fogey. It's a bit cringy, but I, I, I forgive it for some of the great sequences in this film. And yeah, the quiche is great, but I, I've always loved that Paris car chase. And when we do rank the car chases, it will be high up for me. Uh, I, I'm kind of with Noah. Like this is a movie that's closer to my bottom. And yet I always feel like I want it to be higher. Like, oh, couldn't I rank it higher? No, I can't rank it higher than that. Because uh, there is some good in this movie. It's just, it was, if they had made this movie four years earlier, you know, we, we would have had Roger Moore, maybe a little less grandpa. Yeah, I, I, I see it could have working a little bit better. Um, let's also just say how great is Tibbet? I mean, Tibbet is Tibbet. one of the highlights of all allies. Move your ass uh, and Mayday is somebody I really got oh, turned around on because oh. I, I didn't like Mayday, you know, when I was younger growing up. Um, Scared you. Uh, yes, uh, but uh, but uh, actually the, the entire mind sequence as a whole, I think is phenomenal. But getting very specific, Mayday's death, I'm really struggling to think about any henchmen or let, let's combine the henchmen or allies because really at that point she becomes both who get a big send off like that. Like typically you'll have a big death for a villain. You'll have a, you know, a big hero moment for Bond. Here you have a villain death for a henchwoman that's on level with probably bigger than what you get for most villain deaths and a hero moment that's arguably bigger than any hero moment that Bond gets. Like it, it's Have such we a, unique... had a henchman that's turned before outside of Jaws. I don't think so. I, cause even Jaws it, does Jaws turn. I mean, it's, it's so, it's so yeah, bizarre. Turns the way dolly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's this is almost like the beginning of the Brosnan era, which is weird because I I, I feel like what they do with Mayday here is something that you would you would see more likely Brosnan. in the Brosnan or the Craig eras, and then even just with the fact that her death, two thirds or I guess three quarters of the way through the movie, is given such a big moment. That's not something that even now you really get uh, in a Bond movie, but certainly in 1985, giving a supporting character a moment that big. And let's be honest, the reason they did that probably had more to do with the fact that you're not going to have Roger Moore having that many heroic moments in this movie and have it not be kind of laughable. We baked so, the quiche. <laughs> he baked the quiche, yes. He didn't get to have his heroic mind moment, but Mayday did. It's probably got the worst delivery of a movie title line in the entire Bond franchise, yeah. though. Uh, from a few. Worse than... To a kill. Worse than Living Daylights? No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't yeah, mind. Yeah. I'm not as down on the Living Daylights moment as you two are. I, 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 don't, I dislike the Die Another Day delivery moment more than I dislike the Timothy Dalton Living Daylights one. Um, I, have myself, I have no time 
today. Well, we nearly had it and they fluffed the fucking moment. We have no comma time to die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you know what time it is? Huh? Time to die. Like, that's where he says no and then they, yeah, fucked it up. Um... The three moments are made at the chase up the Eiffel Tower and the Paris car chase, Zoran's massacre in the mine and the Golden Gate Bridge final battle. I I love this uh, moment because uh, this just to me, this is a trivia that sums up how old Roger Moore was when he filmed this movie. In his memoir, Sir Roger Moore remembered that Grace Jones would play loud music in her dressing room, which meant he couldn't get his afternoon nap. Moore admitted that after unsuccessfully asking Jones to turn the music down, he got so annoyed he threw a chair at this Colin at the dressing room wall. As he dryly observed, this did not help set the mood for their yet-to-be-shot sex scene. (laughs) That's a far cry from prankster Roger Moore. Imagine Roger Moore sitting there <laughs> bloody <Snapping>. hell, Grace. There's <laughs> <laughs> a chair. Oh, 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 rest in peace, Roger Moore. That's oh, our last that Roger. That's our last Roger movie. Love oh, that man. Roger, Roger, Roger. Um, all right, let's move into Colin's favourite two movies. Um, Aha's own Living Daylights. Um, I love, 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 love this film. And I think I ended up having this, what, at number five on my list overall. Uh, I had this just one below License to Kill. But this was kind of like Octopussy for me for a while and the fact that it was just forgotten about. I always forgot that this was a movie. And I think this was maybe the second last movie I ever saw outside of Octopussy. But it's just so good. Timothy Dalton is amazing. Just the setting on this film, I, I kind of like the scaled back approach to this movie that it's kind of, I do love my world ending James Bond movies, but there's just something about this that just works. Sure, Bond joins the Taliban, but Dalton is so good. I mean, Brosnan would have been great in this film, but I'm still glad that we got Timothy Dalton in this film. Yeah, the villains kind of suck. Uh, but, you know, cello, shut up, Colin. Nothing to declare is incredible. Um, and I am I going to go for that for my favourite movie? Yeah, I, I love the nothing to declare. I, I do like the, the pipeline stuff of the, have you ever tried this out before? Not yet. What? What? Gets shoved down the pipeline. Um, oh, it's just so good. I, a special shout out to the, I know, a great restaurant in Karachi. Uh, an underrated funny Bond line. Um, oh, I love this movie. I love, love, love this movie. Ah, the living daylights. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a back to basics, and um, but at the same time, unlike the Craigs, where they went so far away from what Bond is, this still has all the DNA of a Bond film. You don't watch the Living Daylights and think, "Oh, this doesn't have the DNA of a Bond film." While you do watch Quantum of Solace, and you think. What the hell is this? And even Casino Royale, you think, well, it's fun, but it doesn't really have the DNA of a Bond film. This does kind of scale it back from the Roger Moores, uh, but it has the DNA still of a Bond film. You watch it and you know this is a Bond film. Um, it's not like my all-time favourite, but I'm, I'm with you. I really enjoy this film. I think it's great as a spy film. I think Dalton is good in it. Um, not great, but good. Uh and I, I love the car sequence. And when we rank the cars, I don't know crap about cars, but I'll I'll rank that car up high because I love the whole ski thing and everything. 
But I, I, I hate to repeat. I want to be unique, but I'm with you, Ben. I'm giving it to Chimps. Come on, Colin. This is 007's uh, 60th anniversary auctioned off. I wanted us to put together our, all of our Patreon money to bid on this cello case. This was auctioned off. Timothy Dalton's squid marks in that cello case. Yeah. Uh, it's such a great sequence. It's so Bond, like I don't get how Colin doesn't like it because it's such a Bond sequence. Timothy Dalton movie. No, come on. Like, no, nah, no, but if Roger Moore was here or if Sean Connery is here, Colin would be saying it's a fun sequence. Um, Colin doesn't I, like I, fun. I line, nothing to declare. And this got auctioned off, for God's sake, last week. Uh, people were bidding on this and I wish we bid on it. So I, I wanted something unique, but I'm with Ben. I'm, I love this nothing to declare sequence. So put it on a T-shirt. I think that um, this is almost very similar to what we were saying with Roger Moore, where like there, I even mentioned at that point, like I felt like this was written for, and I think even Timothy Dalton has really said, and, and uh, Michael G. Wilson has said, License to Kill was when they felt like, okay, we actually have a chance to develop a movie because this movie was at least not developed for Dalton and they did have to do some rewriting. And I feel like, some of the stuff, like I, I, I'll kind of agree with you. I think there are there are a lot of things in this movie that would have worked better if you had a different actor. And it's not a knock against Dalton. Maybe if you had time to tailor this for Dalton more, uh, the cello scene it would have fit in a Roger Moore movie. It would have been just as silly. But I think it's it's the imbalance of we have the Cold War hard bond with these silly scenes that is kind of destroying. Although I will say that I've I appreciate Living Daylights a lot more now than I would have 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago. Uh, oh, I don't think oh. I'll ever consider it a great movie though, because it's sort of like in that uh, man with a golden gun territory where it's like, ah, uh, they hadn't quite figured him out yet. And it's, I will say it's also sad that they didn't get a chance to fully figure out Timothy Dalton because he could have developed into a great bond. And it takes a lot of actors, including, you know, Pierce Brosnan more than one movie or even two movies to really get into the character. Um, but my shout out is going to go to the the ice car chase, uh, the, the original, the best, I would say maybe better than the ice car chase in another movie that I'm not going to name. Uh, this is something that belongs more in the Roger Moore era, uh, even the definitely belongs more in the Pierce Brosnan era. Um, I actually feel like there's a lot of similarities in this sequence to what we're going to get into more never dies with the remote control car sequences. It's really highlighting the gadgets, which is something that they definitely lose sight on uh, much further down the road as we go. And I would say I'm, they probably even handle it slightly better here than they do in tomorrow never dies, at least with the use of gadgets. Uh, and even though I think John Barry's best days as a composer it kind of ended with Octopussy. That was like the end of like great John Barry. There's still some good piece of music and his um, use of the theme here, the orchestra version of the theme in this ice car chase, I think is probably one of the better score highlights of uh, this, this movie as well. Just want to mention if we want to get the cello case, it's actually still up for auction. We've got five days to go at the time of recording this. Um, the starting bid is 3000 pounds estimated to go between five and 8,000 pounds. So you two have jobs. Can you pull some money together and I can contribute the $3 from Big Survivor fan basically to uh, yeah, so, put it up? So, so that's I'll not your contribution. In. That's our contribution. Yeah. 
You well, need to take something you, from yourself. When you two start doing all the editing and playing sound effects, then you can shut the fuck up. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. what are you trying ben to getting say? Getting testy is, for three dollars a month. I, I can, are you trying to say that the editing of this show is valued at two thousand pounds? I'm saying that of that three dollars, if we worked out the percentages of who oh. earns the most out of that money, I probably oh. might say myself. Sorry, I misunderstood you. So the editing. You of two can obviously have a lovely day after you've uh, stopped recording this and go to bed and enjoy work while some of us will. Edit it. Yeah. I want my cello case I and my $3. Thought tra- <laughs> I thought you were trying to say your editing is valued at £2,000, but $3, no. yeah. Um, $3. Just, just going to say, I, I didn't realise that the World Is Not Enough Q-Boat was uh, sold for £126,000, if you don't mind. Um, so Yeah, and, and the, the, the DB5 from No Time to Die went for about $3 million, I think. You could get five nights at GoldenEye, the uh, the Ian Fleming's GoldenEye. Oh, £52,000 that went for. Uh, oh, we, we could have had Anna de Armas's dress, £37,800. Oh, we could have taken turns get, of wearing it on the show. That that Ben will pitch in for. See, you could have bought the bionic eye from No Time to Die with a £44,000. Oh, <laughs> if only we had another Patreon. Wow, I do love the fact that the No Time to Die sheet music signed by Billie Eilish went for £18,000. Anyway, um, you can still bid on the cello case if you want it. Uh, the Car Chaser cello case and Nothing to Declare line made our uh, our top three. The final plane sequence and Bond landing on the boat saying Bond, Jane's well, That's a good moment. I like that one. Um, and uh, here's our trivia fact. This is what I was mentioning before. I knew there was a 25th anniversary thing that was released. Uh, released on the 25th anniversary year of Bond films to mark the occasion, a television special, Happy Anniversary 007, 25 Years of James Bond was produced as part of the campaign. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. I, I might have seen it somewhere. But uh, anyway, let's move in to the better Timothy Dalton film because I know you two are going to love it. Licence to Kill, always love this movie. It is one that gets a lot of hate. Can I see the hate? I, I Yeah, but it's not like a Die Another Day where I can easily see why people hate Die Another Day, whereas this, I'm just like, well, okay, it's a little bit different, but, I mean, so are other Bond movies and people can excuse those. Um, it's just fun. It works well. you got a great villain. you got a blinking fish. you got great Bond girls, great chemistry going on there, the boat sex, all that kind of stuff. Bar fights. I'm just naming all the things that's going to make Colin blow up because I know this is his least favourite Bond film. Uh, great song, Gladys Knight and the Pips. She pips it all over everything. Um, so good. Love it. Love, 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 love. Licence to Kill. And I am going to go with the final sequence. I love the truck chase. I think I had that in my top five from memory in our recent episode. So uh, I, I've always loved the truck chase at the end. It's great. And I love Bond's killing of Sanchez. Della Dinkloo and Della Dink. There we go. Della Dink's honeymoon. That was a great. That was a good episode too. No, you'd admit it was a funny episode, License to Kill. Short-haired women. That was the birth of Ben's hatred of short-haired women. Yeah. Do you still hate short-haired women? I do. Yeah, what an asshole you are. Um, this, uh, this is the Moonraker to this is Ben's Moonraker to me. It's the one I always want to like. Every time I go into watching it, I want to like License to Kill. It's not one that I want to hate. I don't relish hating this movie. I think one of us does, but this is the one I want to like. And every time I watch it, I just don't like it. It's too long. It drags, and there are so many issues with it. 
I, but I think, I don't know how clued in you are, Ben, but I think this is one that in the next five years or so is changing to the point where people are really championing uh, license to kill. Uh, I think it's one of those ones that's maybe not quite there, but it is changing the, the general opinion on it. It's, I want to like this movie. I just don't. Um, Dalton, eh. I like him. I don't love him. I'm kind of the middle in Dalton. Uh, the centipede. It's in the in the Dalton centipede. The Dalton uh, in the Dalton 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 I'm, I'm in the middle. Um, old buddy. I like Pedia. you being in the middle, old buddy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but I can't even really think of a moment that I particularly enjoy in this movie. But maybe I'll do the the skiing with the plane sort of thing. Uh, but having reread Live and Let Die, I guess the whole factory thing with the, like, the squids where he goes, with the bait is like, nah, I don't know. Uh, I want to like this movie. I just don't. Uh I, I, the way you just described License to Kill is kind of the way I feel about Living Daylights. I always want to like it more. And maybe it is slowly winning me a, a little bit more over. License to Kill is the one where, for whatever reason, I almost get excited to watch it because it is so bad. Uh, it, it's it's it, it's like it's not a guilty pleasure, but it is a fun bad movie. Um, but it is definitely bad. But then when I do watch it, I always find myself just wanting it to be over. Uh, that's kind of the sad thing about it. But Although I mean, some things. If only this would be over, um, I would be working right now and making money. But uh, Poor Ben. Then, I am working. This is my job. I make three dollars. This is three dollars. Not three dollars. Oh, sorry, $1. six. It's equally $6 split now. No, I, I, I um, should get at least a dollar eighty. You two can share the <laughs> three. I will. I will sacrifice my dollar this month for Ben. Oh, uh, but only this month. Only this month. Ever done. That's that's, that's an October gift in honor of the 60th birthday. You get nothing next <laughs> month. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I am a fan of the pre-title scene. I think that that's maybe where the movie peaks mm. and then kind of goes downhill from there. But I guess special shout out to uh, Felix's death or not death. Um, Felix's um, dismemberment, uh, if you want to call it that. Uh, still, it's it's not quite, I think, what I envision, you know, especially from the books. But it, it is it is a difficult scene to watch, but it's great because you are including something that is iconic in the book series. And uh, I, I almost wish that, you know, they, they make this whole thing about a revenge plot for Felix. And for some reason, they don't quite pull that off, which is surprising because they do pull off the attack scene, the shark scene so well. It, it doesn't quite follow through from there on the whole revenge plot, really having it make sense. But it, I think that's also just when we discuss the books and the fact that in the books, Bond, he definitely had revenge in the back of his mind, but it was more just, well, I got a job to do and Felix knows I have a job to do. You know, if I can get revenge for Felix, I'll do that as well. Um, they maybe go too far on the whole revenge thing. But uh, the, yeah, the, the pre-title scene and Felix's shark bite scene are probably the two highlights of this movie. I, I recall- What about the blinking fish? Yeah, Colin, what about the blinking fish? I um, recorded a, a segment during the week for The Brink, 
the show that you two love doing when I force you to do it. And I did a Bond trivia, which is on the official 007 website with my friend Josh. And I asked him, the, the trivia question was, what is the name of Bond's helpful fellow in Dr. No who drives him on a boat, goes to the island, all that sort of stuff. And Josh, oh, Junior. Josh straight away goes, Sharky. And I'm like, no, you're thinking of license deal. <laughs> and he got angry. Like, no, that's wrong. It's definitely Sharky. There's somebody called Sharky in Dr. No. And I'm like, yeah, no, there's not. Uh, <laughs> not Sharky. Racist. It's Sharky Josh, Jr. Racist. Um, Very racist, Josh. Top three, <laughs> truck final chase, Felix versus the shark and plane chase and the water skiing sequence. Uh, the <laughs> I do love this trivia fact. Timothy Dalton got homesick while filming in Mexico. He said that he really missed a good pint of bitter. I really miss a good pint of bitter, old buddy. Oh, oh buddy, where's my bitter? And I, I just want to point this out again. Made me happy during the week to see Timothy Dalton photograph signing his suit that went up. For, it's the first, like, Timothy Dalton sighting for a James Bond-style thing, probably in, like, 30 was into everything or nothing. So I wish we could bet on Timothy Dalton. <laughs> I know Colin wouldn't, but I would. Um, I would put the Patreon money in towards that. Oh, rip Timothy Dalton. No more of him. But let's get into the, the pumpy stuff, the stuff that's the Pearsopedia, the Pearsopede, <laughs> Pearsomania. <laughs> get him on board because we're into Goldeneye, probably the average number one film here on 007. But, uh, oh, what a movie. I think we've all said this is the first. Well, actually, no, Collins is Tomorrow Never Dies. But I think for you and I, know this is our first ever Bond film we ever saw. It, it was my first it was Bond your movie, first but movie it, didn't, okay. it didn't click with me like Tomorrow Never Dies did. So this was, this was our, our era, our era. Um, the video oh, game, era. everything about this was what got us into the movie. But, I mean, God, this is just incredible. This is this is the one that every time I watch it, I'm like, no, nah, that is now my number one Bond film. This has to be number one. And then two films later, I'm like, no, I love the world. It's not enough too much. But this has always been my number two Bond film. It's so good. I even like the score. Shut up, Ben. Um I don't even know where to choose for the number one moment of this movie. Um, <laughs> sexist, misogynist, dinosaur is great. I mean, just, I just you you gave a character as your answer for Doctor No. I'm giving a character. It's Xenia. She's just so good. She's just oh, what a woman. Uh, if we were to just rank top twenty Bond characters, she might be number two to James Bond. I just I love Xenia so much. I love Famke Jansen. Um, get me in a human centipede with Femke Jansen, all parts of her. Um, but I just, can I just say the Mini movie? driver at the back. The, the movie, <laughs> stand by your mini. Um, just, stand by your centipede. I, I can't think of a bad thing in this movie, even the score. I, I stand by the score. So just love it. Love, love, love Goldeneye. Stand by your score. Stand by your tin can. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> uh... Yeah, we need Mini Driver on the show. I mean, she she's well, the, interacted with us before. To quote Mini Driver, oi. Yeah, I mean, she could be a Patreon. Um, she probably is. What, what? She's Survivor fan. Big Survivor fan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, stand by your fan. She's David McDivitt. Uh, <laughs> why couldn't we bid on Mini Driver in the auction? Um, yeah, I mean, this now we're into our era. Our era. Um like Brosnan is not my favorite Bond, but he is my Bond. Like the the, the one you first introduced to interact with, grew up with. He is my Bond, and I was born the same year of 
this film, but I still believe it's the film that I saw first. Um, and I saw Brosnan a long time before I even saw Craig, even though I was quite young. Um, Good old days. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, before I had to work. Um, uh, but I, I awkward silence. <laughs> Were you waiting yeah, for a last gonna... track there or something? <laughs> no, I was going to make a joke, and then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what he's been more than worth enough. Give him a week off. Come on. <laughs> Uh, so I was going to make a, a cruel joke, but I do it. Come myself. on, do it now. Come on, hit me with it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, this is it's no matter how much we rank, even if we put the score at the bottom, I think this is always going to be the number one uh, film. And I think that's somewhat indicative of where we, when we were born and what we grew up with, we are in the golden eye era. Um, and we all, when we all get together and do karaoke and play Ben Waterworth's sixteen-year-old uh, Monopoly Bond, I think we also need to get the Nintendo sixty-four out yes. and all do a bit of Gold Knight. No odd job. On. Actually, fuck it, no. I'm on job. <laughs> uh, I'm going to be Baron Samity. Um, I'm going to be, be Driver. I'm going to be Natalia. <laughs> Stand by your controller, um, but. I don't know. There's so many good. I'm going to give it to the the destruction of the base uh, with Alan Cumming and Natalia, where Natalia escapes. I feel like it's the first time we really get inside a Bond girl. That sounds bad. I don't mean it like that. Um, but you said the name of the really... inside a Bond girl. Well, well, wasn't that the George Lazenby documentary inside <laughs> Lazenby or something? Oh. Um, <laughs> There's a human inside Lazenby. He didn't like what he saw. Um, he it's too pretty, gay for him. Too gay for him um, being inside Lazenby. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gay. Yeah. Damn homophobe George Lazenby. Uh, but her escaping from that base, I, I don't know, Colin, how you ranked her so low. Come on, like this is the first time we really get some emotion from a Bond girl. So I'll I'll give it to the uh, Alan Cumming Natalia base explosion escape thing in the middle of Russia. Yeah, I, I, it wouldn't change my opinion on Natalia. And again, I ranked her in the top 10. I mean, it's not like she's yeah, a bottom Bond girl for me. It was ninth. Um, this is close enough. But uh, it's, well, we'll, we'll, let the, we'll let the records decide that. Um, I'm going to no find one. out. I'm going to prove me right. You do it. And if I'm not but, proven right, I won't say anything more. Either way, it's a very valid point. We hadn't really gotten any type of series. I think they they tried with Melina, but they didn't quite pull it off. Uh, But yeah, this would be a very early experimentation with uh, let's develop characters outside of Bond in movies. Yeah, you had a Ted. You're wrong. (laughs) Oh, who is my number nine? Solitaire. Oh, what? Okay. uh, Well, okay. (laughs) Solitaire above Natalia? You know Fuck what? Off. You know what? I, 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 I might, I might still agree with that. I don't know. Um, Ow. Uh, anyways, don't plunge the toilet. This is plenty of fish's number one Bond girl. Remember or Matchmaker.com, whatever it was. <laughs> plenty of fish. <laughs> that is a dating website. Not that I would know. Um. Yeah. So where was I going with that? Oh yeah. I mean, this is this is the movie where it's like you could pick any scene. From this, this movie, movie, any character from this movie, and it would not seem unusual to say that is like the best moment. But 
I, I have to go with Bond and M's introduction scene. Uh, it's it's right up there, I'd say, with the Red Grant Bond as far as dialogue scenes in the history of the Bond series goes. And to be able to bring in a new M, have her basically be combative with Bond and not rub the audience the wrong way. If anything, you're you're more endeared to M. And it's 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 an interesting way that they're turning the Bernard Lee uh dynamic that he had with bond and kind of just putting a little bit of tension in between there uh and nothing really changes from this point on I mean, she talks to bond the same way bond talks to her the same way going forward it's just they respect each other it's just it's so interesting that we got to see that relationship from the beginning and also just not feeling the need to uh just recast the same role and pretend like nothing changed i mean uh, you could have just jumped into this movie and said well bond's boss is m now and let's not say anything about it but against what I usually feel like movies, it's actually better that they address it in the scene. And we get the lines like misogynist dinosaur and we get the whole point of this movie is that bond is sort of maybe slightly out of his time. Uh, it, it's so brilliant. And Judy Dench, I don't know if you saw this recently, but she, she basically was going on gushing about how much she loved Daniel Craig, but said, as much as I love Daniel Craig, Pierce is my bond. Aww, and she says that Judy, she, uh, can you be more of a treasure? Upload that on the Pierceopedia. Oh, what a woman. <laughs> she, she basically said as much as she loves Daniel Craig, like there is nobody she's ever worked with that she loved more than Pierce Brosnan. Oh. So, and it really shows. I mean, in that scene, they hate each other, but yet you still you still believe they come out of that and these two love each other. You know, oh. they're, they're so great together. And I, I, I think that they did an incredible job with reinventing what she had with uh, Daniel Craig, just doing it slightly differently, but I'll agree with her. I mean, this is bond and M to me. I mean, as much as I love Sean Connery and Bernard Lee, to me, that's two great actors who are playing off each other. Well, this is like two actors who are made for each other. Defends Pierce Brosnan, defends Kevin Spacey. I love this woman. What a, what a woman. Um, Did she defend Kevin Spacey? She was one of the like two people that, I mean, he didn't defend yeah. what he did, but basically stood by the fact that he was still a good man despite what he did. So, um, uh, but she's Judy Dench. She doesn't get cancelled because she's Judy fucking Dench. Yeah, I mean, that kind of lowers my opinion of her. I'm not going to. No, lie. I will not accept it. Bad, bad Noah. Um, I just love this movie. And I think the thing that we'd mentioned recently on the episode two is again, very progressive, Goldeneye. You think about all the wokeness that we've got today, like. They had a Bond uh, female M, the, the way they kind of even changed Money Penny a little bit. Um, I say Natalia is one of the biggest Bond equals without being like, look at me, I'm an equal. Like, yeah. And it's also well, like, and, they, and it's also like, the, uh, Colin, you mentioned, and it's always talked about that they sort of, this is the movie made about is Bond still relevant, the Soviet Union, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas they do it in a way where it doesn't like, Spectre, as much as I love Spectre, it's the whole like, oh, you're irrelevant. You you know, we can do this all with drones now. And it's just kind of, by that point, you're rolling your eyes. Like, oh, okay, we get it. It's irrelevant. Whereas like this was kind of done in a way where you're like, oh, but then they fit him into the world where you can still work it out, you know? So, yeah. And you mentioning like the money penny scene, I think that's also just showing how well the M scene works because the money penny scene 
it's it's not quite as successful, and yet they're doing the exact same thing but with it. You know, uh, and I, underrated. I'm just gonna say my underrated favorite moment from that bit is when she literally says, "One of these days, you're gonna have to make good on your innuendos." Like, wasn't yeah. there that meme where basically they showed like if innuendos actually were said properly in James Bond, which was it was so funny. But like, I like that line because you kind of think about it, all the random innuendos that Bond uses, Money Penny go like, dude, just like do me already. Like, I mean, stop like saying these things and just fuck me. That's the name of the episode title. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not tease. Um, top three moments, bungee jump in the opening scene, tank chase and the new M introduction with Bond. Uh, here's a fun little trivia fact for you. Pierce Brosnan hurt his hand in the bathroom. What was he doing in the bathroom? <laughs> He's got a massive dog. Strained it. It's a big one. At his house in Malibu before shooting began. So in several shots, his hands were doubled by his 22-year-old son, Christopher Brosnan, who was the third assistant trainee on the second unit. These include pulling on a handbrake in the Aston Martin DB5, flipping open the glove department to reveal a bottle of chilled Bollinger champagne, using the laser in the opening bungee jump, and cutting through the floor of the train with a laser in his wristwatch. So there we go. It's Bond. Is that the first use of... What's doing in the bathroom? Wanking his big dong. Let's be honest. It was huge. Two hands needed for that. That's that's a big one. Definitely (laughs) a two-hander. That's a big one. Also another unused Bond girl name. (laughs) Um, Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, Hey, remember this movie, uh, Stand By My Man, uh, the fact that this is a great Bond film. It's the man with the golden gun of the modern era. There's nothing wrong with it. Again, we've said it plenty of times. If you were to get a computer to write generic standard Bond film, it's Tomorrow Never Dies. Like, this movie doesn't get hate, but it always gets lumped into the latter three Brosnan films, which are so hated. Everyone's like, oh, Brosnan only did Goldeneye, and then the last three films were shit. Like, there's nothing wrong with Tomorrow Never Dies. It's a solid movie. It's got great action sequences. It's got a great Bond girl. It's got a great villain. It's got a great song, says Ben Waterworth. Like, there's nothing wrong with Tomorrow Never Dies. I think this made my top ten just, like, tenth. It was my Natalia, but that's only because I like nine other films better. If I rank my Brosnan films, this is my lowest, but I still love Tomorrow Never Dies. It's just a movie you can put on, check your brain at the door, and have fun with. It's a great film, and I don't like that this gets lumped in with the shit ones because... Die Another Day, I can see why people think it's shit. The World's Not Enough is maybe the one where I'm like, why do people dislike this? But people still dislike it. And then you got Tomorrow Never Dies. Fun movie, good movie, give it more love. Um, I am giving it to the remote control car chase. I just think that's a fun, just Brosnan's love and life in that one. The car is fucking ugly, but it's just great. And it's obviously with like the Kaufman scene, which is like, this is very embarrassing. Did you call the auto club? Like, I mean, just things like that. An underrated comedic moment, which never gets talked about in the funny moments of Bond, is when the car goes out of the car park and crashes into the Hertz rent-a-car thing, like, returning. And just Brosnan's reaction to putting his hands up, like, oopsie! And then you hear, like, the woman going, thanks, for your safe vehicle. Please make sure to, like, return the... Whatever she says. Like, oh, God, I love this movie. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, you said it best. It's kind of the man with the gone gun of the modern era. Um, and it's the one, like, the man with the gone gun that we all agree on, that it's not our favourite, but we all agree on that it's... a 
great solid movie that doesn't get enough appreciation. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a fan, uh, but it is a bit hard to come up with too many moments, even though I do enjoy the the movie, but I'm going for the Kaufman stuff. Like that's the chemistry with him and Brosnan is so good. And I love every scene where with all the different goofy henchmen and that it's goofy? pure just fun. He's again. <laughs> yeah. No, <I'm>... goofy. <laughs> Stop bringing up goofy. I'm telling you the goofy movie underrated more love for the goofy movie. It's, I think um, it's very overrated. The love it gets, like, don't get us started on this again. Do we get love? Where yes, is this love? the Goofy's Goofy got movie. this weird cult love. Cole and I have talked about this before. It's weird. Well, I I'm completely detached from the Goofy movie cult love, but I want to be a part of the cult because uh, I'm not influenced by them, but I've always loved the Goofy movie. So sign me up. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, Kaufman stuff is is great. So Kaufman, Brosnan, and Goofy, what a trio. That's a human centipede I want to see. Is it a human um, centipede, though, when Goofy's in it? It's like a third of it's a dog. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's not really a human centipede. It's a human A mammal. It's a mammalpede. Um, yeah, it's a mammal, mammal centipede. Um, that's true. Goofy's a dog. Can he be a part of a human centipede? I don't know the rules of human centipede. There, but um, yeah, I don't know. If, are there rules of a human? If you were to pick an know. animal to have sex with, you'd choose Goofy. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> that was was that a question or a statement? Is, is Shrek an animal? Because I would pick Shrek. Shrek's an ogre. Um, oh, there, there's a, a centipede for Noah, Goofy, Shrek, and Noah. Oh, oh, oh stop! Noah's <laughs> coming all over his. Noah's Alan coming everywhere. I'm blushing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sign me up for that. Human hybrid mammal ogre pentapede. Ogre. What is it? Pierceapede? <laughs> Pierceapedia. Uh, I mean, I'm going to go with the motorcycle chase. Uh, it's one of the more unique chase scenes we have with them being handcuffed together. And. I, I think I'm even more supportive of this now since we've done our final scenes rankings. And I think it was Noah who made the point about the, the lack of a kiss or any type of interaction between Bond and Waylon at the end of that movie. That was and me, but of course I never get credit ben, for my opinion. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> you, 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 keep, you keep your $3 this month, okay? I, I've given. <laughs> I've given. <laughs> uh, I've got nothing not. left to get. Nothing $2. else left to give. I buy another Madonna t-shirt. <laughs> But uh, yeah, we have so many moments like with the the shower scene and this scene between Bond and Wei Lin where like there really is sexual chemistry and they do it during an action scene. I think that's something that's totally unique to Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, not to mention how great you know, the stunt driving is uh, as well. Uh, and I love that final moment just where he uh, he you know throws the the thing up and the helicopter goes down like there's some there's some phenomenal action Tomorrow Never Dies. And I. Man with the Golden Gun of this era—that's a proper definition. You know, like what is it that really holds this back from being a great movie? I don't know, but it's certainly not a bad movie the way people make it out to be. I think that, unfortunately, there is this idea that if it's automatically just sort of like, yeah, that's a decent movie, and there's maybe nothing spectacular about it, that it automatically means it's bad, and it doesn't. Um, this Man with the Golden Gun—they're both very entertaining movies. Uh, but I will say, if there's one spectacular thing in this movie, I think it probably is the motorcycle chase. Although I'll agree, the Kaufman scene and um, the uh, the remote uh, car sequence, those also are highlights. Plus, the, the pre-title scene's got some good stuff in oh, it, too. I always think the pre-title scene's underrated, for sure. And 
funnily enough, all those three moments that we all chose were our top three. So uh, that's what you get. Two quick facts here because I, I, I find these unique actually because one's funny and then this one, in the novelization, which you all remember for Dick Stamper's um, snuff films, but in the novelization, James Bond reveals that Natalia Simonova from Goldeneye married a hockey player because this happened to Isabella Score, a score of, I can never say her name, in real life. So there you go. But uh, here's a... Terry Hatch, we're going to have a Terry Terry Hatcher fact. I don't know we need a sound effect for that Hatcher one. Hatcher fact of the week. In Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, Don't Tug on Superman's Cape, that's the name of the episode, Terry Hatcher's character, Lois Lane, has a dream, we know how this is going with John Tenney, that she's a Bond girl called Miss Goodbottom in the movie The Spy Who Loved Me, a reference to... Oh, my sp- God. Oh, sorry, The Spy Who Left Me. That was in the movie in her dream. So, Are we going to react to this episode? Uh, maybe we need to. This was done two years before, I think. Uh, I don't know if this episode was done uh, before or that's just when Lois and Clark came out. But there you go. John Tenney had a dream. Lois Lane had a dream. So uh, You're waiting for my career fact, Ben. Uh, it's, I, well, find one yourself, Mr. Lazy. Earn your dollar this month. Do some work for once. <laughs> the host. The uh, host. The host. The host. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. Ben's favourite movie time. The world is not enough. The first ever movie, Bond movie, I ever saw at the cinema. Love this movie to death. This, I think we talked about this, Colin, on our Patreon, which uh, both our Patreons loved, sort of the, the opinions that have changed. And I think we sort of mentioned some opinions that we just don't get why they don't get love. And The World is Not Enough is that movie to me where I don't understand why people don't like this movie. I, I just don't understand it. I don't get it. It's a great film. It's got maybe the the best sort of use of a, a villain plot line. It's so sort of unique and even when like, because I, I don't spoil it in the trailer. It's not like Goldeneye from memory, is it? Where like they spoiled that Tra- Trevelyan's bad. Whereas I'm pretty sure they don't spoil this in the film that Electra's bad. And, oh, it's just so good. Uh, I mean, yeah, okay, Denise Richards weighs it down, but at the end of the day, I still stand by, stand by. The Christmas Jones as a character, it's just maybe get a better actress, Fran Dresser, we've established that. But best opening sequence, the song is amazing. I've got a tattoo of it. Uh, great villain, great sequences, just such an amazing movie. And I, you mentioned about License to Kill getting some love. I, I do have a feeling, I feel it in me waters, that we're maybe a decade away or within a decade of this getting some love. I think the world is not enough. We'll get some love. This is maybe the for your eyes only of the modern era that I feel this will get some love one day. Die Another Day has a weird cult following, but I Die Another Day will never get love, like a, a beloved film. It's just one of those like guilty pleasure moonraker type films, Diamonds Are Forever, that some people like it, most people hate it. This, I feel, will get some love one day. And it should, because I know Colin's on board. I know you're not, Noah, but love this film. It is my number one James Bond film. Uh, and the answer to what the best moment is, I want to say the whole movie, but I will go with the opening boat chase because that, to me, is still the best opening sequence we've ever had in James Bond. Yeah, I mean, me and Ben are on board with Diamonds Are Forever and Colin's not. Me and Colin are on board with Moonraker and Ben's not. And Ben and Colin are on board with The World's Not Enough, and I'm really not. I don't see what's here. I think every single aspect of this movie falls flat, and I don't see what you two see, even after talking about it many seven years. Um, every time I watch it, I think it's boring, and it just does not hit any of these notes that you guys keep talking about. Um, I think the characters are not great. I mean, they're okay, some of them, but 
the locations are just atrocious for what they're showing this. Yeah, exactly. Like I, we can't even remember that we went there. Um, but anyway, we, we won't get into it, but I'm not a fan. It's one of my least favorite of all time. Luckily one that followed this, uh, really shoots this one up. Um, but I don't really have a favorite moment. Um, but I would probably agree with the boat trace is amazing. Um, I would agree. Like, I still don't like this iffy pre-title where it goes on and on. Like it's one of the most awkward pre-title sequences, but uh, I went along on the, the Thames on a boat tour and they talked about this and like, I know uh, you dropped the ball on James Bond Island. I was there on the scene in the Thames looking at, looking at the world. Is on the Thames. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's an amazing sequence. So even though I'm not a fan of this film and it's one of the ones I have the most vivid memory of as a kid, because it was the most recent one that they were playing on TV over and over, but doesn't do it for me. But yeah, I agree with you. The opening like bow chase is amazing. And we still haven't ranked the cigar girl. When are we going to rank the cigar girl? Colin's choking over the thought of it right now. <laughs> he loves the cigar girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, see, I, I, I'm with Ben. Uh, not only do I love this movie, I just, I can't understand what people dislike about it. And there are movies that I love that I can't, I get why you guys might not like Thunderball, um, but I love Thunderball and, and you get why I might not love, you even said that, why I might love Diamonds Are Forever, but you love it. I don't get that. Uh, <laughs> this one is really a mystery to me. And it's funny because this isn't even like Tomorrow Never Dies where people just say like, oh, it was just okay. And they sort of like under undersell how good some of the Brosnan era was just because GoldenEye was so much better. This is one where people are like, oh, that movie was terrible. And I, I, I don't get it because I think there is so much more than just the pre-title scene in here. I mean, you got a lot of great action scenes. Yeah, I think you have a decent plot, but um, take Denise Richards casting out of it. There is nothing else here to really dislike. Uh, I'm actually going to go with just the character, Electra as a whole, uh, not just Electra's because whole? you have... Electra's Hall uh, in Pierce's Pedia. <laughs> My favorite moment <laughs> of the movie too is Electra's Hall. Yeah, uh, that's her place in the Pierce'pedia. <laughs> it's, it's the hole. But uh, yeah, there, there's so much that they do right with this character because you believe her as being a Bond girl, and maybe because they do it so well here, you don't quite buy into it as much with Miranda Frost in the next movie. But here, we'd never seen that before. I mean, how many times have we ever really seen somebody turn? Uh, we just talked about how we had Mayday kind of turn the opposite direction. In the Pause, pausing for I was pausing for Ben's effect there. Oh, sorry. Do you want to try uh, that again? Just say it again, Colin? Uh, turning the opposite direction. Yep. Oh, okay. Oh, that, was, that was it. Yeah, that's I hear that a lot. You have eight sound clips and that's what you went with. Um, the audience but- liked it, didn't you, audience? Yeah! <laughs> Good use of the sound effect. Woo! It's just, it's done so well because you really believe it. And um, the way that Sophie Marceau plays it as well, she goes from being the innocent, but kind of like, ooh, she's damaged goods, uh, Bond girl to flip a switch and she is more sadistic than Renard and Renard at this point is supposed to be the most sadistic villain you ever had. Uh, I've always said that I really just consider Renard and Electra 
as one villain. It, you know, but if you have to rank a them separately, centipede. Electra is <laughs> they're, they're the human centipede of Bond villains. Yes. But if I had to pick one, I mean, I think Electra is the stronger villain between her and Renard. And I, if we did rank them separately, I'm pretty sure that I would have ranked her higher. Um, the way that she plays that scene, you know, the, the one last screw scene with Pierce is just brilliant. And I, I don't know if we, we could have ever pulled this off in another Bond movie where you had a villain that you were originally sympathetic towards that then you're supposed to hate. And then somehow in her death scene, Bond gets sympathetic towards her. And again, you kind of feel for her. Like it's just, it's all over the place with her character, but they pull it off. It's just, it's incredible that this movie doesn't get as more credit than it does just on Electric King alone. Oh, yeah, yeah, Colin. Yeah. Woo. Great opinion. I like it. I uh, also don't like Noah's long crotch shot there when he went to sit down. He just stood in front of the camera for about 10 seconds too long with his little dong. If only we did video episodes. Little well, dong Colin kept playing pull it off over and over and over. He was staring at me crotch. He's going to get you some action. Um, the top three in this film were Denise Richards, Denise Richards, and Denise Richards. <laughs> the opening boat chase, the chair torture scene, and the final Q lab scene, which was that no stupid Q. Shut up, Noah. Uh, I like that moment, but that's not is that Hall of Fame? The, the Q lab scene with Desmond Llewellyn. Oh, it's not, yeah. Like, I, I like the seat. Well, I guess. For his final kind of goodbye, a little fake goodbye. Oh, always, always have an exit. They always have an escape plan. It's sweet. It's the look they give each other when they're going down because he died. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. He didn't even die of old age and he was ancient. He died in a car accident, the little old that's so sad. Imagine if he did. He'd be in die another day. You two would give die another day like half a point more if little Q was in it. Like, you know, little He would have been better in that sequence. Imagine Desmond like delivering Lee. the invisible car. Like, <laughs> oh, come on. Um, the this is actually this is an interesting one. The first time that James Bond shoots the main villain dead since the spy who loved me, uh, he does shoot Drax in Moonraker, but Drax gets die gets killed by getting blown out into space. So that's a fun fact. I I don't know. Does he really kill? Oh, well, I guess he kills uh, Graves, but he doesn't kill the Sheaf. He doesn't like kill. What about Alec? Uh, he doesn't get shot. Um, so it says shot the main villain dead. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he burns um, Sanchez to death, Colin's favourite death, all that kind of stuff. All right, what are, what are we up to now, gentlemen? What movie um, are we up to Royale. now? What movie are we up to now? Ah, oh, here we are. These two are going to go now, so it'll just be me talking. That's for the right. Hour. It's finally time for entrapment. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's called blackmail. Um, I mean, I've spent 122 episodes talking up this. I'm wearing the Queen shirt right now. Um, it's a stupid movie, but it's fun. It's it's. It goes over. I literally was having a conversation with uh, my dad's birthday dinner the other night. My beloved dad, he's not yelling at me tonight because he's not home. But you take your soundboard to the dinner and like, <laughs> why did you say that? <laughs> die, die, another day. There's another sound clip that no was singing. Die, they're both singing it this episode. So that's great. You can have a duet. We were we were talking about James Bond movies, and without even prompting my dad, my dad goes, "Oh." 
Yeah, well, you know what one of my least favourite James Bond movies are? is that one where he does the kite surfing sequence in. That that was stupid. And I'm like, oh, you should, you should join us on the podcast because they would love you for not liking the movie. And he goes, oh, I don't dislike the movie. The movie's fine. It's just I hate that sequence. That was the worst thing I've ever seen in James Bond. <laughs> in all honesty, we could get your dad on the podcast. I tried for years to get my dad on the brink and the only time he ever let me interview him is when he retired from playing field hockey. So um, oh, good well, luck with I've that. I've got a way that you can sweeten the deal for him. You could tell him that we have no listeners. So no, it's no, just no, like I'm it's just, just like having a conversation telling with him Ben's the truth, friends. Uh, basically. You could yeah. pay him $3 a month. Yeah, yeah. segments. Probably <laughs> owe him more than that, so he'd probably expect more. I, would, I honestly would love to have your dad, oh, on, your the dad on the show. <laughs> So, uh, my dad would be like, oh, do you know live and let die? <laughs> um, look, if you want to hear my opinion on this, listen to 121 episodes when I play this. And I still don't know what we're doing for our 20th anniversary of this movie this year, but... Um, I'm not doing nothing. I'm way talked out on Die Another Day after last year. My favourite... I'm getting drunk. Moment. Uh, I mean, the ice car chase is epic. I think even you two like the ice car chase. Um, I'm going to do it. The sword fight is epic. Not just because of this woman, but it's just, it's. I think it made our top three. I can't remember. I'm pretty sure, Colin, you said you didn't mind it when it was shirtless Zhao in it. Um, it's a fun sequence. Um, it's just a fun movie. Shut the fuck up and like it for what it is. All right. <laughs> I love it. I play this again. But I can I see why. But I, I love all of it. But I can the s- women and the daughter too. <laughs> but I can see why people don't like it. Uh yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm becoming more appreciative appreciative of it purely based on the piss poor 60th anniversary that we've gotten this year. <laughs> <laughs> At least this film went out and said, hey, we're going to do references to all 20 films. Do-do. The Jinx reference is such an insult to Ursula Andres and Honey Ryder. But racist. Nah, not racist, just racist. embarrassed. Um, if she's white, you'd like it. Racist. If this was Denise Richards coming out of the water, I definitely would not like this. What if it was Anna uh, Thomas? If it was Anna Thomas, I would love this. Um if it was Billy Magnuson, I would love this. Um, Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> so they should have reversed it. Should have been Halle Berry drinking a drink and Pierce Brosnan in an orange. God, pull them out. Underneath the mango. <laughs> that would be hot. Yeah, that would put that on the Piercepedia. Um <laughs> That would be hot. Yeah, I mean, I would take Billy Magnuson doing a, a I'd take Billy Magnuson. Uh, I mean, I would be honoured to take him, uh, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, what can you say about this? We're, we're all talked out. But I, I honestly, Ben, I've come to appreciate it more because at least they did a movie and at least they said, hey, let's celebrate 20 years, 40 years of James Bond, which this year they're like, what, Dancing with the Stars? Woohoo! Um, but, yeah, there's nothing really I can say. Ah, I like the hovercraft. Um <laughs> Best but, use of a hovercraft. You, in you said Bond. it to me. 
yeah, and I love Diamonds Love Forever, but that's that's a bit of a naff use of a hovercraft there. So um, and the other one's shit. We don't talk about that hovercraft. You, you said to me, find my own uh, South Korean trivia. I found an article from the Guardian from January two thousand and three. James Bond is public enemy number one for Koreans. Uh, and they don't call it die another day. They call it degenerate die another day, <laughs> uh, which is going to be our new name for it going forward. Degenerate die another day. Attacked on both sides of the North-South divide. Uh, James Bond achie- appears to be achieving what years of political and military brinkmanship have failed to do, unite North and South Korea in a common cause. The makers of the, the 20th film Die Another Day have come under fire over their betrayal of North Korea as an evil regime. Despite years of increasingly tense separation between the two countries, viewers in the South have taken umbrage to the film's depiction of their northern neighbours and they have called for a boycott in the South's 140 cinema. And then they've got a quote from a, a, an unnamed university student in Seoul. Uh, I don't want to see a movie where North Korea is depicted as a menace to the peace on the Korean peninsula. And the US is this depicted as a hero said one student in Seoul uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna see gonna say having lived in Korea for five years this article is complete bullshit because I don't think they give a fuck about how the North Korea is presented in a James Bond movie I do remember this when it was released sorry to jump in there Colin that this did get a lot of controversy in Korea that did make the news here I remember that yeah I, I really don't I having known Koreans I don't think they really care uh the fact that they quoted one university student from Seoul who was unnamed is, is their one guardian quote uh but it's I the do guardian like when do they actually have real people in their articles no but I do like that the guardian have dubbed it degenerate die another day I'm going to be using that in the future uh uh, first of all, that basically read like the opposite of a Nicholas Susick book, everything you just read there. Um, but uh, maybe they can get published. I don't know. The The thing is with Die Another Day is that I, it's like License to Kill for me. I mean, those are easily my two bottom movies, but I do feel like there is a lot more to like in Die Another Day than there is in License to Kill. Um, now, having said that, some of the things to dislike in Die Another Day, I dislike a whole lot more than License to Kill. But... I will agree about the sword fight. I think that as soon as you get the Madonna cameo out of there, that's a great sequence. And I love that it's named Blades. Uh, and and really, whatever they did use from Moonraker in here is pretty good. Like the Ice Palace is fantastic. I mean, Ice Palace isn't a Moonraker, but the idea of this giant compound where there's an event that's being held. I mean, I love the way that they kind of adapted that and put their own spin on it. And obviously the Miranda Frost character and the Zhao characters, I rank them very highly, but the sword fight kind of is the highlight of this movie. And that's something that if you had, you talk about, oh, if they had done the cello chase in, you know, a Pierce Brosnan movie or a Roger Moore movie, would I like it more? Um, I like this one, even it being in the middle of Die Another Day. So I could imagine if you had put this sword fight in Goldeneye or you'd put this sword fight in For Your Eyes Only or The Spy Who Loved Me, I mean, this would be considered one of the great, you know, villain altercation scenes. The one thing I, I will say that they did well, they definitely do go overboard in a lot of the tributes in the Bond, um, the, the Bond series within Die Another Day. But I like that they, the way they incorporated some in there, just as far as the story, where we're going to have the callback to the Bond and uh, villain 
kind of matchup. You know, there's what the, the dice game with Kamal Khan, there's the golf game with Goldfinger. You know, we, we have a callback to that. And that's the whole purpose of the sword fight. And the fact they named it Blades is great too. If you, now that Ben's read the book, he gets that as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a fun scene. And I think as much as Die Another Day is a movie that I've come around less and less on, if anything, my opinions have uh, diminished on it, even since we started doing this show, I will give more credit to Gustav Graves now than I think I would have seven years ago when we started the show. Uh, he's never going to be a great villain, but he's definitely not, as bad as so many other things in this movie are. And I think this is the one movie for all of us that was the the main one that we were involved in the pre-release hype, the you yeah. know, the lead into it. We'd seen Bond films and I remember cinema at that point, or at least two of us had. And I mean, this is the first one you saw at the movies, right, Noah, wasn't it? I didn't see this in the movies, oh. but I vividly remember it coming out and I remember the trailers and the parodies and everything. Um Yes, exactly. Uh, so our top three moments of this was the entire film because it's great. Uh, the ice car chase, the cue scene, and the sword fight are the three that made it. Uh, I'll take Ash words for $200. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that fucking parody. Um, just, I've got, I want to read the literal translations, but there's one here. According to the director, Lee Tamahori, his 14-year-old son was more interested in the female torturer than in meeting James Bond. I think that's actually because uh, if he's related to Lee Tamahori, probably wanted to wear he, her outfit. Yeah, so. wear the torturer's outfit, didn't he? Uh, the literal translations of this movie in foreign languages include Death Can Wait from Finland and Italy, A New Day to Die, Brazil, You Die in Another Day, Portugal, from Argentina, Peru and Venezuela, Another Day to Die. Maybe that's what influenced the song in a few years. Death Comes Tomorrow from Poland, don't die today from Czech Republic. Die another time from Hungary. And personally, my favorite from Russia, die, but not today. <laughs> Those are all pretty good. <laughs> you will die, but not today. That, that's their lead up to the Ukraine. Die, but not today. Um, that's a great title for a film, Die, but not today. <laughs> very polite, the Russians. An underrated, <laughs> polite country. Uh, Casino Royale, Mads About Mickelson. Um, this was, for a very long time, our longest ever episode. Uh, obviously, reboot, all that. We know what happened with it. Um, I remember this was the one in between Die Another Day coming out. Like I was always Googling, like, what's happening with James Bond? Why haven't we had a James Bond? Four years. Felt forever at that point. Um, and obviously seeing it at the movies, I just left angry because of all the things that we were missing and Daniel Craig, all that kind of fun stuff. But it's a, again, I know I didn't really rank it highly on my list, but I still like Casino Royale. I don't dislike the movie. Probably like the movie more than the book, if I'm being completely honest. Um, even though the love story over two days is kind of rubbish, but whatever. But, um, it's, it's a movie where there's really nothing to dislike. I mean, yes, Solange kind of sucks and Demetrios isn't that great. Um, it's got to me the second greatest song in the history of James Bond, the greatest opening credits. Um, solid movie. It's fun. You can put it on. Um, the best bit for me is going to be the torture scene because I was actually thoroughly impressed that that was in the book. And it's very well shot. You get to see Daniel Craig naked. You can grate some cheese on him. And even though I don't have Le Chief as a very high villain on my list, Mads About Mickelson was great in that scene. So... Uh, yeah, I don't dislike it. I just like other movies better than it. 
Yeah, I was like you. I came out of this very disappointed. It was missing all the elements that made a James Bond film, which is what I defend on Living Daylights is it still has that core DNA of a James Bond movie, but it has aged remarkably well, like a like a James Bond 60th anniversary McCallum Scotch by now. Um, it, it's aged very well. Um, so even though at the time I was a little disappointed it is easily a top five, top 10 for me. Um, you can put it on it every time I'm blown away by it. It's just such a great, well-made film. And I would love if we could get old Martin back for Bond 26 for the new Bond, like he did with Pierce and uh, Craig. He's getting on a bit, I think. Um, but, yeah, I, I was disappointed, but at the same time, it, it's really held its own. And now that the Craig era is been and done finally, 17 years, I I can say my opinion has not really changed that much. I'm not a fan of the Craig era. It's just not James Wan to me, even though I like Casino, I am like Skyfall, I like No Time to Die, I'm fine with Spectre, I'm, Quantum sucks. It's just, it's not Bond to me. Even five films in 17 years, I'm ready for Bond 26 and I hope we get a sort of back to basics sort of thing again. But uh, but there are so many great sequences in Casino Royale. I, yeah, I'd agree with you in the torture scene, uh, but I, I'll just go just to be different. I'll go with the parkour because uh, at the time watching that, coming into this film, I'm like, wow, they've really done some impressive stunts here. And I love Daniel Craig just running through the war with such a Craig Bond thing, but I, I do love it. And, uh, and Africa is such an underused location for Bond. So I agree with you on the torture and old Nike, uh, bare chested Daniel Craig, but I'll, I'll go with the parkour just cause that was so impressive. Yeah. I, I think I had a similar reaction to both of you. I remember seeing this the first night and walking away thinking it was a great movie, enjoying the movie, but just feeling like, oh, it didn't feel like James yeah, Bond to me. And it it really just took a second viewing for me to start feeling more of that Bond feeling from it uh, and maybe disassociating it from Pierce Brosnan and being able to just, you know, see more of the book in there, see more of From Russia With Love or For Your Eyes Only uh, than having seen Die Another Day in it. But uh this movie really has stood the test of time. In fact, I think if anything, when, when this movie came out, there was so much negativity around Daniel Craig and the movie itself that when it came out, it was almost just like shock of everybody loving the movie that you assumed, oh, this re reputation is probably going to maybe diminish over time. But if anything, it's gotten stronger. Like I've seen so many people who either rank this in like their top five or maybe even their top three top Bond one. movies of all time. A lot top of, one, yeah. I've seen these make the number one on a lot of lists. Yeah, and I mean, I can't disagree with him. And I, it's, it's, it was fairly high on my list the first time. It might even be higher for a second time for me. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with the torture scene just because I remember reading that. That is one of the most vivid memories, reading the book and realizing there is something very different in the Bond novels from the movies when I read that torture scene in the book. And be like, ooh, I, I, and this was pre-Casino Royale ever coming out and imagining, I don't think they're ever going to be able to pull this off in a movie. And then seeing the movie and be like, well, they actually did pull it off and they pulled it off without it being like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the movie Zero Dark Thirty, uh, but Zero Dark Thirty's opening 20 minutes of torture scenes, I often don't even watch that. I'll start the movie after the opening 20 minutes because it's a little too much, but the torture scenes pull it off uh, so well, <laughs> Noah. Um, 
it, look, it's, look that up, it's Colin. Just, it's kind of uh, it's kind of like the Tracy death. You don't think that there's any way that this could work in the movie, and then they like pull it off. They pull it off. They really do pull it off. They pull it off. They pull it off big time. Big pull off. They do. Pierce Brosnan hurt his hand pull off, basically. Yeah, that kind of pull off. With effort and enthusiasm, they pull it off. This was the first ever Bond movie I owned on Blu-ray. I got it for free. Um, it would have been the first one that came out on Blu-ray. It would have been. I, I got this for free because it was. I got uh, I got my Sony PlayStation 3, and as part of it they were like, if you're one of the first however many people to write in, you will get a free copy of Casino Royale on Blu-ray, and I got one. So Ooh, Look at you being proactive. Thanks, Sony, for my free copy of Casino Royale. Yeah, on- sponsor of 007, I Sony. Wish. Bloody oath. Uh, the top three were The Torture Scene, The Parkour Chase, and Vespers Death. Uh, and still... I know there was a lot of rights issues around it, but, I mean, it still always baffles me that this took a long time to get made into a film, like a proper film. Yeah. And I still... 2026. I would have always loved to have seen uh, Quentin Tarantino's black and white version with an old Pierce Brosnan. It would have been fascinating. I mean, we don't know if it really would have fit the timeline, but, I mean, had they had done that, who knows what the franchise would have turned into from that point. So... Brosnan would still be going a la more. Exactly. He pull it off. Look at him. Pull it off. Oh, God. <laughs> pull it off. Is the name of the episode? Pull it off. Making me hot. Uh, pull it off. The name of the episode. Um, I I just want to point out one trivia fact here, which is just is this is the dumbest trivia fact you've ever read on IMDb. In the original novel, Le Chief is described as an overweight, unattractive man. Mads Mikkelsen doesn't fit that description. Thanks, IMDb. That's subjective. Um, But the trivia I'm going to go with, Martin Campbell claimed that the only reason he agreed to direct this film was he had no other projects in development. So he was bored. Blowing review. (laughs) Back to the 60s when people were just available. It was just like they were Barbara and Michael going through the Rolodex. He's dead. He's dead. And that person said, no, that person. Oh, Martin. Yeah, see, he's around. What are you doing, Martin? Nothing. Want to direct a bomb? I'm here. All right. Sure. What do you think the odds are that we could get Martin? Because he started off the Brosnan era. He started off the Craig era. He's, he's getting on a bit. Is it a pipe dream that we could get directing. Martin three, three for a row? I think he just directed a Liam Neeson film, which I think Colin said was shit. Um, but he's still he's still directing films. I think, isn't he directing? Oh, there's some Bond actor I think he's directing again uh, that he's directed. Oh, in the, I think Ava Green's in a new uh, film that he's doing, um, but no, I'd be I'd be for it. I think it's great. What a what a period to do. I mean, he's he's still directing, so why not? Go get on board with the Idris film. So why not? Uh, speaking Three for, for Martin. Speaking of torture, Quantum of Solace. Um, now again, when I first saw this film, I was fine with it. I'm like, yeah, right, yep, sure, cool. Uh, I will say this movie is better when you watch it directly after Casino Royale because I kind of do like that bookend of the ending into the beginning. And I think it's a unique idea having a direct sequel. We've never had it before. And I think it's something like, okay, give it a crack. But then you get this. And it's definitely a film that 007 has made me de-appreciate it more than I ever did. I don't think if I ever did this podcast, I'd probably just like, yeah, that's okay. Like it's there. But, yeah, it's not a good film. I think I had this as my third bottom. Um, terrible song. Worst villain of all time. Sorry, Green, but you're shit. Um, yeah, the opera scene is the best thing in this movie. It's The opera scene is great. I think we all agree that that is a good part of this film. 
but uh, like you know, like at least with Diamonds Are Forever, we had that wasted opportunity of revenge for Tracy. They tried to do revenge in this movie for Vespa, but it just does, like you get twenty minutes into it and you forget about it, and he's just hanging out with old what's a face and. Uh, doing this, doing that, and then at the end of it, the whole like bit, and it's like I never left. It gets three days, mate. Like I mean, the Daniel Craig era in the first two films aren't good with their timelines. Let's just say that. But um, yeah, Quantum, sure. I I easily my bottom film, and I don't think that will ever change. Like I easily happily watch Die Another Day any day over this. Like. Die another day, not a fan, but at least it's fun. And you can just sit back and, yeah, it's cringy, but you can laugh in a sort of bad movie kind of way. This, you can't laugh at it as, I love bad movies. This is not a bad movie that you can enjoy. This is just a very poorly made movie. Uh, Everything about it is poorly done. And every now and then I'll go on to the James Bond Reddit and they love this movie and, and I'm not going to take away if someone generally likes this movie, you're allowed to like it. It's your own opinion, but there is part of me and I'm going to sound like a dick for saying this. There is part of me that I think people kind of talk this up just because it is the lesser talked about film where they want to be seen as like, well, you like Casino Royale. I actually like Quantum of Solace. Uh, it's Reddit. People people put on a show on that damn website. So if you like Quantum of Solace, I'm not going to take it away from you, but I do think there's an element of show there that people don't actually like this movie. They're talking it up because they want to be seen as different or have some sort of hipster alternate view. Everything about it is poorly made, uh, and I disagree. I think if you watch it directly after Quantum of Solace, I think that's the biggest cop-out for this film. People say, oh, watch it after Quantum, watch it after Casino Royale. It's, it's such a poor, piss-poor argument that the fact that this movie can only be made good if you watch it directly after another two-and-a-half-hour movie. Like, what a, what a poor, what a, what a terrible review for a film. Like, you can enjoy this movie, but you have to watch this other movie before you watch it, and then it's good. Like, oh, come on. Come on, it's bullshit. It's not a James Bond movie. If you turn this on the TV, you wouldn't know it's a James Bond movie. And if this was not a James Bond movie and it was just a 2008 movie called Quantum of Solace, we would completely have forgotten about this movie and it would have been lumped in with all of those other mid-2000 action movies that got two stars in Empire Magazine and then were forgotten 10 years later and were relegated to the bargain bin basement. It's not a good movie. It's completely terribly made. It's not fun in the way that Diamonds Are Forever or, dare I say, Dying of the Day is. Everything about it is awful, and I'm abstaining from picking a moment. (laughs) Wow. Burn. Colin, you muted yourself, Boomer. Try it again. Yeah, this is uh this is a movie that I am probably the bigger defender of it, but I have grown to dislike a lot more things about it uh since we started the show. Uh I will say I think this is much more successful than you're giving it credit for in following up the Vesper story, even if it is unnecessary. Uh I I, I view this movie in the way that I, if this had been following on Her Majesty's Secret Service, maybe I like I don't know if he necessarily needed a follow-up to Casino Royale, and that's maybe where it hurts it. But I like to kind of pretend in an alternate universe that like this is 
post Honor Majesty's Secret Service uh, and not post Casino Royale. Um, but I'm going to agree with Ben because I think the opera scene is so good that it almost belongs in a different movie. And uh, I, I do agree with Noah, like this movie is poorly made. And yet I don't know whether it's a problem with the direction, if this is a Mark Forster problem or if it was an editing thing, because this movie is so short. I almost get the impression that this movie was just hacked to pieces because they wanted a short running time. Um, and maybe there's a better version out there somewhere. I don't know. But Release the, the opera cut. scene... Yeah, exactly. Uh, but but the opera scene is so good. I almost wish it were in another movie. And I just finished watching Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, where they do an opera scene like this and that, that they probably do it slightly better. But it, it almost made me want to go back and rewatch the quantum opera scene because there's something about opera scenes that are just handled really well in spy movies, I guess. Um, let's let's also just give, I, I guess, uh, a bit of a shout out here. Um, I think that uh, the, the the one thing that does work in this movie uh, despite you know maybe it being unnecessary is the relationship with mathis and in a way i kind of wish this movie had gone less the route of it being vesper's revenge and more about being this strained relationship between him and mathis because the scenes they have together are fantastic and it, it's a great like tragic end to their relationship and almost a happy end to their relationship where he just dumps him in the dumpster and just says he wouldn't care that's kind of like a, a more touching moment than we're used to having in a Bond movie. And yet that is totally appropriate. It's like I was saying with, with Felix in the books, like the reason for me, License to Kill doesn't work as a Felix revenge story is because in the books, Bond doesn't care. Like he definitely cares about revenge for Felix, but he's basically like, Felix knows I have a job to do. I got to do the job. And that's kind of like the way that, that he disposes of Mathis. I like the fact that Mathis is more of a thing in the books. I didn't realize that. Um, also, worst title for a Bond film. It's not even remotely... Sensible. We used a Fleming title. We've got to appreciate that. But I just like. Yeah, I mean, I I still would rather. Like, I know a lot of people complain about what does the title mean, but I would rather this than the Hildebrand rarity or. I think the Hildebrand rarity sounds more Bondian than the quantum of. I think the property of a lady actually fits this whole Vespa follow-up thing with the necklace thing. So why did they not follow the property of a lady? This Um, and No Time to Die to me are the worst titles because again, what does No Time to Die have to do with the movie? Like, can I just also say the the James Bond Reddit that I've been visiting lately? They love Dominic Green as well. Fuck off. Like, no, that's where they're totally wrong. I, I just, have nothing positive to say you know, about that. You know what I have to say about that? Just fuck off. The, the reason I keep seeing it, and you have to remind yourself, a lot of people on Reddit are teenagers, but the, so they stupid. say, oh, but Dominic, I mean, Maybe I, I should be on it more. I was, <laughs> I, I was stupid when I was a teenager, but they say, oh, Dominic Green is realistic. <laughs> well, since when do you want realistic a frog. James Bond? Like, I can't, I can't, I can't wait till I'm not a teenager anymore and I grow up, but, um, well, we'll see how that goes. Uh, I'm waiting. The opera scene, the death of Mathis and the death of Green are the three that made our top. Um, I haven't even bothered. Is there trivia on this movie? I haven't even bothered to find one. Um, I'm just going to choose one at random here. It's going to be shit. The second James Bond film to be a direct sequel to the previous movie. What? Diamonds Are Forever can... Diamonds Are Forever continues no. immediately after. Have you what? watched Diamonds Are Forever? Yeah, that that bit when um you, you know you see uh, them bugger off into the mud uh, place. That's uh, often not dying uh, grass. Come on. Uh, the first time the official James Bond has been a yeah. They're, they're not great trivia. Uh, is there a alternate uh, titles in different countries section? I'd be interested in a quantum. I would be interested in that actually. Um, I see if I can find one here. This is great, great for the podcast. Can we play a transition music for the moment? Uh, 
Um, yeah, I can't find it. Underneath the mango tree. The Royal World premiere was held on Wednesday, October 29th, London's Olsen, uh, in the presence of Prince William and Prince Harry. Uh, Whoop-dee-doo, Basil. Surely it's got to be on here. This is the one that would beg for, like, alternate Uh, Of all the titles, this is probably the one that had alternating titles in other countries. Uh, This is a six-bond film, not to mention the title of the main song. Okay. Um, I need to find this out. I'm like, I'm, I, yeah, they don't have it. Well, fuck you, trivia. Can we just Google the Quantum of Solace you can do alternate that. You titles can do that, different Colin. country? You can do that. Quantum, uh, you're uh, Noah. <laughs> <laughs> you Didn't we have this problem before again? on the Oz Network that I kept calling you shit? Oh, don't ever God. call me Colin again. <laughs> don't ever call me Colin again. The Noah Groves story. <laughs> You're often confused. You were fat. He is. Um, both don't have sex. Uh, I, I, I've gotten, uh, but I, I've gotten the names, but I don't have like the translations of them. Well, you can find that. Um, Skyfall. Colin. Colin's very angry with this, by the way. Go oh, here. He's back. Quick. Just, just stop talking about him. Quick. Uh, we're not talking about Colin. We're talking about uh, Skyfall because that's what we're doing next. Um, of solace. Colin of Solace. The, the quantum of Colin. Um, Hannah Stokely is the star of this movie. We're all going to agree the train scene is the best bit. Um, yeah, saw this at the movies and it's still the weirdest reaction I've ever – it's just – it's again, it's just like that – wow, this, this is the, the lost – the bit when they watch the Dharma video and the – I'm going to have to watch that again. Uh, like it's just – I left the cinema going like, wow, that was different and unique and I liked it, but I didn't. And it's always my relationship with Skyfall. It's a it's a great film. It's not a Bond film, but, like, it's still enjoyable and I like what Sam Mendes does with it, but it's just not a Bond film. But, I mean, we've got a great villain. We've got a great song. We've got great moments and it's a beautifully looking film. Uh, Hannah Stokely is gorgeous. Um <laughs> It's the only Bond film in which the villain wins. Um, I mean, it's just so many elements to it that it just it's unique and great and just for Ronson because uh, we love Ronson. Um, yeah, I mean, what else can you say about it? I think the best sequence of it, um, I'm going to go with Silver's intro scene because that maybe is the best mm-hmm. intro for any Bond villain in all of James Bond. And also the uh, moment which when Noah watched it, he had this opinion. Oh, it's pretty gay. Because uh, it's the probably scene that George Lazenby hates the most in James Bond, which I love. <laughs> like, I, I love the fact that people complained about it, but, like, it's just such a fun scene of who says this is my first. Like, oh, yeah. Mr. Bond. Like, it's it's great. It's so Craig good. Craig plays it brilliantly. Craig is good he in this. Play- Ironically, he plays it very straight. He does. Um, <laughs> and M dying. He pulls it off. He literally pulls <laughs> it off. But, like, M dying. Like, I mean, that's a scene. What? That, she dies? When I watched it, I'm like, oh, M, Judy. Like, come on. She was thinking of Pierce in that moment. Now that I know that. But, yeah. She was thinking, finally, I can do cats. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm going to have this blessed contract. Now I can finally do cats. <laughs> <laughs> my passion project, pussies. Um, it's my passion project. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, the Judy Dench's pussy project, cats. Oh. Um, <laughs> Swipe right on Tinder, yes, please. Put a wig uh, on it. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with Ben. 
I enjoyed Skyfall when it was released, but I came out of it a little disappointed, much like a lot of the Craigs, because I I knew this was the 50th anniversary, and for the 40th, we got all sorts of Bond references. So I came into this thinking, okay, I hated Quantum, I liked Casino, but I I was annoyed with some of the element. So I thought Skyfall was going to go bang into, like, typical James Bond, straight away, James Bond dead out of the secret service, going rogue, whatever. Like, come on, come on. Really? Again? Uh, he's saying he never left, but then he's leaving again. Like, and there was no money penny though. And then they brought in Twerpy Q, who I've come to appreciate a little bit, but I still don't love. Uh, and then Money Penny announced at the very end that there was no bond girl in the 50th anniversary movie come mm. on uh there was so many things that i was disappointed about skyfall but at the same time it's a really good film so it's kind of this as a bond film i'm kind of agree with ben it's disappointing to me but in another way it's just an entertaining movie that you put on and i i don't think anyone puts it on and doesn't enjoy watching it um I know people. So, I, I know a couple who don't like Skyfall. My dad didn't like Skyfall. You know, you know people? I know. I've got a friend who doesn't like Skyfall. So, yeah. A friend. Is his had, name Jim? Had a friend. I'm um, not a Canadian married woman. Uh, not yet. Um, <laughs> Transitioning. Yep. <laughs> uh, let's not go there. Um, in terms of favourite moments, I, 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 I really... <laughs> I really don't think it's a bad film, but I agree with Ben. I'm disappointed by it. But, I mean, I don't want to mention he who shall not be named because he's very scary. Voldemort. Me, but, uh, well, welcome to oh, Scotland. Oh, don't say it, don't uh, say it, don't say it. Kincaid! <laughs> oh, you got the soundboard. I do. I prepared for that one. I was waiting for sheep to show up. Um <laughs> But, yeah, the whole Scotland Home Alone sort of stuff is just great. And I love the sort of throwback to, like, Bond's past. Like, that's the, the only sort of 50th anniversary thing they did other than the DB5. So uh, all of that sequence. And the guy that we cannot say because he's very scary uh, and Judy Dent dying, all of that is just great Bond stuff. See, this, this is where I don't understand at all because I feel like especially – here in the middle of the Craig era, um, this is where it starts to feel so much more like a Bond movie. I'd say even more so than Casino Royale, definitely more than Quantum of Solace. You know, we have a lot of the, um, what would be the right word for it? Um, I, I, over the topness that they're bringing back, like Silva's base is on a deserted island. You know, you have the the, the death, tra- kind of like a nod to the death traps with uh, shooting the the apple off her head. I win, you know, there's a villain who's having fun and who's just flamboyant and over the top. And uh, you have obviously some gadgets. Getting, they, even, they even kind of make fun of the idea of the gadgets with the radio. Uh, oh, and but then, they shit on the- Goldeneye. That's just yeah, rude. But that pisses me off, the making fun of the gadgets. But but then you got, you got the it's an exploding watch you know? inspector. You're just a hypocrite in the next movie. But like you get the car back and then the casino, you know, this, this underworld casino where the, the Komodo dragon basically sacrificed to a Komodo dragon. Like there's, there's so much fun stuff in this where this feels like bond is having fun again. Um, and I, I will say there are obviously things they do in this movie where you're like, well, is that something they do in a bond movie? That's kind of why I feel like this is such a good 50th anniversary because they take it to the next level. I mean, the storyline is probably 
the biggest storyline they've ever had. And I'm not talking about just the plot they stole from Mission Impossible about, uh, you know, exposing the agent's names, but just the the fact that terrorism is now right in the middle of London. You know, that that's something that I don't think we've ever even talked about in any of our recaps, commentaries or anything. The stakes of this movie is London itself. I mean, you've got people coming into like a, um, a parliament hearing or whatever that is uh, and setting off explosions. You've got Bond running through the streets. You've got subways uh, being you know, uh, blown up and uh, knocked into underground tunnels. There's just so much going on here uh, that it almost feels like larger than life Bond movie again. Um, but yeah, if I'm going to pick one single thing, I'm, Agree, agree, agree with Ben. I don't know what, what's going on here. Um, he gets paid and suddenly he's making smart opinions. We should have paid him a long time ago. Uh, yeah, Silva's introduction, probably up there with Honey Rider. I think that that's the only thing I can really uh, argue with the Honey Rider. Well, imagine if he'd come out of Bikini, it almost would have made it better. Everybody but, would have pulled that off. There, there's no other character I could think about other than Honey Rider and Silva. They really have a character introduction that's given this much of a showcase and this film, this long shot. I mean, the, the set, the server room and this abandoned town, abandoned Island, everything is just, Oh, it's, it's amazing. Like everything about this perfect. And Javier Bardem, if you're going to do the Oscars, the all time Oscars, just for the bond series, greatest acting performance in bond history goes to Javier Bardem. He honestly should have gotten an Oscar nomination for this. That's mm. just not me as a Bond fan saying that. Like they have given Oscar nominations to Johnny Depp for the Pirates of the Caribbean. I think you can give a nod to Javier Bardem for this. I would agree with that. And I remember in the lead up to the awards season, it was talked about, and I kept looking at all of them. I followed closely, and I think he got a BAFTA for Best Supporting Actor. Maybe he got mm. one. Like I know there was one of the major ones he did, but yeah, I I agree with you. I think he should have definitely gotten an Oscar nomination. Um, I'm wondering. Speaking of 50th anniversary. What would it take you to get you for us to fly you to Kingston, Jamaica, and for charity for you to emerge in a bikini from the ocean? Who are you talking to, uh, me or Colin? Ben, of oh. course. Uh, <laughs> like, what, would it, what would it get you for charity? For charity to get I got you naked. I got naked for another podcast and put a buff on my dick, so I'm sure I can do it in a bikini. So, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, me and Colin recorded that episode where we you like yeah. sent us an ass. Enough, sure. And how did that turn uh, out? So nudity was, for me does well on public domain. I'm, I'm just saying for charity, like we get yeah. you emerging from the ocean in a bikini. Yeah. With, with underneath the mango tree playing. Would you do that? Yeah. Why not? Who's going to be people on Patreon? Which one? That's our number one tier. <laughs> yeah, got, come For $50,000, you can do the Ben in a Bikini tier. But which one of you two are going to be playing Bond and do the, what are you, you know, are you looking? Oh, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I'm uh, not looking, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. What would it take for me to get one of you two to fly to London and steal a tube train and go, duh? If Hannah Stokely's involved, I'll do it. What a woman. Um... Silver's, in, woman. Silver's intro scene, the final chapel showdown, M's death, and the opening train sequence. The facts I want to read. So there's, there's one here which I, I, it's yeah. I'm just gonna read this first one though. According to Dame Judy Dench, the secrecy surrounding the details of the plot was such that advanced copies of the script were individually stamped so that they can be specifically traced to each official recipient in the event of negligent disclosure of plot details. There's a Bond title of a film, negligent disclosure. I can't even say the word. Um, But I love this one. According to the UK Sun newspaper, Bond girl, well, Bond woman in one scene girl, 
Berintz Marlowe said that Daniel Craig was coy and hesitant before filming their love scene in the shower. Marlowe said he was very shy, and when he saw me entering the shower, he was like, oh, my God. He tried to keep his underpants on for the shower scene, but I said, no, come on, don't be shy. I will do anything to make you feel comfortable. (laughs) Not safe for work in this. My God. (laughs) Daniel Craig, the shy one. And they said, oh, sorry, sorry. Did Daniel Craig just get me too? I said, well, I mean, they talk about that scene being a bit gross because, you know, he's been a bit rapey with the poor woman who's been sold as a sex slave. She's like, take off your underpants. Let me do anything. There's 12 rules there. Daniel Craig is playing the Severin and she's playing Bond. Is Craig going to come out in five years? Like, yes, I was me too. Probably. Well, beliefs Marlowe here. Come on. Um, anyway. He's like, pin him up against the wall. Don't worry, I'll buy you an ice cream afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> you see what I do with my little finger. We'll see what I can do with my little finger. Um, Spectre. Oh, Ben's beloved. Um, again, a movie that I, it's like the world is not enough. I don't get the hate. I'm sorry. I just don't get it. This is a great film. This was my number one Daniel Craig film until no time to die. And I still think I have this at like number four or whatever on my list. Like I just love this film. It's, Finally, Daniel Craig feels like he's James Bond. The couch thing. People who bag out him falling on the couch are stupid. Fuck you. You belong on Reddit. You belong with Max Dawson, you stupid knob. Like, it's just, it's fun. It's just silly. People not like the couch thing. And, like, I get the, oh, the brother thing. But, like, to me, the brother thing's really not that bad. The Bond having a daughter is worse than Bond having a brother. Shut up. Um, I just, oh, I love Spectre. The opening sequence is incredible. I think I had that as my number two on my overall list. And I similar to what I said with The World Isn't Enough, I feel this will be a movie that will get love. So we're probably like 20 years away from Spectre getting love. We're not anywhere near it because, if anything, Spectre gets more and more hate every year it gets uh, from it being released. So many people talk about this as being the worst Bond film of all time. No, it's fun. It's great. I love it. The boardroom scene. Holy fuck balls! I mean, sure, okay, Pete, you two are going to shit on this. Think about the two scenes here that we could choose from the top, the the opening sequence and the boardroom scene, like iconic. Um, I'm going to go with the boardroom scene because I'm pretty sure Colin will go with the opening sequence. I love the opening sequence, but the boardroom scene is just chilling. God, that makes me shit myself every single time, and including the Mickey Mouse. I love the Mickey Mouse. And Monica Bellucci, shut up, Noah. She's amazing. <laughs> why, in, instead of Mickey Mouse, why didn't they say, uh, and I'm goofy? <laughs> um <laughs> Because they were hoping to be owned by Disney one day, like everybody in life. Uh, one of the best things that Colin ever did was when he re-edited that for the guy to say, and I'm Arnold Palmer. Like, <laughs> peak, peak, peak Colin Hilding humor there. And like, Sunshine uh, and Col- Lollipops, he did a good job with that. Yeah. Colin CB, Peak, I think. Uh, but, I mean, this holds a special place in my heart because this was the first Bond film Aww. that me and Ben to see together and the only one. Oh, um, date night. Remember the little uh, the cups they had and we played mini driver pinball. Oh, yeah, mini driver Build pinball. Build a burger. Built oh. a burger now McDonald's, so we can't do that anymore. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was a nice little date and we also saw Mary, which was maybe like it was, a week before. Oh, I was a, a little bit after. before, yeah. Oh, no, it was after because that was the Survivor finale, so that would have been a little bit later. That would have been a week or two after. Yeah. 
But, I mean, we had fun going along to Spectre. It was at a decent time, unlike the freaking Star Wars ones we kept seeing. Um, and, and we were in the lobby and they were playing Bond themes. Yeah. So it was a good night. Um, merry good night. Uh, and we had fun watching it. And when it was like, I'm Blofeld, we turned to each other like, yeah, of course he is. Um, uh, I'm, I'm in the middle with Spectre. I think there's a lot to love about this film. There are so many good parts of it, but there's also so many crap parts. The whole middle second half of the film is not good. Um, but there is a lot to love about this film. Uh, and I could easily watch Spectre and enjoy it for what it is. I hate the stepbrother thing. It's so dumb. Uh, but I, uh, favorite bit. Mm. Maybe I quite like actually the Spectre base, but mm. I just still annoyed that they got rid of it so fast. That still annoys me to this day. But the stuff with Craig in the chair and Christoph Waltz is amazing in those sequences. So, uh, yeah, maybe the Spectre base is quite good. I, I just, I'm glad you said that because it's an underrated location. Again, it should have been the final sequence, but yeah. Um, I mean, I. I think I ranked the pre-title scene as my number one, but actually I really want to just give a uh, uh, mention to the, the scene between Bond and Monica Bellucci. Oh. Um, if there's anything in this movie that improves, the more you watch it, it's that scene. And I think that that's probably up there with Bond and uh, Tanya in From Russia With Love. Like this is a scene that you can audition future Bond actors with. It is so good. Uh, so I really, I would be kind of split down. The, I, I'd be split down the middle between that scene and uh, the pre-title scene. I mean, obviously the pre-title scene is incredible and uh, the movie kind of goes down from there. I will say in, in a bit of a defense for Spectre, the first half of the movie is very strong. There's very little that I have to complain about. The first half of the movie It's just, it reaches a point where it's just suddenly just becomes very unpleasant to watch and, and boring and dull. And yet the first half is so strong and that's really what, will I think ultimately hold it back from being like a bottom five movie for me. I mean, maybe it will end up being bottom five, who knows? But uh, yeah, pre-title scene and uh, the Monica Bellucci bond uh, scene, it's just those are easily the highlights. Although I'll also say that Spectre boardroom scene, that still gives me chills every time I watch it. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff is good in here. I'm looking at our hall of fame though. I mean, I, I'm actually surprised with the scene that we put in here and that we didn't put the Bond Monica Bellucci scene in here. Yeah, all this. There's something else where I'm like, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of questioning why we picked this other one. Mister White meeting death, kite dancing in a hurricane scene made it. It's yeah, a good, I mean, it's a good scene, but like it's, it's good but scene. car chase and Monica Bellucci both and of those Spectre probably base, better. The explosion, I mean, the biggest explosion ever on. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with. We that. have at least three better scenes. Spectre border. I didn't. I didn't like scenes. the car chase, so it's not on me. Uh, well, you're just, yeah, sure. But uh, you didn't like Monica Bellucci either, so you don't have an opinion. Um, uh, I like Kite dancing in a hurricane. Uh, yeah, it's a good scene. But here's uh, uh, a trivia fact on the one that we've all been wanting to know. First James Bond movie where Daniel Craig is not seen shirtless during the movie except for the opening credit <laughs> sequence. That's why Colin doesn't like it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, God, the sexual exploitation of Daniel Craig. No wonder he wanted to slit his wrist after this movie. Well, is it a coincidence that it came after that time where he got Me too in Skyfall? True, very true. Uh, on to the movie that we've done 8,000 episodes on and uh, we've just crossed the four-hour mark. Didn't think this episode was going to go for this long, but okay. I didn't think it would go two hours. <laughs> Me neither, but whatever. Here we are. Um, 
No time to die. Uh, I believe I'm going to get it one day in Australia. Um, funnily, I love how the other day the James Bond uh, Twitter account was like, oh, on this day a year ago, the official premiere of No Time. I'm like, well, that must have been nice for those who got to see it shortly after it. Um, but obviously the the most recent one at the time of recording this, a great film. Uh, it was worth the wait. Uh, the longest film, the biggest shock since Tracy's death. Uh, I still applaud you. I'm just going to, I'm actually literally going to applaud you too. <laughs> For keeping that a fucking secret. For I, I don't know how that happened. I am so shocked that you did not get spoiled. And, and I'm applauding myself too for not finding out because I would have been so annoyed if I had found that out going into that. But um, the moment that that happened and I knew that you were over a month from seeing it, I'm like, oh, Ben's just oh, it's yeah. completely ruined. There's no way he's going to be able to last this long. It, it just... It was a, pr- until I saw Spider-Man No Way Home, probably the best cinematic experience I'd ever had. Um, and just, it lived up to it. It's a, what, a nearly a three-hour film that feels like it's over in two. Such great moments. The movie where Felix dies, Blofeld dies, everyone dies. Uh, it's funny. It's got great moments in it. Uh, again, finally, he feels more like Bond, even than Inspector. And it just, it just everything about it. The locations are fantastic. Uh, just... So much about it is so good. And Anna de Armas, come on. Billy Magnuson, come on. Uh, I mean, just take your pick. Rami Malek, yeah, a bit of a letdown to what we thought he could be. Oh, uh, finally, finally. I he admits it. But I to see the light. But I've never said I love him. I've never just disliked him as much as you two. I just think he's like in the middle. I don't think he's as bad as you say. I definitely think he's easy to agree that he's a letdown from what we thought he would be. But I still don't think he's terrible. Um, exactly. Like it's on my Tinder profile. A bit of a letdown to what you think I will be. Um, but I mean, the death. What? What? I mean, that's easily the the moment for me. I mean, Cuba fight short. Fantastic. Yes, we want all the bonds. But Anna Armas, Felix's death. Your but like. It's always going to be the film that Bond dies. It's just, it's literally that point. And yeah, I said before that Tracy's death is probably the biggest shocking ending, and I'll still stand by that. But I think at the end of the day, no one ever believed that they would kill James Bond off. No one. No one. And they did. And what an insane thing to do. And in 10 years' time, when we've maybe had one more Bond film, because we're probably not going to have two in the next 10 years, uh, you know, let's say 20 years' time, when we've had two Bond films by then, uh, that we can, you know, look back at this in a bit of hindsight. It's still very fresh, but it's still going to be that film where the experience of watching this and being there for it, and after all the fucking delays that we had for this film, I mean, just insane. I mean, yeah, I mean... At the time of recording, it's just over a year since I saw it. Um, and it is crazy. We're saying we didn't spoil it for you, but this movie was supposed to come out in 2019 and it came out in 2021. Yeah. The fact that they knew that Bond died and that they had filmed that and they held off on that for two years because uh, of this dumbass pan- pandemic, that's crazy. Um, I mean... It is enjoyable Bond film. I I think when you go into a Bond film nowadays, I I I sound like such a grumpy bum always on this show, but I just get annoyed by people on the internet. People are so fucking annoying to me. But it feels like nowadays when you see a movie, it's either the best movie you've ever seen or it's the worst movie you've ever seen. And this is the twenty fifth Bond film. We're talking about sixty years here. When you go into a Bond film. It's okay for it to be in the middle. It's okay for it to be, oh, that was good. And to me, No Time to Die was, oh, that was good. 
Uh, it doesn't have to be the best Bond film. It doesn't have to be the worst Bond film. And it, it's this is the thing these days. It's, oh, that's the best Marvel superhero movie. That's the worst Marvel superhero. Sometimes you can watch a movie and, it, oh, that was good. And it's a James Bond film. It's the longest-running continuous franchise of all time. So if you get the 25th film, it's okay to say, oh, that was okay, that was good. Uh, and Bond has a special place in our heart that we watch it and we just appreciate it for what it is. Um, people went mental, and I had the hindsight of seeing this movie before anyone, so I got to get on the internet and see people's spoiled reactions, and people before they even saw this movie were going mental. I think Nicholas in Lee's a year... Still is going mental. Still is going. Well, I think in a year people have sort of gotten over it. The initial reaction, people were saying the franchise is dead, they can never bring Bond back and blah, blah, blah. Like, come on, come on. So, but I, I truly believe in, I said this in my initial reaction and I'll say it now, 60 years time when Bond's 120 years old, this is just the one that's known as the the one where Bond dies. It's not the end of the friend. It's just the dads. When, when Ben's a dad and Colin has his fifth children, granddad. six children, when Colin's a granddad, I'm not going to be a dad. People are going to call this, yeah, I'll be a daddy, but I'm not going to be a dad. And people are going to say to their kids, oh, yeah, that was the one I saw in the cinema. That's the one where James Bond died. Like my dad says, live and let die. Oh, that's the one with the jet boat thing. People are just going to call it, oh, that's the one where James Bond died. That's a translation and, from and, Korean, the one where James Bond died. Yeah, that was died. the name of the movie in Korean. Um, <laughs> They're actually, very serious in Korea. They don't care about spoilers. Can I have a ticket to the one where James Bond dies, please? James Bond dies. Uh, actually, in Korean, it was called No Time to Die in direct translation. So, so the same, uh, but just was, with a Korean accent. That was mildly racist of Noah. <laughs> it wasn't mildly racist. That's what it's called. No Time to Die. So again, um, the same title, but with a Korean accent. You just yeah, do it with a Korean re- accent? So it, yeah. actually, a fun fact, in Canada, it was called No Time to Die. die. In New I Zealand, mean- it was called No Time to Die, Brew. In Britain, <laughs> it was called Hello, Puppet, No Time to Die. I mean, you guys are making me out to be a racist, but it, it actually, that's what it was called in I Korean. don't agree. I don't disagree with you. You just literally say the name of the title with a slightly Korean accent. That's the only that's difference. That's the way it was in Korean. It was written, no time to die. It wasn't translated. Yeah, was in Australia English. it was written, no time to die, but I say it in Australian accent. Colin says, We really don't understand what Noah's saying. We should probably just move no, on. And, and you guys are making me out to be the fool, but really you guys are actually the force, <laughs> not getting this. Um, Colin, what was it called in Canada? No time to die. They, they, well, that's a different too. Yep. <laughs> no time to die, eh? Um, <laughs> well, sorry, eh? But there's no time to die, eh? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, thoroughly enjoyable. A year on, not the best Bond film, but far from the worst. Best moment. I I agree. It's hard to get. It's just so iconic. James Bond died. Uh, and our episode was so long when we recapped that. I can't even remember our Hall of Fame. I fell asleep. But, yeah, I mean, how can you beat? We're going to tell our grandchildren, well, Colin's grandchildren, about the time that we were in the cinema and we saw James Bond die. That's a special thing. Colin's uh, making money. So I'll say that the Hall of Fame moments were Felix's death, Bond's death, and the Cuba fight. Because Anna de Armas, which her- Anna de Armas. 
blonde Bond whatever movie is out now, the Marilyn Monroe one, which um, yeah, we'll need to wait. Watch that. I did. I did love how she had just recently come out in interviews and was like, "Oh, I'm going to be very disappointed in the fact that all my nude scenes are going to end up on the internet." It's like, yeah, that's kind of how it works now. Sorry, Anna. But but, but can I reiterate as well? Like, I love the Anna Dharma stuff. We don't need the the Paloma spinoff. No. Like, I'm so I'm so sick of people on the internet. Just me off the internet. It just makes me upset. He says while people are listening to us on the internet. Um, no one's listening, but people on the internet are. <laughs> I thought that we were being broadcast on Bond FM, the actual radio station, <laughs> a pirate radio. Colin, you're back with the dog. Yeah, I. It's it's very hard to overlook Bond's death, but um, I I really do want to Billy Magnuson smile. I'm, I have to pick the Cuba fight scene just because it, it gave us the most fun sequence we've ever had in the Daniel Craig series. I and mean, arguably there's not as many fun sequences to choose from, um, but there's humor to it. There's, you know, a, an incredibly elaborate setup with both the interior and the exterior set. Uh, the the fight choreography is great. We have, um, what's her name? Lashana Lynch uh, getting uh, drove into the, the car, driving into the thing, the, uh, scaffolds collapsing and all that there's there's it's so much fun but really it is and armist that makes that uh and i just want to say uh we we talked about before she's got this nc-17 rated movie where she's playing marilyn monroe we just mentioned um, that you weren't listening but hello welcome uh, well i d- definitely wasn't mentioning uh but did you watch again. it did you watch it it's, uh well i okay i got about 40 <laughs> minutes into this movie oh, okay for colin <laughs> no, hey, it's not just me. I, in fact, if anything, I've done better than most viewers. Uh, apparently, there's these stories coming out saying that the average amount right. of time it's taken people to turn off this movie is 20 minutes. Now, this movie's almost three hours long. Colin, just, we'll educate you viewer, after why it takes people that long to stop watching a yeah. movie with lots no, of sex. No, 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 no 20 really, minutes is a record like, for me. Like Pornhub, usually anybody, the runtime's about a 10-minute, 5-minute. If anybody's seen this movie, you'll realize your jokes probably are pretty off base because the reason people are turning this movie off 20 minutes in is because I, I, I would love to find anybody out there who finds this movie erotic. I mean, we basically have people choking somebody and trying to drown them in a bathtub. Yeah. Uh, and um, it is very unpleasant. Do you want to look at my Pornhub history? Uh. It's not, I'm not even talking about sex scenes. I mean, this is just a lot of like abuse and unpleasantness. It is, it is not fun. So Can't um, wait to watch it after but, we finish recording. Yo, uh, if you can make it for, I, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I'm like, I made it twice as long as the average viewer apparently. Yeah, but you're movie, not but like yeah, you. You're, you're, you think they're fighting, so uh. you're desensitized. <laughs> yeah, that's why that I'm able to. I'm able to stand more of it because. So I what you're trying to say them. is she won't win an Oscar, basically. So the Oscar buzz has died. The Oscar buzz very much died. This movie has gotten a very negative response. Because the thing but, is, yes, it's not no, like an actual biopic, is it? It's like a. It's an, fiction. And that's the other, I think that's the other thing that's frustrating some people is that they're presenting this very unpleasant story that it's like, yeah, this is an unpleasant story, but you've involved a real life person in situations that never happened. So yeah, not A bit like the 007 biopic. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Billy Magnuson plays all three of us. (laughs) Uh, The the Billy Magnuson peed. Oh, Uh, oh, Yes, I'm going to go with the Cuba sequence. But yeah, there's the No Time to Die is another one of these movies where, it, like Noah, you said perfectly, like it's it doesn't have to be the best movie of all time. That's sort of what I was saying about Tomorrow Never Dies and Man with the Golden Gun. Like, if anything, Craig has found his Man with the Golden Gun. He's found a movie that's 
perfectly adequate. And it's funny though, that as, as many people out there who seem to be upset by the movie, I feel like this movie has a much more positive reception than anybody would have expected it to have. Uh, there are those Nicholas Susick's out there. Those are the people who hate this movie, but I'm actually shocked at how many people have walked out of this movie being like, I'm surprised how much I actually really enjoyed that. And it kind of comes down to what you said, Ben, about the, the death scene. You know, it's not just the fact that they did this death scene. Like, I can't believe nobody really believed they'd pull it off. I think there are people who believe that they would try to pull kill off. James Bond. I just don't think that, exactly. Uh, I just don't think that, that there is anybody out there who believed that they would be able to pull off his death scene. It, it, it's not just the fact that they did it. It's the fact that they did it well. Fun fact, I also have my Pornhub search as James Bond dying. Um, that's pulling off going in there. Yeah, it's, I think. My, my Pornhub search is Billy Magnuson's smile. Oh, Jesus, that's just, yep, I just. But, but we we mentioned in our pre-episode that, oh, the only thing that could ruin this movie is if James Bond died. And then we all came out of this movie going, Oh, I was actually weirdly okay. It took with me. That. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely took a bit longer, I think, to establish the liking of it. But it, yeah, it's it's definitely, you know, a year later, I'm completely fine with it. Um, but I, it, we will, yeah, I, I, that's a good point you make, Colin. It'll be very interesting to see the long term opinion of this because I think like when Spectre first came out, people seemed to be okay and they seemed to like it. It got pretty good reviews. And when it came out, it was never disliked. The, the, the hatred of Spectre, Spectre was like, what, two years later, three years later? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really dropped very quickly. And I'd say Quantum of Solace was probably the same as well. I don't really remember Quantum of Solace being hated when it first came out. Now it's back, no. apparently. Die, die another day. I mean, that took maybe a year or two, but like it, we've talked about that wasn't exactly hated. But I, I'm not saying this will be a hated film. I don't ever see No Time to Die being a hated film, but... I mean, we're also in that period where we're going to get a new Bond and generally we're probably going to move on from the Daniel Craig era. The fact that, you know, I'm, again, we've talked about this before, whether or not he'll be hated like Brosnan seemingly is now. I don't think that will ever be the case. But, yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> trivia fact, one we've all been waiting for. Blofeld's situation mirrors the testament of Dr. Mabuse. From 1933, in which an incarcerated crime lord... I did not realise. I know, right? Continues to run his operation from within his cell while babbling incoherently to throw off his captors. Yep. That's your fun fact from No Time to Die. That's what it was. It was. Two more things before we wrap this up, because we've been going for four hours and 15 minutes. I mean, We've almost hit I'm, the 61st really anniversary. Get, Round of applause. We have. I'm willing. Really, I'm willing to go for 60 years at this point. Well, we our record is six hours, and we do six hours for 60 years. Uh, Colin will be gone yeah, with that. Could we do 60 years? I want to actually ask a deep question, and I legitimately oh, mean this one. It wasn't me. For the 60th anniversary, sum up what the James Fro- James Bond franchise means to you. Am I going, or are you going? You can go first. Oh. I'm not going to ask myself Ben, what do you think? <laughs> Did you say the James Bond or the James Frond? The James um, Frond Banchise What does it mean to you? Uh, well, it's uh, That is a tough question But it's, it's funny because You, you, you we've, we've talked about how we, these This series has gone continuously For 60 years and I can't think of another series that I've followed for this long. Um, and me and Ben over on that great show, The Oz Network, talked about Lost, and I 
what's lost from the beginning in 2004. And that was kind of the first show that I really got into, but I was into bond four years before I even got into lost when I was five years old. It's been with me since my earliest memories are uh, my earliest memories are golden eye world's not enough. So even though I'm a bit younger than you guys and I was still sort of young when Craig started this franchise has been there my entire life, just as it's been there for Ben's life and Colin's life. It's kind of like, it's funny at the time of recording, the queen died about a month ago. She was that sort of figure that was always there in everyone's life. But I would argue if there's one other figure, and this is going to sound really wanky and lame, if there's one other figure outside of the team that's been a part of everyone's life, it's kind of James Bond. James everyone's Bond has dead. been a part of Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, outside of like a few people who were born before the Bond novel started, more or less this character has been a part of everyone who's alive. And as I said at the beginning of the show, it's going to outlive um, all of us. And I'm okay with that. I'm fine that I'm going to die before Bond's going to die. Well, more or less. how you Uh, drink sooner than you think. uh, But this is kind of the first kind of thing that I, and we are on this podcast, we geek out on, we geek out on Star Wars and on Last 24, uh, James Bond. Like we're geeks in one way or another, and we geek out really on franchises of some sort. And it's kind of the first thing that I ever geeked out on, and and it's been there my whole life, and it's going to be there until I'm an old man, touch wood. Um, not that kind of wood, uh, but... Touch my wood. And then, and then oh, I touch Billy Magnuson's wood, but... Then and then to get Once. really sappy, like I can't believe it's been seven years that we've done this show. And I mean, we did the Survivor thing, and that was like that was a bust, and that was fun at the time. Cancelled, thanks, Max. Yeah, it got cancelled. The Oz Network thing we talked about last. It wasn't my favourite thing. I'm going to be honest, but oh, but I mean, that was the time of my life. The, 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 <laughs> the, the fact that we could do this show and even though it's been less frequent, you talked about the release dates, we used to be getting them out like that. Uh, not only has this franchise been a big part of my life, but then th- this podcast and I've become even more of a Bond fan. And now there's so many in-jokes about these films and we can just throw in-jokes about back with the dogs or whatever that I never really had people that I could talk about the Bond franchise in that level. So uh, it is a bit of a sappy question and I, I'm going on, but it's been there my entire life. And then when I was 20, uh, this podcast came along and I'm 27 now and I, I've loved the franchise the same since I was a kid to now and I'm going to continue to love it. And it, it's the queen of our lives. It's it's always there. And uh, 60 years, here's to another 60. Just going to quickly add before Colin jumps in there, fun fact about Noah is that yeah he's developed as a Bond fan since he started this podcast that's helped him, but from when he actually started doing this podcast to now, still hasn't had a date. So that's one thing that definitely and has lived in how many countries? Yeah. Yeah. And he's almost missing a liver at this point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> had more livers in his life than dates. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Double the amount of livers. And Colin's <laughs> making out with his arms <laughs> like, Colin's like diamonds are forever with Sean Connery. <laughs> I think that one almost killed me. Uh, um, all right, me, uh, my turn. Uh, you know what's interesting is that I will, I will always have said 
I was number one, a Star Wars fan and number two, a James Bond fan. But I think the most interesting thing about James Bond is that um, I, I would probably put James Bond number one for the reason that I've now seen Star Wars movies that I just absolutely hate and I try to pretend don't exist. I have Nicholas Susick's uh, entire Star Wars trilogy almost. And uh, Noah trying to show us his crotch again or is he- No, he's giving me the He is starting the human centipede. Ben, you're next. He's literally bending over right now, right in front of the camera. We're going to say, Noah's ass, not bad. Um, Just saying. Oh, he's trying to find some beer under the couch or something, right? I don't know. He's desperate. Sorry, Colin. But, uh, but like, I've gone through, even just since becoming a Bond fan, Bond movies that I genuinely didn't like. I mean, we've talked about three of them already. You know, Die Another Day, Quantum of Solace, and Spectre. These are movies that I have a lot of issues with, and yet I never feel like it's a chore if I'm getting around to watching those movies I dislike. I think that's the most interesting. Bond might be the only thing out there where it's like bad Bond is still good Bond. I'm not going to give a pizza quote that anybody who listened to our Survivor podcast probably heard a million times. Thanks to Ben. But uh, Bond is something that bad Bond, it's still Bond. It's it's like bad pizza, right? And Ben was like scratching his head like he forgot the pizza quote. No, I remember the quote. Ben. I just a bit offended that we don't want to, you know, you wouldn't have a fucking job right now if it wasn't for that show. So uh, respect your roots, Colin. I think we were canceled because of the pizza quote. Uh, that's what I heard from Max Dawson. But uh, that's very yeah, racist. Like, that there, quote. So. It, it doesn't matter how Bond bad, bad Bond is. Like I can't envision a future where if they had a run of five movies in a row that were all like Spectre, I'd probably still be watching. I'd probably still be podcasting about it. I think that's the most interesting thing about Bond that uh, I never really considered. As much as I love. Star Wars, I never quite considered the like, yeah, Star Wars has clearly proven that I can be broken of being a Star Wars fan. I'm not going to watch them just in Star Wars. I will watch whatever Bond is just as Bond. And I I agree with that completely because I think the difference is, is that if or when James Bond goes a bit stupid, die another day, you know, Moonrake or whatever, they're quick to be like, yeah, okay, we kind of fucked up there. Let's try something different. Whereas Star Wars like, no, these are canon and these are proper and we will stand. Like if, if Disney tomorrow were like, yep. Okay, we fucked the sequels up. They are now the Legends timeline and episode seven will be started again. And then they fixed it and we got a good sequel trilogy. I'd probably, okay, cool. Thanks, Disney. But they don't admit it. So, you know, anyway. Um, so, but yeah, I'm similar to Colin that I always debated, like, is it Star Wars? Is it James Bond? And I would say Star Wars was the first one that I saw as a kid. I very vividly remember as a kid watching Star Wars for the first time and, falling in love with it and all that kind of fun stuff. But I think the difference is, is that James Bond has been more consistent throughout my life. I have many more memories of it. And I think you sort of said it now about how it's been part of all of our lives. And I think with a lot of things that we all love in our lives, you can pinpoint it to moments in time and moments of life and just the memories you have with it. I mean, my father, this is one of the best memories I have with my dad growing up is watching all the James Bond movies with him and discovering the love of James Bond. And I can talk to my dad about James Bond still. It's something that, you know, you have in common. And then through that, I had great friendships back when I used to have friends in, in primary school and high school where it was built around James Bond. And we talked about James Bond. It was something that we had in common. And it just, everything about the franchise has been something that has always been consistent in my life. And I completely agree with Colin. Even the bad James Bond movie, like even Moonraker, I as much as I dislike Moonraker as a James Bond movie, I'm going to watch Moonraker over a majority of other film franchises 
that exist out there. I would watch Moonraker over any MCU movie. Uh, I would probably watch Moonraker over any DCEU. And I love the DCEU. It's just, you know, how it is. It's a James Bond film. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I'm firmly on the page that James Bond is my favourite film franchise. It baffles me when I tell people that I do a James Bond podcast. Oh, what do you talk about? Like, what the fuck? Like, there are people out there who do Frasier podcasts. Like, I, I like Frasier. It's a good TV show. But, like, I mean, after you've done the Frasier recap series, what more can you do? Was Niles really gay? Like, I mean, I don't know. Like The ranking? <laughs> ranking the Frasier dogs. Like, I mean, no disrespect to Frasier. I, I like Frasier, but, like, people should question that Monty more. Frasier, Ben Waterworth. Like, I don't get it. Now, has, has this podcast outlasted the original run of the Survivor show that you started at this point? Why are we all saying the Survivor show? Like, you all remember it, what it was called, right? Um, Yeah, it would have. I don't want to be associated with it. Survivor Oz went from, what, 2011 to 2016 until it rebooted, and this has gone from 2015 now to at least 2022. So, yeah, this is this is the longest. Well, Euro's Vision is technically still around, so I guess Euro's Vision is technically the longest outside of that. But, um, but can you imagine when you started this little Survivor show that we would be here in 2022 still going on this James Bond podcast, I, going strong? No, I didn't because I, I never imagined that I'd meet idiots like you. So, um. But it's like, and in the podcast has helped that love, and because I agree with what you say, no, the in jokes, the references, just things like that. I, I don't know if I ever, I mean, I wanted to read the books, but I don't know if I ever would have read the books, you know, with without this podcast and just other things that I've appreciated, and not just with having you two on the show because it's been great, but the people we've been able to meet. I mean, we joke about Nicholas Susick, but he's a great guy. He writes very interesting books about it and all that kind of stuff. Some of the other people I've interviewed on this show that I've opened my eyes up to different aspects of the James Bond franchise and the fan community, the people we've met, as we've said in our other episodes, I don't think there is really... Uh, like we've been around toxic fan communities. The James Bond fan community is not a toxic fan community. I think the James Bond. As much as I'm bagging out the Reddit people, yeah, the James Bond people are good. Ninety-eight percent of the James Bond fan community is fantastic, and I think good that it's, it's a, a safe fan community to be a part of. Yeah. So, the long-winded answer is James Bond means a lot to my life. <laughs> I have a tattoo of James Bond. So, and a Monopoly game, and a Monopoly game. Um, and but, I mean, like yeah. this. This podcast is not going to last forever. Actually, we're announcing this is our final episode. Colin's had Um, four and a half hours on this bullshit. It was in the pre-production meeting. Colin said, we've got to end this. Um, It's not going to last forever, but I think even when we're old and gray, well, Colin's already there, but even though the podcast won't last forever, I think the in-jokes and the kind of memories, whenever we rewatch these films, they're going to last until we are old, old men. Like, yeah. We're never going to forget some of the things we've referenced when we rewatch. And I can't think of another film series, even though I love many films and many series, where I have that connection where I could rewatch a film and it's going to bring back memories of that sort. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that completely. Um, but it's a, it's a big occasion, 60 years of James Bond. And I think that, uh, you know, obviously I'm sure we're not the only podcast out there that's doing a special episode on it today. But And when we say today, if you're listening to this in like 2023, 2024, we are releasing this on October 5th, 2022, which is the official 60th anniversary of James Bond. Dr. No being released. We all died in a devastating we car crash on the, the way to play the Monopoly Ben Waterworth game. And then the meteorite hit the earth and we all died and now aliens from Pluto are listening to us right now. Yeah, but I, so I, shout out to Plutonians. And for the first time on this show ever in 122 episodes right now, 
as Colin puts his headphones on, it's a perfect amount of time to close this out. I think I we all this. end with a song to celebrate James Bond. I'm playing the piano. Are we singing Ben's it? Ben's playing. Happy birthday, Happy birthday to birthday you. To you. Happy birthday, birthday to James Bond. Happy birthday to James Bond. Under the mango tree. Still going. Roll your boat gently down the stream. I want to wake up. Makes me I want to wake up. Yes and no. <laughs> On an all-time high. <laughs> Man uh, fact. Um, and, so clear. and what does Roger Moore think of that? A woman. Apparently. <laughs> That's what he thought about. That, that, that was either the best thing we've ever done on the show or by far the worst thing. I don't know. I think I think it's the man with the golden gun of what we've done the show. It's somewhere in the middle. And I think the perfect way to close this episode out is that, yes, I could end it with this song as a closing credits. But we can do that on the 20th anniversary of that later on this year because I think we need to close it out with Mango Tree for, tw- for yes. 60 years of Dr. No, 60 years of this franchise. And I will end by saying my name is Ben and that's a shitty podcast and if you've had your... These are really shit, Ben. God, just... No, better closing. Yeah, I mean, you stole mine. I I was going to say my name is Nora and you've had your 60. No, well, that would have been better. Now that I usually steal your thing, I live through that right again. In your face, my, my, my name is Ben, and you've had your sixty. Oh God, I'm smart. Ben, what are we? What are we paying you three dollars for? Come on, it was right in your face. I like it in my face. And my name is Colin, and I pulled it off. Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me, come watch for the moon. Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me make bulloop soon. Underneath the moonlit sky, me honey and I come sit hand in hand. Underneath the moonlit sky, me honey and I come make fairyland. Mango, banana and tangerine Sugar and aki and cocoa bean When we get married we make them grow And nine little child in a row Underneath the mango tree Me honey and me come watch for the moon Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me, we plan marry soon. Banana and tangerine, sugar and aki and cocoa bean. 
When we get married, we make them grow A nine little child in a row Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me Come watch for the moon Underneath the mango tree, me honey and me We plan marry soon Underneath the mango tree Underneath the mango tree Underneath the mango tree Underneath the mango tree